This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. 94 WIP HD1 Philadelphia. From the Tasty Cake Studios, the NFL plays on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Why don't we count it down here? 17, 16, 15, 14, around the world, people count it down everywhere. Obviously at different times. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Happy New Year, everybody! From all of us at Sports Radio 94 WIP, we love you. Ben, Kenny, Happy New Year! Hey, Dan. I mean, how about that? Thank West, you, Paul. Westwood One. Thank you, Paul Jolovitz. A tradition unlike any other here at Sports Radio 94 WIP. The Westwood One coverage of Sunday Night Football taking us literally right to midnight on the nose. Francisco Rojas producing on his birthday, by the way. Take you know precision with that uh, timing wise. That clip you just heard from last year's New Year's Eve. Uh, it's been played many times here on the station over the past year. Had to ring in 2024. I mean, what better way to ring in 2024 than with Paul Jalovitz? And no better way to bring it in than us. Our first hosting shift ever. We are here. You excited, buddy? They they let the kids out of the cage, we'll they, say. We are out of the cage. We are out of the producer booth for the night. Uh, an awkward lead-in, I guess you could say, just right at midnight on New Year's Eve. We'll always remember for as long as we live where we were uh, counting into 2024. Yes, I am Dan Wilson. That is Ben Kenny. Uh, Francisco Rojas about to head home here. Uh, he's going to grind here. He's going to be right back for the morning show tomorrow. Terry Tillman about to take over behind the glass. This is Sports Radio 94 WIP 215-592-9494. How you join the show if you're out and about in the city, out and about wherever, listening on the Odyssey app, listening on a radio, listening on an Uber ride home. Uh, we hope everyone's staying safe. Hope everyone is celebrating responsibly, having lots of fun. We certainly will be. A uh, lot going on. Obviously, calendar just flipped to 2024. We had an Eagles game today, yeah, by the way. If it's possible to have fun tonight. If it's possible to have fun tonight, we're going to try. The Eagles lost at the hands of the Arizona Cardinals. Not great. Uh, certainly not great at all. But we have four hours to get into that. We we ride till 4 a.m. Um, we'll get to that in just a minute. Ben, I wanted to tell a quick story uh, as I, we got in the air here. And I know you have yes. uh, something to tell, too. Well, I have so, a story, too. It's not as interesting. I know, I know you do. So, yes, Dan Wilson, Ben Kenny, usually you hear us producing, usually you hear us screening your calls. Uh, we are hosting tonight, hosting our first ever show here in New Year's Eve. This is the business, you know, radio never sleeps. You got to take the opportunity where you can get it. We are, we could not be any happier to be on uh, here tonight. I, the story I wanted to tell is that I guess 22 years ago here, as I'm now hosting my first show, uh, my mom, my mom, Robin, who is at home, I know, locked into every word here tonight. And she's about to cry when I tell this story. Literally was pregnant with my younger brother. And I had just fallen asleep after hours of 
rocking back and forth and trying to get me to go to bed. Hours of getting after it on New Year's Eve. Exactly. I, it, was, it wasn't New Year's Eve. It was just a random night, I think oh. it was. Yeah, it wasn't a New Year's Eve story. Uh, but my dad was listening to WIP, and my mom, who is not a angry or temperamental person at all, ran over to the clock, unplugged it, and threw WIP out the window. And here we are 22 years later. I'm now hosting on WIP. Ben, your thoughts? Well, I, I, that's 2001. I, I wonder the subject 22, matter. 22 years ago. Yeah, I don't know what the subject matter was. I mean, Allen Iverson was pretty big at the time. I actually, I, they don't remember the specific day. Was, was it was six Donovan years Donovan a franchise quarterback? Was Donovan a, franchi- Donovan a franchise quarterback? Might have been the discussion. Could have been Howard. Could have been Jolly, whose voice we just heard. <laughs> I mean, it literally could have been Jolly. Do you know the story of Tom Kelly trying to call in the Jolly show after the 2002 uh, oh, God, no. <laughs> NFC Championship? No. The, the night before the 2002 NFC Championship game. Well, I wonder how that went. Uh, he no. got stonewalled by the producer because he had a little pipsqueak voice. <laughs> He's still barely a grown adult. No, it's beautiful, though. I was going to – I don't have a, a deep, long WIP connection. I will say this is the most memorable way I've ever spent a New Year's. Um, I don't like the holiday, generally speaking. Okay. And I guess that – I mean, that's something we're going to open up later in the show. My other most memorable New Year's is last year when I didn't leave my couch for eight hours, watched – yeah, big college football guy, Ben Kenny. Watch each of the games in, in its entirety. And I, I, I forego all of the plans my friends had to do that. That was the most memorable New Year's. This now is. So I, that tells you enough about my thoughts on the holiday. Is that where this is your most memorable sitting in, in the studio way. with me? Well, in a good way. But then also, I, I think, here's the, this is the theme that's going to ring true throughout the entire night. Yes. This is a festive night. We're in a new year. It's supposed to be anyway. It's supposed to be a festive night. Every thought I have that's positive brings me back to what happened at 1 o'clock today or yesterday. Yeah, now yesterday. Last year, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> are we doing that? No, no. I actually hate people who do that, but I had to slip one in. <laughs> 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. When you give us a call, tell us what you're up to tonight. Did you have a good New Year's Eve? Obviously reacting to the Eagles game. We're going to rip the team for four hours. Uh, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of the game. We're going to you know, go through uh, an exciting and, you know, Action-packed week uh, in NFL Week 17. Not exciting for the Eagles so much, but around the league in general. Uh, Sixers' Adam, Adam Aronson will join us at 2 a.m. Uh, and a whole lot more fun. But, Ben, I wanted to start with this. So, so, we're now five minutes past midnight. What we saw now yesterday, 1 o'clock at the link, was maybe the worst loss, might have been the worst regular season Eagles loss of both of our lives. I mean, we're... It's up there. It, it's certainly up there. Uh, It definitely felt like the worst loss since Chip Kelly, and I'm going to relate to that in a second. But this loss today, losing 35-31 at the hands of the Arizona Cardinals, was definitely the worst loss since Chip Kelly, and there's a lot of scary parallels, too. This game today, you had a three-win Arizona Cardinals team. You had a team begging, I mean begging, to just be kicked, you know, to the curb in their second-to-last game of the season be just have their season wrapped up. It's New Year's Eve. They're traveling cross country, playing at 10 a.m. Their tea times are made. Their season's over. Their off-season tea times are made. Like, their head shouldn't be as in the game as it was. And it wasn't. For the first half, it clearly wasn't. The Eagles, in theory, had them on the ropes. If you are what your record says you are, the Eagles came in as an 11-4 team. The Arizona Cardinals came in a three-win team. They have a two-touchdown lead at halftime. That shouldn't be a problem to close that out. But it was. And we're going to play the blame game throughout the course of the show. We're going to go back and forth at who you blame to this. But today was the worst Eagles loss since the Chip Kelly era. And what really scares me is that we're seeing the parallels 
with Nick Sirianni. So where I'd like to open up tonight, Ben, and, and we'll go through the entire game. And again, you can join us on the phones, 215-592-9494. Ben, today is the day I lost my last bit of faith in Nick Sirianni. The Eagles head coach, who I defended on these very airwaves, social media, arguments with my friends, I debated and said Nick Sirianni, I, I, I believed in him. No, maybe not after his opening press conference, but pretty quickly thereafter. I was a strong believer in the fact that when a football coach has success, a football coach goes to the Super Bowl, that more so in football than any other sport, more so in baseball, more so than in basketball, more so than in hockey, that when you see a coach have success in the NFL, it's probably not a fluke. It's probably not a fluke. There have been bad managers to go to the World Series. There have been bad NBA coaches to win the NBA Finals. The go-to example is Doc Rivers with the 08 Celtics, right? Sure. Oh, yeah. There, there have been bad coaches to win the Stanley Cup, right? Usually, bad coaches do not win in the NFL. There's too much play calling. There's too much scheme, too much week-long preparation. It's hard to fake. It's hard to fake being good in the NFL. But, Ben, Nick Sirianni might have done it last year. It felt like the game, in today's time of possession, was almost 2-1. to one. It was almost a 2-1 to one ratio. The Cardinals won the time of possession today 39-39 to 20-21. That's Chip Kelly-like stuff. They had won the time of possession battle with five minutes to go in the third quarter. Here's the the worst part of that is that's what the Eagles are supposed to do to other teams. As the Eagles are constructed. Keep the ball away. The Cardinals came in with a game plan. They executed it. Coach Gannon, Coach Jonathan Gannon, who left here and everybody hates, who's the defensive coordinator who, quote-unquote, cost the Eagles a Super Bowl a season ago, came in with a better game plan and outcoached Nick Sirianni today. Absolutely. Like how frustrating is that? In a uh the it's the stakes. It's the stakes of the game for me. Um again, one team entering, having everything to play for, having just been gifted an opportunity by the Cowboys the night before to have the 2 seed. All they had to do was beat a bad Cardinals team at home and then go on the road and beat a bad Giants team. And if you can't beat the Arizona Cardinals at home, Forget being the one seed, forget being the two seed, which they're still somehow in contention for. They win next week in New York, and the Cowboys lose in Washington. They're 13-point favorites. Apparently that doesn't mean anything. Hmm. If they they actually are still eligible for the two seed, they don't deserve the one seed. They don't deserve the two seed. They barely deserve the five seed, which is their most likely outcome at this point. They don't deserve to be a playoff team. And you know what saying I completely lost faith in today? Is you are what your record says you are. The Eagles are 11-5. and I defended them up until this most previous week that they are, you know, maybe not a great elite NFL team. I thought the 49ers clearly showed they were better than them. The Cowboys certainly look better than them. But that their record is still, okay, there's most of the teams in the league you wouldn't trade positions with. This team we've seen the last month is not an 11-5 and team. This is a team who, for the first three months of the season, had holes but were able to find ways to win games. That was their identity. And now the team we're seeing in the last month is a broken product, a team that has been exposed, and a coaching staff that doesn't know how to adjust. Yeah, they skated by. What, what, what today did, in a way, invalidated some of what happened earlier in the season, where if they had gone through this stretch and won convincingly like we expected them to and thought they would, then we could look back upon the rest of the year and say, you know what, they were just good at winning, right? They didn't play good football necessarily. But they, but were, they were good, good at finding ways to lose games. You know what they've been good about, good at the past month? The opposite. Good at losing. Exactly. They have found ways to lose games. They found a way to lose today's game. The Cardinals didn't win that. They found a way to lose today's game. 
Exactly. And that's where we are. So getting back to Sirianni for a second and the parallels, it's scary to say that him and Chip Kelly could be in the same vein. And this is a guy who, in the year 2023, a year that ended 12 minutes ago, Ben, this guy coached in the Super Bowl. And now we're comparing him to the worst coach, the worst Eagles coach, certainly of our lifetimes, many would say ever, wasn't alive for the Rich Cotate era. I'm not going to pretend to be able to evaluate him, but certainly the worst coach of our lifetime. That guy was a hit immediately and then flamed out fast. And today's game reminded me of that Washington loss in 2014 with Chip Kelly. And I don't think Nick Sirianni is going to get shown the door after this season, but it certainly feels like he's a year away. And I lost my last bit of faith in Nick Sirianni today. Do you agree? 215-592-9494. Ben, the first reason I lost my last bit of faith in Sirianni today, besides the Chip Kelly comparisons, is I think he's proven the value he adds, which is incredibly minimal. No coordinators, no success. They lost two coordinators last year. First NFL team to do so since the 90s. They went to the Super Bowl. Shane Steichen takes the Colts job. Jonathan Gannon takes the Cardinals job. They didn't play the Colts this year, so there's not a direct comparison. But Steichen has had success in in, in Indianapolis. He's going to play likely for a playoff spot next week. We have Jonathan Gannon, whose team wasn't very good. No one expected them to be very good. But he just outcoached Sirianni earlier, now yesterday, on the final day of 2023. Some are saying the worst loss to, a, to an Arizona team in Philadelphia sports this year. Hmm. We'll you know, recount a little bit later in our side topic the year in Philadelphia sports that was and the awful relationship we have with Arizona, by the way. I mean, shout out to our program director here, Rod Lakin. He was nice enough to put us both on the air, thankful for the opportunity. But other than him, has anything good ever come out of Arizona? Because the Eagles lost the Super Bowl there. The Eagle, the Phillies lost the NLCS to the Arizona Diamondbacks. And the Eagles, for all intents and purposes, might have had their season end today at the hands of the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, John, Jonathan Gannon at least, as you were saying, put a, put a big cloud over the franchise. Put a huge cloud over the franchise. Which was, at, at least some way, like, that, that was his purpose, right? Like, that's the Gannon revenge game. That was his Super Bowl. Good. I'm glad he won his Super Bowl today. I hope they have a parade in Phoenix tomorrow. He's proven the value. Nick Sirianni has proven the value he adds, which is minimal, which is that he lost his offensive play caller. He lost his defensive play caller. And say what you will about Jonathan Gannon, but let's look at both sides of the ball here. I'll start with the defense because Gannon was in town. The defense, for all we heard that, okay, they were just talented. That wasn't really Jonathan Gannon. This is a team that has already had a, I won't say defensive coordinator, but a defensive play-calling change here this season, right? They already pulled the card. We were talking before the show, and you said this is the type of game that gets the defensive coordinator fired, except the Eagles already played that the, the, card. The problem with the Eagles is you already fired You already fired Sean Desai. You didn't even give him the full season. Jonathan Gannon, yes, they didn't stop, like, they didn't stop the Chiefs in the second half last year, but they also spotted Patrick Mahomes, and this, I'm talking about, like, MVP Patrick Mahomes, dominant Chiefs, best team in the league, Chiefs, 14 points. Jalen Hurts fumbled for one touchdown, and they also allowed a punt return down to the five. All right? if at Before the game, you said Jonathan Gannon's going to allow Patrick Mahomes to score 24 points, and there's also a holding call that a lot of people don't think was accurate, and that's the type of defensive performance that Jonathan Gannon is going to deliver. I think most people would have taken it. And also, this is a team that led <laughs> the league in sacks last year. Like, they actually ran stunts and had defensive play calls. The Eagles returned 7 of 11 and a, like defensive starters this year, and 7 of the 8 highest-paid guys 
return to the defense this year? Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles had a downgrade at defensive coordinator. Regardless of what you think of Gannon, can you absolutely say that like they upgraded? No. So they let Gannon walk out the door. Shane Steichen, I think we're all in agreement, was probably the best coach of the three. He was the offensive play caller. The offenses looked stale all season long. Hurts hasn't looked as good. Think about all the talent they have on the offense. It is hard to have Jalen Hurts, who was top two in MVP voting a season ago, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, and Dallas Goddard, and DeAndre Swift, and be this bad at offensive play calling. It seems predictable. If I asked you what's their offensive identity right now, other than the tush-push, what would you say? Well, that's what it is. It's the That's what it is. That's a problem. And Jake Elliott. That's a real – and that's the special teams. Sure. That's a real problem, okay? They are in a position now where the Eagles – am I insane to say that of the three coaches they had last year in the Super Bowl, head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, the Eagles might have kept the worst of the three? I mean, after today, no. I, I, I see Rianne is when, when all is said and done. Do you think it's very conceivable that's how history will be written? It's conceivable. I think Sirianni's a better coach. But, I, I mean, the point is today has has taken you off of all the faith you had in Sirianni's gone, which if you look at the evidence and look at what is happening on the field right now, it's hard to disagree. Good coaches, when they go to the Super Bowl, usually have at least one of their coordinators taken away, and the good coaches are able to keep the train moving because they're the reason for the success, not the coordinators. After the Eagles went to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl in 2017, the, the everyone believed that Frank Reich was the key to their success when they started out slow in 18. Now that take aged poorly. This might be the take that we like. That might actually be happening this time. They lost the offensive play caller again to Indianapolis, and they might have lost the guy who actually. I'm not going to say he's a defensive genius. I'm not saying Jonathan Gannon is Jim Johnson before anyone freaks out, but he at least got this defense to be good. He's a good coach. Like He was a good coach. He's, he's at the least a good coordinator. I don't think he's a good head coach. I agree with you. That's well said. But he's a good coordinator. At the very least. And he was a good coordinator, and the Eagles spotted the Chiefs 14 points in the Super Bowl last year. And now we're sitting in a situation where it's like, I'd rather have that guy calling the defense than anything the Eagles have. It's a real problem. It's a real, real problem. The head coach is a real problem. Yeah, you're, wa- and, you're wavering on him. And point number two. This team is always one of two things. Tell me if you agree with this. They're either unprepared or zero ability to make adjustments. They looked good in the first half today. Like, good enough. It looked like they were going to coast to a win. Um, the, the Cardinals were handing them part of the game. Yes, but, but th- that's what three-win teams do. Yeah. That's what teams who already have made their tee times do, right? Now we're in a situation where <laughs> the Eagles, I mean, go into halftime, and it's like, what are they, what are they talking about at halftime? Like, I'd love to be a fly in the wall on what they're discussing at halftime. Aren't you anticipating that even the worst of NFL coaches, even if you don't think that highly of Jonathan Gannon, that he's going to make some form of adjustment? That they're going to, they're looking at what you've done on defense. They prepared for this game all week, and this game means something to him. They're going to make some form of adjustment. Was there any adjustment that Nick Sirianni made today? Like, anything. What, what value did he add to that second half? Yeah, I mean, the, the evidence is, well, you go back to Seattle as well. The Eagles had a, a convincing halftime lead, and the minute the third quarter started, the game switched. And they tried to give away the Giants game on Christmas, too. Exactly. So they're either one of two things. They're either unprepared or zero ability to make adjustments. Think about all the games where they came out flat. And I actually probably mistakenly gave them too much credit. I probably gave Sirianni and his coaching staff too much credit for making adjustments for other teams' mistakes at the end of games. For other teams' mistakes at the end of games, and the league hadn't caught up to them yet. 
That 49ers game, I, I mean, the real unfortunate takeaway here is the 49ers might have been right all offseason. I think they were. Debo calling Bradbury trash. That takes, you know, aged really well here. The fact that their offense is predictable, Christian McCaffrey going on the Manning cast and saying, okay, uh, you know, I know what they're going to run here, and it's exactly what they run. It's stale. It's predictable. Once you and I are sitting here in the studio watching the game and we know what's going to happen, the opposing defensive coordinator probably knows what's going to happen. That's a real problem. So that's takeaway number two. I think this team is always either unprepared, zero ability to make adjustments. There's a reason they haven't played a complete game. And the third reason, Ben, that I have, you know, I'm really losing faith in Sirianni here. This locker room, it's feeling like a bad marriage. You know, we're not, or, or, you know, a bad relationship. You know, I don't know how many of your friends are married. I don't have any friends yet who are married. I have a couple who are engaged. You ever been around a couple where you can tell things aren't right? They argue in public and you wonder what are their arguments like in private? That's what this Eagles team feels like. We're going to play audio for you later of Sidney Brown on the postgame show with Jack Fritz and Rob Ellis. And what that sounded like, obviously the A.J. Brown decision to not speak to the media has been talked about, scrutinized all week. Jason Kelsey, Devontae Smith, they're self-critical, negative on the team. You talk to the head coach and he said, everything's fine, we just need to fix it. It's week 17. If it's not fixed by New Year's, when is, like this is who you are. This is who you are in. It's not going to get fixed before week 18 against the Giants. It's not going to get fixed before the playoffs. This team feels like a bad marriage and a locker room slowly starting to slip and a head coach when faced with adversity who doesn't know how to punch back. It feels like the league has caught up to Nick Sirianni. It feels like the coordinators were the reason for his success. It feels like this is a team who this offseason, there's going to be offseason leaks, there's going to be guys going on podcasts or radio shows or whatever, not dying to come back, leaking information that you probably don't want getting out. And his best skill as a head coach, being a motivator, if it's only going to work when things are going well, it's not, like that's not a recipe for success. Mm-hmm. Like, do you have confidence that this team will come back under Nick Sirianni next year and like punch back against the league? Um, no, unless he finds you know the next two hot coordinators. I mean, to me, what's happened is clearly winning was masking a lot of things, and the mistakes of other teams looking back in hindsight, was masking a lot. But even last week, and and take away yesterday's game, last week in a win against the Giants, we felt the same type of dysfunction and little bit of turmoil under the surface. But but you even felt the things in the locker room that you would have felt in a loss in a win. And it was that moment where I I think they all are realizing When was the last time you saw a receiver not talk after a win like that, by the way? Well, last week. I mean, before that. (laughs) Have you ever seen it? I I have not. Has anyone ever seen that? Before we go to the phones here, I want to make one final point. To all the people who you have pushed this talking point, I've heard it on the station and on social media a lot, which is that we saw this coming for the first three months of the season. My only pushback is this. This team is significantly worse now than they were the first three months of the season. They might have shown signs of struggling. They might have shown signs of bad play calling the first three months of the season, but that 49ers loss broke them in a really, really bad way. It broke them in a really, really bad way, exposed them in a really bad way, and it seems like the blueprint, who was it? Remind me who said the blueprint was out uh, after that game. One of the 49ers players said it. I'm drawing a blank. But Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa said the blueprint for the Eagles is out. He was 100% correct because every game since, the Eagles have either been blown out like they were in Dallas or struggled to beat a team like the Giants, like the Cardinals, who are supposed to be layup wins. This team is going to get embarrassed 
in the playoffs, and they're going to be a first-round knockout in going to Tampa or whoever wins that NFC South. And a, a season that looked like after Thanksgiving weekend they were going to be the one seed is now going to end wild-card weekend on the road. And the next time the Eagles play a game with the link, it's going to be next fall. It's a long fall from grace. That's hard to disagree. It's, it's hard to disagree. I, I mean, I'm not – listen, um, I, I think a lot of the – a lot of the track record of Sirianni has given him at least a bit of the benefit of the doubt in my mind. I'm starting to waver on the thought. I mean, my, my focus in, in today's game, the story coming back, I just could not watch it without immediately thinking as the defense gets gashed and the Cardinals go for 450 yards and they can't stop Kyler Murray, that this defense, while they've added some veterans that have not really done much to it, like what, what's the most notable uh, Kevin Byard moment of the season? Right, like what? What's what's your favorite Shaq Leonard play? A sack well, against the, the Tommy sack, DeVito. The, the sack last week. Not much since they've been since they've been added. This was the defense that sucked and is the reason they lost to the Cardinals. This was the defense that Howie Roseman entered the season with. The defensive line is all healthy. They're not playing good, but they're healthy. The linebacking core, Moro Leonard are playing. There's no Cunningham or Dean, but what are those guys giving the team at this point? And Nicobe Dean has done nothing in his career. The cornerback room, there's no Slay. But is Slay fixing what happened on the field yesterday? I don't think so. He's not. He, he's a corner. He's not in there defending the run as much. And the safety room is the same as well, plus Bayard, who's done nothing. All of the offseason moves he made, it, it felt like he's butchered an offseason where he had a Super Bowl team, Howie Roseman this is, entering a season with in a Super Bowl window with Jalen Hurts. And it feels like he has butchered an opportunity because the defense – the personnel he entered the season with is an utter failure. So I want to get to what you just said in a second. I want to take a call. We're going to go break. We're going to talk about that in the next segment. Uh, you know, I'm putting this on Sirianni. I'm saying I've lost faith in Sirianni. You're certainly putting some blame on Howie Rosen. Want to hear from the callers. Who are they putting today's loss in? Who have they lost most faith in in this organization? Again, want to go to the phones. 215-592-9494. George in North Wilmington starts us off here. Dan and Ben, New Year's Rock and Eve on WIP. What's up, George? How you fellas doing? Happy New Year. Doing What's well. Up, George? George, really quick, you have the, the distinct honor, two things. Number one, you are the first ever caller that Dan, that myself, Dan, and Ben are both ever taking uh, in our sports talk careers. And you were the first, well, sorry, I should say Ben did work previously in sports talk, not uh, at WIP. The first caller we've ever taken here at WIP. And you were the first WIP caller of 2024. How does that make you feel? Well, I feel honored, and congratulations to both of you fellas to put a show on at such a important evening where many people are not even listening to the radio. We appreciate but, that, George. But, um, uh, yeah, I feel honored. I uh, tried to get through to to Bob El Rob Ellis after the Eagles game for about an hour and a half. It was busy because I was really frustrated, and he probably would have thrown me off because I had a lot of expletives in my head. But in let's, any let's event, keep it clean, George. Hopefully, you've calmed down oh, a little bit. Oh, I will. Yeah, I'm very calm. Um, it's very, very, very frustrating to think I can't come up with an answer. What happened to this team in the last month? Um, everybody's seen what's happened to the last team. I can't figure it out. I have no more faith in this head coach. Granted, he inherited a good team. Then some of the players left. Uh, then, the, then the coordinators left. And now we're looking at a man that maybe not be ready to coach in the NFL as a head coach. 
I cannot get over, and I feel sorry for the fans. You know, they go, they expect it. You got a you got a team that's ten and one, and you know maybe they're not elite. You know, they're finding ways to win. Now they're finding ways to lose because they don't seem to be interested in what they're doing, and the play calling is what really irritates me. If I see another bubble screen with three guys, and now you've got your number six. 165-pound lead blocker wearing a boot and on crutches out the front door tonight. George, because, it, feel, it feels predictable, doesn't it? Like, doesn't it feel like oh, when you're watching oh. these games at home, like, you know what's about to happen, and therefore, yeah. obviously, so does the other team? Of course. And, you know, it didn't take McCafferty to tell me what's happening. Um, you already know. You've watched is. the team all year. I've Listen, I'm 72 years old. I've, I've saw – Terry Bradshaw as a rookie at Franklin Field. Okay, so. your yeah, your fan <laughs> credentials are are up there. We're really quick, we got to hit a break here. Where sure. would you rank today uh, in the all-time Eagles regular season losses? Well, since it's the freshest, I would put it first. But you know, the Chip Kelly era had a lot to be desired too. And you know, there were times around the turn of the century. Um, where we had bad teams. And, you know, I go all the way, like I said, I go all the way back. You know, I was at the 1960 championship game, for Christ's sake. I've seen a lot of football, either live or on TV. It's a great sport, but I want to tell you something. When you have a wide receiver, like you said, who does not want to comment, I don't want to say anything. You know, it's not you reporters. It's what's in the locker room. Yeah, and def- that to me tells a that you know that's a big, big, big negative. Yep. And yep. Uh, some sometimes what you say uh, or what you don't say is uh, even louder than what you say. George, we appreciate the call. Have a happy and healthy New Year's Eve. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. We're overdue overdue here for a break. It is Dan Wilson. It is Ben Kenny hosting our first ever show here on Sports Radio ninety four WIP here on this New Year's Eve. If you're out and about in the city. Again, tell us where you are. Are you Ubering home? Are you driving? Hopefully uh, safely. Did you spend the night at home? Are you still in anguish over this Eagles loss? Terry Tillman producing Sports Radio 94 WIP. And on the other side, want to get to what Sidney Brown, Ben, said. We were both here for the postgame show. And Sidney Brown came on live with Rob Ellis, with Jack Fritz, in one of the maybe most honest conversations we've heard from not just an Eagles player, from any athlete, here in the year 2023. Want to play those comments next. Again, we'll get to that next. Sports Radio 94 WIP. It's Dan, it's Ben, it's Terry Tillman producing. uh, Coming up next after the break. It is what it is. We just lost the worst team in the NFL, and um, it's all about how we respond. Um, I I don't think the confidence is gone, but we we do need to to come together and – you know, figure this out because I mean, we are we are we play the defense. We know we can play. I mean, I, I think we're the most dominant unit in the NFL, with, especially with the guys that we got. Um, and I don't I don't have, I mean, I don't have any loss in confidence in who we have on the field. It's just all about what we do. Sports Radio ninety four WIP New Year's Eve show WIP's New Year's Rock and Eve. I am Dan Wilson. Sitting to my right is Ben Kenny. Terry Tillman is behind the glass. Two one five five nine two. 94 94 Ben that was Sidney Brown. Yeah, that, I was uh, let me tell, I was floored when I went back and listened to it. That's a that's game. a rookie. You do not usually hear something so candid and so open and so blunt frankly from a rookie. This guy 
who is the only guy who made a play. Well, I was going to say, it's his first year, poor guy, first year in the NFL. He he has a 99-yard pick six in this game. And he's nice enough to come on the post-game show. And, you know, they Rob and Jack did a good job with the interview and the whole thing. Uh, you know, you can listen on the Odyssey Rewind app. It was a good interview in general. But, like, the story of the game should be, wow, this rookie safety made a 99-yard pick six. This rookie safety helped the Eagles to victory in a team you should beat. He incorrectly referred to the Arizona Cardinals as the worst team in the NFL. But they're in the bottom three based on record. Semantics. They, semantics. They like, stink. They stink. And he knew how bad they were. The whole locker room knew how bad they were. And whether other guys are willing to say it, he speaks for... I'm sure what the feeling was in that locker room. Like, there has to be some confidence shattered. There has to be some – this is a demoralizing loss for the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, an all-time, all-time Eagles loss. I mean, I know what George just said. Like, this is the worst loss because it's the one that happened today. And I try not to lose sight of context and try not to lose sight of everything feels worse in the moment. But I mean it. When this season is over, when we look back on – I mean, it was the final day of the year, but we look back on this entire season and we look back years from now – and we say which loss was the worst, definitively the worst, of the 2023-24 Eagles season, we're going to look back to this Cardinals game and say this was the one. They were favored by, what, 13 points. They had ze- they were leading 20-6 to at the half. Zero excuse to lose. And Sidney Brown put it best. Like, you don't have to hear it from us. Like, Sidney Brown put it best. They lost to what they viewed as the worst team in the NFL, and they blew it. They flat-out blew it today. Yeah, go, I think, even go back 20 years. I mean, the context of it. Normally, losses this bad are ones, when you mention Chip Kelly, that come at the end of a coaching tenure that mark the end of that said tenure. The end of, like, the dream team era. Like, if if Sirianni gets fired at the end of next year, like, this will be labeled the beginning of the end. I mean, I guess you could say that 49er game, but, like, this was the one that really set me over the edge on Sirianni. And, again, I know he's been under fire here recently, but, like, this is the one that really, like, I've had it with him. It's it, it's where the dam breaks or it starts to break. Correct. But this is, again, this loss comes not with the team out of it. The end of the Chip Kelly era, the team got absolutely steamrolled at home, but the, but the team stunk, and we knew Chip Kelly was gone because they were dead and they had no answer. This team at least shouldn't be dead. They were 11-4 and four entering the game. They are the two seed in the NFC. Well, they were. They, they were. And they, all they, they have to do it, yeah. is take care of business against two bad teams to lock up the two seed. This is yeah, this they is, got the help. We all rooted for the Cowboys last night, and this was karma striking us in the ass. Like they're going to win the division now. Yeah, I, given context, I I would I think people would be hard pressed to find me over the last twenty years a worse regular season loss because of everything at stake, because of the team you were playing and what was at stake put together. Like all the criteria was there. Plus, plus what it signifies, because again, it is starting to people starting to waver on Sirianni. I mean, I think everybody hates Brian Johnson. I, I, I would be, I would be stunned if I found a Brian Johnson supporter. If there's someone on the line right now or listening right now, who believes not only in Nick Sirianni, but believes in Brian Johnson specifically, or even we'll even throw in Matt Patricia. I mean, I guess Patricia's only in a couple games here. No, throw in Matt Patricia because that's that's the other side. Is of it, it. Well, who is who is the coach or coordinator right now? You believe in? Like, is there one? Is My- there a fan right now who's like, yeah, I believe in this guy? I have one. Sure. Michael Clay. The special teams Congrats. have been you pick the special, phenomenal. You, spe- you picked the special teams guy. They call the fake punt in Dallas. Okay. And I'm going to limit it to the head coach, offensive, defensive coordinator. Michael Clay was the only coordinator they retained from a season ago. Yeah. No, there's, I, I, I mean, there's none. And I, th- this is what, again, I, I said it at the top. 
and my takeaway, just this is a game that gets a defensive coordinator fired. The problem is they already the did. Eagles have already fired the defensive coordinator. So there's, like, what do you do? What do you do if you're Nick Sirianni? And, and it's on the head the coach. Room, you can't have this much talent on the field, have yield this kind of results, and not make a change at head coach. Again, I don't think it's going to come this offseason because they went to the Super Bowl last year, but it means he enters next year on the hot seat. Take, take that away. What do you do going into next week? This team is in the playoffs. They're not a, they are not a cellar-dwelling team that's going to fire their coach. They're not tanking for draft position. They are in the playoffs. They're not so going to be for what long. Do you, what do you do? Like, if you're Sirianni, you show up to work, and, I mean, based on the performance at the end of the game, the offense was out there. Not to say they weren't trying, but I, the defense was totally dead. And, and I don't think there's any way to revive it. We entered the season saying Super Bowl or bust. Anything short? of lifting the Lombardi Trophy would be a failure. Ben, they might not make it to Divisional Weekend. It is a sad oh. state of affairs down at the Novacare Complex. Mike in the Northeast, you're in Sports Radio 94 WIP. What's up, Mike? What's up, guys? First off, Happy New Year. Happy Likewise. New Year to you. Hey, Mike. So, I want to say I have not despised a team more than I despise this Philadelphia Eagles team. They have no heart whatsoever. They lay down and die. They have shown us since week one... This is who they are. They are a bunch of losers. They have no heart. Nobody on that defense says to anybody, I'm going to make a play. I'm going to make a stop on third down. I'm going to force a fumble. I'm going to get an interception. Nobody does anything. And it's to the point where they have now lost four straight, what's it, four out of five games they lost now? Yeah, in the month of December. Yeah, the only I have one they- a, Mike, Mike, I have a stat for you that when I saw it after the game, I could not believe. Take away the end-of-half drive the Cardinals have. Every other drive entered the Eagles' red zone. The Cardinals yeah, it, never punted today. There, there was never even a whiff of the Eagles' defense competing. And this is the defense has been like this all season long. They had a good run defense in the beginning, and now look at them. They can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. They know what's coming. They can't seem to stop it. Nobody wants to get out of their own way. And – this team is poorly coached. It was poorly assembled. And now you're seeing the fruit of the looms. Mike, say what you will about Jonathan Gannon. I don't know where you personally stood on him a season ago or when they lost the Super Bowl. But the head coach on the other sideline today was the defensive coordinator last season with, again, seven of the same starters they returned this year. And you had a defense that did make plays, did get to the quarterback at a higher clip than any other team in the league. And a team that would get off the field on third, like, did everything that you just said this Eagles defense does not. So I wasn't a fan of Gannon because I felt like he did not make any adjustments in that Super Bowl, and he allowed the Chiefs to basically do whatever they wanted. However, seeing this Eagles defense, seeing that they have returned, as you just said, 7 out of 11, what – what, what's the big common denominator? They lost their two starting linebackers, and the Eagles do not draft linebackers. They don't put any money into the linebacker position. So who in this Eagles organization, are you with Ben, are you with me? Maybe it's a third option. Who in this Eagles organization have you lost the most faith in? Is it Nick Sirianni, the head coach, Howie Roseman, the general manager, or a, you know, a third option here? I got to say Jeffrey Lurie. Lost it faith in the him. owner. Wow. It, 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 starts, it, it starts with him. Right, it's his team. I, I I totally hear you, Mike, and we appreciate the call. So that's an interesting answer that we got here in the first. That's hour. a curve. I mean, here's it's. Hard. I mean, yes, it's easy to say it starts at the top, but what can he do? 
Right, right now. What can I, he do? Fire Roseman? Or what else What else could he have done Which when Steichen do. was taking a job and Gannon was taking a job and the team was literally in the Super Bowl? You're not firing a head coach coming off of making it to the Super Bowl. To you're hire not, not going to fire Sirianni to retain Steichen. Exactly. They, like, there's nothing else Lurie could have done, I guess, except for go to the beginning, but there's been success. It's like, I, I just don't. Here, here's the thing I keep coming back to. How did we get into the mess we're in today? How did we get here? How did we go? Well, I, th- and, I think the head coach. And by we, I mean Eagle. Like how Eagles has the Nation. organization yes. and Eagles fans gone from being in the Super Bowl to now being embarrassed at home by Jonathan Gannon, which has led us all to question everything about the organization? Sad state of affairs. 215-592-9494 as we roll on here on this New Year's Eve. Again, when you call in, tell us what you've been up to tonight. Have you just been sulking on the Eagles' loss? Hopefully it's a little bit of a happier New Year's Eve. If that. it's illegal. If it's if it's legal, yeah. Don't tell us that you're you know doing something shady. We we don't want to know about that. But tell us you know the responsible fun that you had here tonight. Were you able to have fun, given what happened down at the link today? Uh, and we also want to introduce a side topic here. Uh, you know, on this New Year's Eve again, it's Dan Wilson, it's Ben Kenny, Terry Tillman behind the glass. Sports Radio ninety four WIP. Welcome back, Sports Radio ninety four WIP. Dan Wilson and Ben Kenny with you, Terry Tillman is producing 215-592-9494. So, Ben, it is New Year's Eve. Like, we are now 49 minutes into 2024. Happy New Year, by the way. Happy New Year, I guess. <laughs> you guess. It's a new year. It is a new year. It doesn't feel like we've turned much of a page. Well, we did when you look back, and this is what you're going to do. Like, almost every sports memory we have in 2023 is negative. That's not necessarily true. And I'm going to allude to that in this side topic I'm about to roll out. Uh-huh. If I asked you, Ben, what was the Philadelphia sports moment of 2023? And let me explain to you what I mean by that. It could be a good moment. It could be a bad moment. It could just be something crazy that happened. Like, you know, neither of us are married, have like, kids, like, anything like that. Like losing at home to Jonathan Gannon with yeah, your yeah, season Well, on that's the certainly in the mix, and so maybe someone will say it. But one day when you're talking to your grandkids 50 years from now, and you're telling about, you know, the good old days of like, ah, oh, I used to be a young producer at Sports Radio WIP, and I did this, right? And what's the first thing about 2023 in Philadelphia sports you're going to tell them about? Good, bad, noteworthy, indifferent, whatever. Um, Craig Kimbrell. One name, two more, words. More specific, just his existence? Craig more, spe- more specifically, game four? I'm going to go with his existence because okay. some that's of a, the, That's a really a moment. Well, I was at the game when Harper hit his 300th. Which Kimbrel so, yeah. promptly blew the save in perfect fashion. He did it a few times that month. Yes. yes, and then obviously games three and four of the NLCS, which ended up, in essence, tanking the season and ending. I, I mean, it it ended up leading to one of the biggest chokes of our city's history, not even in my life. So that's what I think defines twenty twenty three for me. The other one is the uh, who's the grass guy from the Super Bowl? The sod father. The sod father. Him. That's the other one. He defined the first half. I'll say Kimbrell defined the Can second. Can you imagine explaining to your grandkids 50 years from now who the sod father <laughs> is? Or, like, if you had, like, a friend waking up from a coma this, like, tonight. Like, he, he's, like, he or she has been asleep since 2022, and they're a big sports fan. You go, what happened? And you're like, so the sod father screwed the Eagles out of Super Bowl. And they'd be like, what the hell is the sod father? You also might have to explain how Sirianni got to a Super Bowl. Given well, but, 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 but also, if they've been asleep, <laughs> asleep this whole time, they have no idea that, like, they saw the regular season last year. Uh-huh. So they knew things were going well. They knew they were going to be the one seed. They would have, I guess they fell asleep right before that Saints game last year. 
So they're like, oh, whatever happened with Minshew? Well, he's in Indy right now. He Steichen went with him. He looks good. Gannon beat the Eagles on the final day you were asleep. And <laughs> Sirianni went to the Super Bowl, and everyone blamed the guy who made the grass because the NFL framed poor 90-year-old. That's yep. going to be the story of 2023. That's where I am. Uh, for me, I'll give you a positive one. Bryce Harper staring down Orlando Arcia. It was iconic. That like that storyline in that National League Division series was something that I will always remember. It was on T-shirts. It was perfect. It was perfect. It became on you know fo- people's profile pictures and phone wallpapers and things like that. And it's very rare that you get a photo so clean like that. Like it's almost like a modern day Iverson step over is what the comparison was. And but it's baseball. But it's baseball. That's... And it's harder to generate that kind of thing because there is no step over in baseball. There is no perfect moment. And if it wasn't for that photographer, he homered twice. The photographer who took the photo, who I apologize, the name's escaping me and I don't have it in front of me, noticed that Harper, like on his first home run that game, again, for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, Orlando Arcia was, he said that it was leaked to the media, but he wasn't really supposed to, it wasn't supposed to have been heard. He was doing the opposite of what A.J. Brown does in the locker room these days. Correct. He was, he was speaking. He was he speaking, was but he didn't think the media was going to grab it. And he said, "Add a boy Harp after Bryce Harper was doubled off the end game two. That got back to Bryce Harper, got back to the whole world. Bryce Harper goes deep twice, stares down Orlando Arcia as he's rounding the bases. That, to me, like that photo of the guy missing it the first time, missed it on the first home run, and then to come back and actually be given a second opportunity and to snag maybe the Philadelphia sports photo of the year, I thought was iconic. So that's my moment. Yeah. Terry Tillman, who is producing us tonight. Hello, Terry. Hey, hey. How you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. As happy as possible, I guess. When you call in, say hello to Terry. You know, be nice. Make it easy. Hopefully, uh, everything's been smoothly running back there. Terry, if I asked you what is the Philadelphia sports moment of 2023, what would you say? Well, unfortunately, most of my moments are sad, and I'm going to go with the Sixers. That game six really boiled my blood. Um, I can't believe we lost. We had two chances to make it out to the next round. Um, and Game 7 didn't even get me get me that bothered. I mean, sure, it was the worst you that Tatum came. thought right then, yeah. Yeah, Tatum came back for 51 points and killed us. But that Game 6, we had it. I think we were up by five with two minutes left. It was really, yeah, it was with six minutes to go that they really choked it away. Uh, I, the game, another game I was, I was at Philly's Game 7 against the Diamondbacks and Game 6 against the Celtics. Pretty brutal year, right? This is, I, I guess the theme of the year for me, in a way, was invalidation. Because I think the Sixers lost to the Celtics in the playoffs. While Embiid won MVP, and it was great. But it finally felt like the year they were going to get through him. And it was six minutes to go in the fourth. It was like, they're going to get over that second well, round wall. It, it, and Tatum sucked in that game. Tatum sucked for, you know, 40 minutes. Yeah, it somewhat invalidated, I thought, Embiid's MVP. It could have meant more, the MVP, had they gone well, at least to the final. And then... You have what just happened with the Eagles, somewhat invalidating their 10-1 and start and what now seems to have been somewhat of a, a fluffy record. And then, I mean, you go back to the Philly season and all of the great, the turnover ovation, all the great moments, the loss to the Diamondbacks, I think, invalidates in my brain all of the good that happened. Just rattled off a number of great moments. Don't want to take too many away from yeah, the college. Yeah. They're still up for grabs. This, is, this isn't for a contest. This isn't for money. Just give us what's the Philadelphia sports moment of 2023. Positive, negative, noteworthy. What are you going to tell you know your kids, your grandkids, whoever, uh, about when you look back in 2023 in Philadelphia sports? Going to take a quick call, uh, you know, before we go to the break at the top of the hour here. Frank in South Philly is on Sports Radio 94 WIP. What's up, Frank? 
Frank. Let's put Frank on hold. We're going to give There's a shot. There's our first one of the night. Our first one of the night. It's New Year's Eve. It took us till 12.55. First one of our radio career. Not bad. Let's go to Jim. Jim in the Northeast. You're on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Hey, happy New Year to all of you. Happy and, New Year to you, you know, Jim. What's up, right Jim? Right now, this way I look at it. I have a positive spin on it. I'll tell you at the end why. But what they should do, if, uh, instead of waiting to see if, the, if Sirianni and them mess up, if, as bad as that loss was, get rid of everybody, bring in a new staff, and let's see what they can do. So you, now, <laughs> who's your new coach? I don't know. But maybe that's not a good idea. But saying if you know, if they think that's gonna happen, well do it now. But anyway, I wanna tell you, I think we're getting in too much of a ditch over this. The problem is is that we we're getting too frustrated. We have to think positively. They're starting all over from scratch. I feel they'll what? go to all those teams with a knife like her. You know what I mean? We got to laugh. We got to uh, say. You want to laugh at what happened today? We're going to win. <laughs> you know, when they win the Super Bowl, then we'll be eating our words. You know, look at it like that. Frank, it's I appreciate funny. your perspective. I appreciate your optimism. I don't think Ben or I share it in the least, but we, we do appreciate uh, the sentiment here uh, on Sports Radio 94. Yeah, WWE. Just, just believe. That's all you got to do is believe. Hire a new staff. Who's your coach? Belichick? Frank dropped by the. I couldn't even ask him his moment of twenty twenty three. He just yeah. hung up. On well, it seemed to be today, I guess, well, <laughs> or at least tonight. Well, he's. He, I guess he's positive on it. Indulging. That's going to be the first thing. Can you imagine the first thing you tell? Like, if you tell someone about today's game, you have to explain to someone like he was the defensive coordinator and left. Yep. Like you wouldn't even know if you woke up from a coma from a year ago that Jonathan Gannon is the coach. And and I mean, the pump up speech. All of the audio we've gotten since he's left. Hey, Jonathan. Like how how do you lose? How do you lose to Jonathan Gannon? I I still can't get past. Are that. the Cardinals the real bird gang now? I maybe they took the crown. Did they, they take the crown today? Are they the birds? I cannot. That's fathom. a scary thought. One team today looked like they had something to play for, and one team looked like they quit. And, and it was the team, the team who looked like they had something to play for in the second half is the team who, like you said, is going to have tea times in a week. Yes, and which I that's I mean, a problem. I'm jealous. I would like to have tea times in a week. That is an issue. That is a glaring issue. Ben, big golf guy, if you were unaware. 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. We'll reset. We'll take you into the 1 o'clock hour on this New Year's Eve. If you're headed home uh, or if you're just hanging out tonight, give us a call, 215-592-9494. But also, we're going to get into more of who do you put this blame. Who, who have you lost more most faith in, I should say? in this Eagles organization. Is it the coach? Is it the general manager? I think Ben has an argument for one of those guys coming up next. Um, and also, just going to react to today's game. Give us your reaction to today's game. Where does it rank in the all-time Eagles regular season losses? And, of course, your Philadelphia sports moment of 2023. He's Ben. I'm Dan. Terry Tillman producing Time at Radio, Sports Radio 94 WIP is 1259. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Dan Wilson and Ben Kenny. Here with you on this New Year's Eve, a day in which uh, the Eagles lost to the Arizona Cardinals. No big deal. Just might be the worst regular season Eagles loss of our entire lifetime. So, of course, what do we do here? We assess blame. Is it the head coach? Is it we already had someone uh, call or <laughs> blame the owner, Jeff Lurie? Uh, you know, people can point fingers to players on the field, someone in the front office. Ben, I know you wanted to make a case. I believe it's the head coach. I believe it's Nick Sirianni, and I will continue to lay out that case 
But Ben, you think it's someone else? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't disagree, right? I, I am losing faith in Sirianni. It's really hard not to. It's hard to watch what's gone on around him and not. And believe in him, frankly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's hard to reinforce that belief as these performances are happening. But I could not help myself watching that game without recognizing that the Eagles lost yesterday, today, because of the defense. The defense sucked, right? They changed coordinators and nothing changed. There was one day against the Giants where it seemed like maybe they'd figured it out. That's more Tommy DeVito stinks than he it got, is. He got benched at halftime. Exactly. His story ran out on Christmas. And then you're playing to Rod Taylor, who also stinks. He's been benched like eight times. So it's not as if this defense has been impressive, and you change the coordinators, and they still suck. So I was, go- like, I was thinking the starting lineups of the, of the game. Hassan Reddick, Fletcher Cox, Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, Josh Sweat. That's your defensive line. Throw Brandon Graham. But that's the defensive line you entered the season with. That's the defensive line that led the NFL in sacks last year, for the most part. You lost Hargrave. Yes. Nick Morrow, Shaq Leonard are your linebackers. You're missing Zach Cunningham and Dean, neither of whom are difference makers. You have scrap heap linebackers because that is your organizational philosophy. But you also, you put too much stock into N'Kobe Dean being a player this year, and you're dealing with the backlash because Shaq Leonard is probably cooked. And, and yet you're relying on him. So he had a nice game against the Giants, but you can't actually count on the guy. And, and, and how did the Niners expose you? They just ran everything at the middle of the field with Debo, and it wore, everything worked. They scored touchdowns on that all game. Your cornerback, Avante Maddox just came back, okay. But Bradbury, Ringo, Ricks, there's no slay. But conceptually, that's pretty much the secondary you entered the season and with. Bradbury's cooked. Exactly. And throw in Blankenship and Byard and Sidney Brown. This defense... They have not been overly injured. They're not missing any of their best players. This is the defensive roster that Howie Roseman entered this year with, with an offense, with Jalen Hurts, with everything, coming off of a Super Bowl, with expectations of getting back. And yet we are in a position right now looking at this defense like it is the most ordinary, absolute pedestrian back seven I have ever seen. There, there's not one impact player, aside from Darius Slay, maybe, but that's a corner. I'm talking about in the middle of the field. It's Slay, by the way. Sorry. Not one impact player behind the defensive line, and the defensive line is not even making an impact. So I'm watching the game yesterday, and I can't help but look back to the offseason and wonder if Howie Roseman just butchered entering this year, reassembling a Super Bowl roster because they were great last year. All the players that left are having great seasons, and the guys that you have now are not delivering, and the defense as a whole stinks. So here's the difference, right? So it was now you know there's so much 49ers smack talk I forget who said it it was one of maybe Brandon Ayuk who said that their entire defense is based upon getting pressure and well no no it was Debo Samuel who said the corners are trash but they get helped out by the defensive line it was the same audio clip right and we heard all off season and Eagles fans took such offense to it. it's like oh like this guy's just sorry they lost the NFC championship right besides the fact that all the 49ers takes have really seemed to age well here what you're seeing is, yes, you lost T.J. Edwards. Yes, you lost Javon Hargrave. But for the most part, like the pass rushers are pretty much the same from a year ago. The coach who got something out of them, as again, as much as everyone hates Jonathan Gannon for the Super Bowl and for beating quote-unquote pedestrian quarterbacks, like that team did lead the NFL in sacks last year. And now you're seeing a team who can't get any pressure. I think Brandon Graham played over his head a season ago for the stage of career he's at. I mean, he's he's beloved, but he's certainly starting to wind down in terms of production. Hassan Reddick has not been the same player. Like, who on that defensive line do you feel good about? In the Giants game, the team, who the Giants literally 
led the league entering last week in, in like in sacks allowed, mm-hmm. and they got one stinking sack from Shaq Leonard. Like this team never gets to the quarterback. And say what you will about Gannon, he at least knew how to maximize that talent on the line to help out that pedestrian back seven you're talking about. This, like this guy into Sai and then Patricia. I don't know how much you want to put on Patricia because he took it over a few weeks ago, but they don't have a clue. How about this? What is what was Howie Roseman's best move of the offseason? Aside from cutting Aaron Sipos and finding Braden Mann. I would argue that is the one redeemable move he made this offseason. All the other ones have turned out to be bad. Well, it, it was the draft. But like in free agency or it trade, the, talk about it. Was it the draft, though? Well, if you're they asking had me for two my first best. round picks and they came out of it with a guy I like in Jalen Carter who doesn't play at the end of games and Nolan Smith has done nothing. Well, I was going to say it would be Jalen Carter. I mean, who is a better transaction? Who is a better acquired player that the Eagles got this offseason than Jalen Carter? Jalen Carter is probably the answer, but you had a top 10 pick and you made the right pick. And then you took a guy, a Nolan Smith at 30, that's done nothing. I'm just the, the offseason. By the way, they're not going to have a top 10 pick this year, by the way. Yes, he executed the offseason plan. This was his plan, and his plan has not worked. So I just, I just don't know why he's above reproach. Every time they sign somebody in the middle of the season, oh, you know, Howie goggles, Howie's back, look, he's working Howie magic. Season. We, yes. we all share the video. Yes, Kevin Byard, Shaq Leonard, Bradley Roby, the guys he has brought in have not made an impact. They're just not that good. So I just don't know why he's above reproach. 215-592-9494. Who who have you lost most faith in in this Eagles organization? Is it the coach, Nick Sirianni? Is it the general manager, Howie Roseman? Ben just laid out the case for him. Is it Jeff Lurie, like one of our callers already mentioned? Is it the quarterback? No one's mentioned the quarterback yet. I don't think he's to blame today, but he's certainly taken a step back this season. Open season. Who Who have you lost the most faith in in this Eagles organization? Why are they here? Mike in San Francisco, you are on 94 WIP. What's up, Mike? Hey, man. You guys are uh, newcomers, but you guys sound like veterans, man. Y'all sound real good. Thank you, Mike. We appreciate that, Mike. Yes, sir. And uh, Happy New Year. I know in the East Coast is Happy New Year. I mean, it's New Year. So we forgot to wish Happy New Year to our Central Time Zone friends. Yes, Uh, I we regret the year. Ben, who went to school out in Wisconsin, uh, his friends out there in the Midwest celebrating it. So you're in San Francisco right now, so you got, what, an hour 50 to go here? Yeah, we got an hour 50 to go. Okay. I'm smoking on I'm smoking on some of the greatest tree. That's why I'm coughing right now. Please forgive me. <laughs> Mike in San Francisco. Got to love it. Yes. Yeah, well, it's Filmo Mike. It's Filmo Mike. And for the record, it's Frisco, never San Fran. Don't forget that. Sorry, Frisco, right. Frisco. All right, yeah. what do you think, Mike? What, what, yeah, what do you think, Mike? What do you got for us? No, no, no. Honestly, it's this, though. On some real talk. NFC West gave y'all problems this year. Um, the Cardinals are weak, yes, but they're a very well-coached team. Um, that's what I noticed from them. And Kyler Murray is just now getting his footing back, but he's a he's a, he's a problem, man. He, 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 he's a he, – He's he's probably more, most more elusive a little bit than Lamar Jackson. Let's keep it real. So I just want y'all to know, y'all estimated. I've been listening to y'all for the last since the Niners play. Y'all estimated the whole NFC West. You estimated the Niners. Uh, they. Uh, You're happy. Yes, we get it. No, no. Listen, though. Listen, though. You guys have a good team. Your coaches suck. Your team is good. But I yeah. do want to say this. I do want y'all to know this. When you when you go to the Super Bowl, when you go to NFC Championships year in and year out, 
it's a it's a it's a game of attrition and that's why it was so important for us to get the bye because of that All reason. Right. We get hurt. You feel me? And I think a little bit was going on with you guys. You guys look tired, fatigued. You know what I'm saying? Sirianna don't even like you want to talk to the media. So uh, he was happy to I, talk to I, the I'm media last week. From, Everything's fine. Yeah, with that when everything's going fine, everybody want to talk. Everybody want to say something. Oh yeah, man, you know we just did this, we just did that. But when it's hard, when it gets ugly, then nobody want to talk about oh what really happened. Oh we oh so you did that? Oh you did that? Huh? Why would you do that? They don't want to. You feel me? So it is what it is, man. Y'all got a good team. Keep your head up. Don't act like y'all. I don't. You guys, I don't need you guys this. Suck. Y'all do not. I swear to God, y'all don't, man. For real. It's, it's not making you feel problem. better, Mike. Okay. Well, I'm sorry about that. I'm not trying to make you feel better, but don't <laughs> underestimate the NFC West. For real, they hit hard. For real, <laughs> Mike. We appreciate the All call. Right. Nothing Mike. screams hitting hard like West Coast football. Mike calling in from San Francisco. I did want to play off one thing he said, though, because he said that Kyler looked comfortable today, right? Kyler Murray has – it's not like the Cardinals' offensive line has given him a ton of protection this season, but you wouldn't have known it by watching today. And in the third quarter of today's game – forget what the exact play sequence was. You'll hear it here in the audio. Third quarter – this is on TV. This is in our, you know, Maryland Mike here on WIP. This was the uh, broadcast team of Joe Davis and Daryl Johnson, specifically Daryl Johnson. But I want you to hear this this cut of <laughs> the Eagles got torched, by the way, by the guy named of Greg Dortch. Dortch. Uh, what what percentage of people at the link today you think had heard of Can Greg we, Dortch at 1 o'clock? We're going to have to spend more time on that later. Greg Dortch? Does not sound like a real guy. That That's the guy that's ending the Eagles season? So, so Greg Dortch. Greg in the pro- Dortch. In the process of ending the Eagles season, I believe it was a Greg Dortch catch. Listen to the play on TV and listen to the reaction from Daryl Johnston. And I think it speaks to my point about, again, what the Eagles defense used to look like under Jonathan Gannon, now head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, and what it looked like not just today but throughout the course of the season. Out of the timeout, Murray's well protected and Dorch is wide open. Greg Dortch with a dozen, and another first down for Arizona. This is as comfortable as I've seen Kyler Murray in the pocket in this offense. There's things coming out on time, in rhythm, and at times on film, you can tell that he's he's still kind of getting comfortable and understanding what this offense is all about as he works through it with Drew Petzing. So this is this is a big step for Kyler this afternoon. The most comfortable Kyler Murray has ever looked in this offense. Counterpoint, the Eagles just can't get to the quarterback. Even if it's a team who allows tons of sacks. Like, this is a guy who all season is constantly running for his life, as Mike just alluded to, and you would not have known it today. Yeah. Um, I Again, I, I think that, yes, there is a, a coaching aspect to that. I also think it's it, a huge coaching aspect to that. I also think it's just the Eagles do not have enough playmakers on defense. If – and, and I know it's revisionist history, but I swear. What did you say before week one? If you put T.J. Edwards on this defense, their level of competence rises threefold. Not even just so making this is these all splash- losing Edwards. The, the the like the entire defense around C.J. the T.J. G.J. Just splash players that are behind the defensive line to do anything. If John- to guard a running back to create pressure, they are absolutely inept behind the defensive line. I'm going to ask you a hypothetical. Let's say the Arizona Cardinals. Do not hire Jonathan Gannon. And he was still coaching this defense and it was the same defense we saw a season ago. Do they win today? Huh. 
Um, probably, yeah. I mean, we don't know who the Cardinals coach would be. I mean, the be... offense was good. They lost by four on a last-minute touchdown. Yeah, they would. Would the today. Eagles be in this position? Like, would they have – they might have beaten the Giants a little bit more handily, gotten to the quarterback a little bit more. Would the Eagles be in this position with Jonathan Gannon as the defensive coordinator? No, they'd be in a, they would be in a much better situation because they would not have, A, hired Sean Desai, who I guess everybody agrees is clueless, B, had to hire Matt Patricia as an assistant, and then C, had to fire Sean Desai to get to Matt Patricia, oh. which has also been an abject so again, failure. Different coach, same deck of cards, same defense, right? But, would but be getting the this, quarterback. But it's not the same defense. The guys are a year older. No, no, no. I'm not saying same defense as last year. Same defense as we've seen this year. Just simply changing the coach. I'm changing one variable. Where would the where would the team be? Um, better than they are now. Would they be the number two seed in the NFC? They'd be the two seed, but I mean, I still would look at San Francisco. They still would have problems. They'd be going to the NFC Championship, which again is not a successful season. This goal was the Super Bowl, but at the very least, they'd be going to the NFC Championship instead of on a path to losing the first round. Yeah, no, you're. I I agree with the premise. You're not wrong. Frank in South Philadelphia is on WIP. What's up, Frank? Frank. Frank. That's Going his, once. Is this the second time for Frank tonight? Yeah, for and two strikes you're out on oh, the show. Oh, for two. Frank, you're done. Come on. What, what, um, what are we doing here? Yeah. That's his, it's um, New Year's Eve. I guess a lot of people are having a good time. Did we think he fell asleep? What happened? Do you know what this reminded me of? This reminded me of a sequence we're going to touch on later. Um, someone going over two. Um, Eagles first and twenty. When they uh, when the game is tied, late uh, Eagles have it on the Arizona twenty yard line. It's first and twenty. Uh, Jalen Hurts runs for four yards. Jalen Hurts runs for three yards on the next down. That's we're we're, we're, we're going to get to that. We're going to go back the... to the phones. We're going to give a shot to Robert in Germantown, one of my favorites here on the call board. What's up, Robert? Hey, happy New Year, guys. What's great up, to... hey, Robert? Great show. Thank you. Uh, well. Where to begin? I was not in on Sirianni on record on the radio years ago. I thought, who's this guy? He just didn't strike me as being more than a high school coach. I said it then. I'll say it today. I was never impressed. Um, I think he was carried by a great team and some really good coaches last year. Uh, I mean, this is what happened to Doug Peterson. Remember, he, he lost Rice and the other. Who is the, who is, who is the defensive guy that left after he won the Super Bowl? Jim Gannon? Johnson, right? No. Oh, Vic Fangio. Fangio. Yeah, I mean, you know, then look what happened to Peterson the next year. I mean, he, it, you know, it's really about the, the personnel, the general manager, who you bring in. I mean, they should have drafted Kyle Hamilton. I said that on the radio. I would have taken you. Hamilton. You know, Man, he's, he's good. An, yeah, an impact. When we had a chance to take him, you know, who do we take instead, right? I mean, it's just – and we should have rehired TJ Edwards. Just, you know, um, mistakes all around. Uh, and I'm, I'm worried about next year. If I'm if I'm Kelsey, if I'm Johnson, if I'm Graham, if I'm Cox, I'm like, you know, this was such a terrible year. I'm tired. It was horrible. I might as well retire now. I think these guys came back hoping to be in the Super Bowl. That's why they showed up and put their bodies on the line again. I'm not I'm not down on our players. I really think the 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 big issue is the choices we made in the draft and who we who we picked up in the off season. And worst of all is our coaching. I mean, Sirianni's a nothing burger guys. He's got a Ferrari. He doesn't know how to drive it. And it started in the Super Bowl. Clearly Kansas city tore us up in the middle on defense. Clearly we didn't have a strong enough running back. Neither of those things were addressed. Well, what did they do? Who's that guy they picked up to address the running back that we haven't even seen. All oh, Rashad Penny. He was active today, Robert, actually. They deactivated yeah, I mean, Bradley Roby, who I guess hasn't made a big impact.
but they activated yeah. Rashad Penny. He didn't see the field. Yeah. I know. He didn't see the field all year, but he was supposed to be that power back kind of guy, not oh. gain well, not swift, right? Wasn't that his thing? He was supposed to be the guy that, you know, run up the middle and, you know, what, solve what, that problem. What do you power back when you have the tush push, I guess? Yeah. And then, then the other, where we are also exposed is, is no linebackers. I mean, that's what Kansas City has killed us. They tore our linebackers apart. Even with T.J. Edwards there, they weren't able to stop the, the slants to the, the Kelsey. And, the, you know, Andy Reid and San Francisco. I mean, I'll, I'll, here's a question for you guys. Here's a trade. See if you would make this trade. I would. I'd send Jalen Hurts to San Francisco for their three coaches and Brad Purdy. Would, no. would you do that? So, um, so Marcus Mariota's your starter? Yeah, have them keep Brock Purdy. I'll no, take no, the no. coaches. I'd, oh, I'd, you're, you're getting well, Purdy, I'd, you're saying. You're getting Purdy. I'd, I, I would I'd plug Purdy into this team with their coaches. That's where I'll draw the line. Okay, but I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm not impressed when we give $250 bucks to a guy, per se, and we don't spend the money on linebackers and, you know, an additional wide receiver, not called Quiz Watkins, decent coaches. I just worry. I mean, I love Jalen Hurts. He's a great player. I think he's way underutilized. If I blame anybody, the general manager and the coaches, guys, that's how I see it. Robert, we got to hit a break, but really quick, what was the Philadelphia sports moment of 2023? Well, I agree with your comment on, on Harper. I, th- I thought Harper, you know, just eyeing that guy down after he, you know, threw at him and you know gave him a hard time. I thought uh, standing there, he had a home run in the clutch situation. I love Harper's tenacity. We missed that with the Eagles this year. I mean, what happened to the underdog mentality? Wasn't that what we, we had going for us for a while there? Yeah, well, they were favored by 13 points today. It didn't seem to go super well for them. Robert, we That's appreciate preposterous. it. Do you know the last time the Eagles beat a team by 13 points? At least 13 points? Favored by – they won – they beat – what was the final score of the Bucks game this year? Um, well, they got the Dolphins by 14. Okay, so the they Dolphins – They got the Bucks by 14. So only against Florida teams, apparently. Twice this year. Those, those two times, Buccaneers and Dolphins. Yep. So not so non-Florida teams, the Eagles don't win by two touchdowns. And who does it look like they're going to play in the first round, though? This could be good things. Going to Tampa. Exactly. And Baker, which is, I guess, kind Bucks of Bucks are a different team. Eagles are a much different team. That is not the same game that was played, what, September 25th, was it? Yes, that's true. Now, um, Robert did say one thing. Yes. He compared this situation to Doug. And the hard thing for me to grasp is we have all of the Doug stuff in hindsight, and it happened over a course of many years. I think this is what we thought Doug was. I am just absolutely floored. Again, I will keep coming back to this, that all of this is happening, whether it's players not speaking, whether it's defensive coordinators getting fired to hire Matt Patricia, whether it's the players not being good on the field, losing to Gannon, whatever. This is all happening, again, to a team that is 11-5. and They're going to the playoffs. I have completely, you know what I've lost more faith in than anything? I hit it earlier. I'm going to hit it again. I never, for the, as long as I live, want to hear, you are what your record says you are. Ever. They are 11-5. and five. They are not, They're not playing like an 11-5 and five team. It is, in, in the NFL, it based, forget injuries, because the Eagles, it's not like Hurts got hurt here. Like, it, it was different in 2017 when Wentz went down, and it's like, all right, the number one seed, but they're not playing like the number one seed, or so we thought they go on to win the Super Bowl. This is a team that, for the most part, is healthy across the board. I mean, yes, slays out, but like on the offense especially. I no longer want to hear, you are what your record says you are. It's a league that is a week-to-week league, and if people believe in the any given Sunday stuff, then you have to say that it's about not the, who you are, but like rather when you play them and how the team is playing. This team in December has been dreadful. 
This team does not look anything remotely close to the 11-win team. This was a team who was the one seed and has fallen to the five seed. They are trending down like a stock that is of a company that's about to declare bankrupt. Mm-hmm. They are not an 11-5 team. The shame of today is that a win would have been a win, you know? If they had squeaked by— I don't know. If they squeaked by the Cardinals, we wouldn't have come on today and been like, woohoo, you know? But, like, the, but we look forward, and they're the two seed. And the rest of yeah, the we NFC— we still believe they're going to win the NFC East. I mean, if the Lions—and <laughs> we'll get to this later in the show. But if the Lions didn't—or or the refs, we can debate who—it's it's on. But if the Lions' two-point conversion was considered successful last night and the Eagles won the game today, we'd be doing a post-Eagles have won the NFC East show right now. Instead, alternate universe— that that calls pushed back. Dan Campbell goes for the two point conversion on the seven, and the Eagles are now got a straight path to the five seed and a road game wild card weekend. Yeah, I just I'm I'm floored. We are where we are. I'm floored. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four is how you join the show again. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. I'm Dan. He's Ben. Terry Tillman producing. All the other side. Want to get to some Jonathan Gannon, some Coach Gannon post game audio. The former Eagles defensive coordinator. Uh, and what he had to say post game, a very controversial decision in this game that we didn't even get to, and he's not going to be scrutinized for it because he won, and of course he can spin it however he wants, but he had an interesting decision in this game with five minutes to go and had an even more, I thought, interesting answer. So I want to play that for you. Also, our question tonight, who have you lost the most faith in in this Eagles organization? The coach, the GM, the owner, the quarterback, all of the above, or anyone across the entire field? Who have you lost the most faith in? I'm Dan. He's batting and Terry Tillman producing Sports Radio 94 WIP. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP here on this New Year's Eve. Dan Wilson, Ben Kenny making our hosting debuts. Who was the first person you told when you found out you were going to get the shift done? That's a good question. Who is the first? I, I have no idea. You don't even remember. Well, I told, I guess we talked. Outside the station, non-WIP personnel. Probably my parents. Okay. I mean, I think that's who my first call is. Is that wholesome? Yeah, it is. It's kind of nice. I mean, it's a big moment for our careers here. It, I mean, it's a big deal. You got to, you know, it, it, it's it, not everyone just gets to host on the radio. It's a pretty big deal. Yeah, it's the. Uh, it might be the 15th time I've been on the air after a Packers game in my life. I was going to say, so for anyone who doesn't know, Ben here. went out to, you know, he's from Philadelphia originally. Philadelphia, born and raised, grew up an Eagles fan, did go to the University of Wisconsin, worked in radio for a little bit out there, and... Talk plenty of Packers. And tonight on Sunday Night Football, we were waiting, awaiting patiently and eagerly. Man, they look so good. The Packers-Vikings conclusion got on the air right at midnight as the ball dropped in Times Square as the clock hit midnight here in the 2024. And we've been talking to Eagles ever since. So you really don't remember telling your parents? No, I, I don't. And maybe I should. I mean, are they listening right now? Are they still awake? I doubt they are. Oh, really? I don't. Either. Like This might be where like the situations are different. They're probably asleep. Like yeah. it's it's one thirty. Yeah, my my mom's locked in for four hours. We could go <laughs> we we could go for all twenty four hours today, and she would just keep downing coffee to make sure she hears every second of it. That's nice. Yeah, you no, know, it is nice. I mean, she didn't she didn't grow up a sports fan. She grew up in North Jersey, so she would have been like a Yankees Giants fan if anything. Anyway, wasn't in the sports, and you know, I've kind of fueled her sports interest. It's it's more so listening to me. Very good. There you go. So anyway, that's kind of just a. Uh, a nice little aside there as we sit here on this New Year's Eve. Uh, again, tell us where you are tonight. You know, give us some Eagles reaction. Give us your Philadelphia sports moment of 2023. Going to get back to the phones in just one second. But want to get to some audio here 
um, that we actually teased in the last segment uh, that I want to you know pay off and play for you guys. So this was Jonathan Gannon's post-game press conference. If you're listening to the post-game show here on WIP, you obviously heard Sirianni talk a lot of the Eagles talk. Not sure how many people heard Jonathan Gannon mention this. So, Ben, with five minutes to go in uh, now yesterday's game, five minutes to go and the Eagles at this point, what, they lead by three? Led 31 to 28? No, the no, game no, they tied. tied. Sorry, game tied, 28-28. Game tied, 28-28. Yeah, that, that makes a whole lot more sense. Game tied at 28-28. Cardinals have just scored. Five minutes to go in a tie game. And, yes, the Cardinals are, you know, a three-win team at this point, so they can afford to take risks. But Jonathan Gannon goes for an onside kick. And in the year 2023, not a lot of onside kicks work. You can't run up anymore. The spe- you got to have even players on both sides. You don't see the onside kick really work that often, especially even when it's a surprise. Just not a high percentage play. And we're listening to Merrill and Mike, and they can't believe it happened and on TV. They're like, wow, what a you know, gutsy play call there. I mean, I guess that's what you do when you're a three-win team. Didn't really make a ton of sense. I was more intrigued by his answer post-game. And I have a, I have a theory on to why he really did this. All right. so Jonathan Gannon asked post-game about why he did the onside kick. Why was he so aggressive? Was he just trying to catch the Eagles off, you know, off guard? And the reporter asked him, you can't hear the question, but I, we just cut the answer for the purposes of this, said, well, I guess it didn't work. And he goes, no, it did work. Now, to be clear, the Eagles fell on the ball, not the Cardinals. But he said it did work. Take a listen, why? No, that worked, Darren. That worked. That's what we talked about. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that, the reason for that is is you don't want to get bled out. That team's too you know too good. It's not – I trust the defense. I trust the defense to get a stop right there and make them kick a field goal, which is what they did. But with five minutes left, what they've shown is they're not going to give you the ball back. And I wanted to make sure at all costs Kyler had the ball in his hand um, at the end of the game, whatever you're down. And uh, that's what we did. So um, it, it's just funny it came up, how it came up. But, uh, no, I thought the defense did excellent. You know, held no field goal there. Kyler went down. Dorch had the big play, had a couple of runs in there. Um, you know, and then we pounded it in. James, you know, will not be denied. So it's a good job. He wanted to make sure Kyler had the ball in his hands at the end of the game. In a tie game, this has been, right? In a tie game. He was afraid that the Eagles would bleed the clock. This is a team who dominated the Eagles in time of possession all day, almost 2-to-1 ratio. Ben, do you think he would have done that if this Eagles offense, like I know he was here a season ago, but if Steichen was running this offense and they were the high-powered you know, Philadelphia Eagles of a season ago and you thought they were going to score a touchdown, would he do that if he was confident that his defense couldn't hold them to a field goal? Um, no, I think this is totally about the Eagles' defense which had not stopped. The only time the Eagles, quote-unquote, stopped the Cardinals was the Cardinals' first drive of the game, which was a field goal. Kyler Murray dropped the ball in the red zone, and they had to kick it. The next drive, Kyler threw a terrible pick six, and then every single drive after that, minus the end of half, was a touchdown. The Eagles' defense could not get a stop. So I think Gannon saw that situation and realized that if Kyler got the ball back, he was going to score. And then they could have gone for two or whatever, but the odds of the Cardinals stopping the Eagles were a lot higher somehow than the Eagles stopping the Cardinals. When was the last time you heard a three-win coach with a, I mean, kind of a bit of a galaxy brain idea? You don't usually hear teams say, we did an onside kick in a tie game with five minutes to go. The opposing team falls on it. No, it did work because we're trying to shorten the field for them. I mean, that's a guy playing clock management like way ahead of time. He's literally playing clock management because he's like, I don't want the Eagles to bleed out the clock. It was a good move. 
And it played out to be a good move. The Eagles got a field goal. The Cardinals got the game-winning touchdown. He put the ball in Kyler's hands. He, pl- he proved to be absolutely correct. And I think it's twofold. I agree with you. If he, if he felt differently about the Eagles' offense or defense, I don't think he would have done it. But that is a guy who was inside the building a season ago and knew that he had the upper hand in a tie game with five minutes to go, that the game was being controlled by the Cardinals, not the Eagles, and that he was somehow in the driver's seat. Like, how can that even be? How can it even be that a, t- a three-win football team executed an onside kick, did not get the kick. Like, he he wasn't even, he didn't even really care. It would have been a bonus for them, obviously, if he recovered it. But he just wanted to make sure that Kyler Murray would get the ball at the end of the game. And his way to do that was give them a short field. The Eagles only came away with three points. And he was like, yeah, we got him right where we want him. Yeah, it's an indictment on... It's an indictment on the, on the current state of the Eagles. Yeah, and on Syria. It's an indictment on everything. I, I can't single out one thing. It's an indictment on an offense, which... I mean, scored 31 points today, but again, on that last drive, they could have scored a touchdown, which would have made the Cardinals' touchdown not end the game. Uh, I think it's the biggest indictment on the thing I've been harping on all night, which is a defense that just stinks, and there's no answer. He wanted Kyler Murray, who, as Daryl Johnson put it, the most comfortable he's ever seen him look in this Cardinals' offense, up against the Eagles' defense at the end of the game, even if it meant being down three, even if it meant spotting the Eagles three points because he thought he was going to win the game. No, to, and I he mean, did. He, he literally did. It, it played out perfectly for Jonathan Gannon. I, I, I don't even know what else to say. It literally infuriated me more when I heard that, that the Eagles found a way to squander he that. Was, he was the best coach on the field yesterday, either side. That really says something, and it's just obviously dealing with a lot less talent. He's obviously dealing with a team who has every reason to quit. The Eagles had everything at stake, and yet he still looked like the better coach infuriating mike in south philly is on sports radio 94 wip what's up mike dan and ben congratulations on the show and happy new year what's up mike likewise thanks i think those are the only two things i'm happy about tonight but uh, <laughs> uh so honestly i well i think you can put a lot of people uh at blame here um if i were to pick one i would lean more toward dan's side i think howie definitely uh you know you can give him some of the blame I think what he did with linebacker and safety this offseason was criminal. Um, I know they had to, to pay Jalen Hurts, and they had a, a ton of free agents, so they had to let some of them go. But the fact that they came into what this season with what they did at linebacker and safety is inexcusable. But I do think that this is one of the worst Eagles coach. Te- uh, this is one of the worst coach teams I've seen with this organization in a long time. Like I think it's even worse, honestly, than the 2015 Eagles because that. Eagles team didn't have half the talent that this team did. Now, granted, some of that was Chip Kelly's fault because he did a terrible job, but um, with this level of talent for the coaching to be this abysmal, it's really eye-opening. Like, it's I'm, I'm never not astonished every week with how bad the coaching is. And, look, I know the defense was awful, awful on Sunday, and honestly, given the context of the opponent and everything, it's probably one of the worst defensive performances I can ever remember in my life for the Eagles. But I want to focus on one thing that I – I'm not going to be able to get over for a long time. I'm still thinking. I've been thinking about it all day. It's in that final series. Can I guess? Sure. Can I guess what it is? Is it sure. the screen? No, no. It's the whole series. After that holding uh, call on, on Jordan Mailata, you have first and 20, and every single Eagles fan <clears throat> excuse me, watching that game knew what the next three plays were going to be because they've been doing it all year. Draw, draw, bubble screen. And you hear them talk every week about, oh, we know it's wrong, we're going to fix it. You don't know – you either know it's wrong and you don't think it is wrong, 
or you have no idea what's wrong and you don't know how to fix it. And I don't know which of the, the two of those is worse because they do the same thing every single week. They run the same five plays every single week. The draw, the draw, the bubble screen. And last week they converted a third and 17 to A.J. Brown against a better team. And first and 20, it's almost like they forfeited the touchdown and decided to kick a field goal. Or they thought those three plays were going to get them the first down. But I don't know which of the two of those is worse either. The fact that they thought those three plays was what to call in that position is unfathomable. It was three of the worst play calls you'll ever see. The number two seed is on the line, and against that poorest defense, the worst defense in the league, you run two draws and a bubble screen, which, by the way, got your receiver maybe knocked out for the season. Who yeah, knows that's another that? thing. It, it, and, and forget, before the third down, they called a timeout, and that's what they came up with. It was embarrassing how bad the coaching is. A timeout, by the way, you needed at the end of the game. Nick Sirianni was asked at the end, why did you not have enough timeouts? And he went back to communication or whatever. But they used, they wasted the timeouts on plays that ended up being, yes, the screen. Every week watching this team coach, it's like amateur hour. And we've seen it all season long. In the red zone, like – They'll have drives where the passing works the whole drive, and then all of a sudden in the red zone, they'll just decide to run a bunch of quarterback draws that don't make any sense. Like, it's getting really bad. And honestly, like, what might be the biggest indictment of all, and I'm going to put this on Nick Sirianni, although I don't know 100% it's his responsibility, the fact that you essentially fire Sean Desai, and this is – the performance that his replacement puts up, if I'm Jeffrey Lurie, I'm embarrassed. Like, seriously. Jeffrey Lurie, of course, he runs everything down there. So he would have had to okay the move, or at least he, he, he knew about it. He was told, okay, well, they're yeah, going to fire I don't buy that was Sirianni's decision the way he said it was. No, the front office, uh, Howie and Jeff do everything. They run do, the show. Do you think they're the ones who fired Sean Desai? I think Howie had a really – I think it was mostly Howie, to be honest. There's no way Sirianni walked into his office and was like, we've got to make a change at D.C. I mean, I don't, I don't know who is responsible for it, but regardless of who, of who is responsible for it, the fact that they fired Sean Desai and his replacement put up that caliber defensive performance, one of the worst, seriously, I think there was like the, the defensive success rate is the worst that the Eagles have had in like almost 20 years. Yep, ever. Yep, it, I, it is I saw embarrassing that. embarrassing that what, they Mike, put up that performance. Best part of all of it? Guess who, the, guess who the most experienced offensive play caller on the coaching staff currently is? Uh, let me see. Experienced? You mean on either side of the ball? On either side of the ball. Who is the most experienced offensive play caller on the Eagles coaching staff? Uh, I don't know. Who is it? It's Matt Patricia, who also <laughs> happens to be said replacement at defensive coordinator. Well, yeah, I mean, he, it's so bad. You know, honestly, it, it's going to get to the point where uh, – I'm telling you, it's, it's actually pretty funny because you touched on the Sixers earlier. Who, who would have thought that the way the Sixers season ended back in May, they lost games in 6-7 to the Boston Celtics, that in 2024 more Philadelphia fans would be more confident that the Sixers would win a title than the Eagles? It's, it's, it's a really weird state of affairs where you are. I mean, how long do we think it takes these teams to prepare for the Eagles? You, know, you mentioned the predictable play calling, like 10 minutes. How, how, many, how many offensive plays do you actually have to go through in a week if you're an opposing team's defense? It's terrible. And I, look, I, I am I, Jeffrey Lurie is not the most patient owner. Now, do I think he's going to fire Nick Sirianni after the season? No. But he's got but, a year. But, I, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. 
If they get bounced in the wild card round in embarrassing fashion to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, by the way, a team that they already beat earlier this season, I think things are going to get interesting in the offseason. I don't know if he'll lose his job. I think at a minimum he would force them to gut his entire coaching staff and force uh, their, their hand-picked coaches down his throat. But if, if, if he's lost the locker room, I'm, I'm not going to put the chances at zero. I'll put it to you that way. Because if he's lost Jason Kelsey and Fletcher Cox, and who knows, I mean, that could, be, that could have been their last games. But if he's lost, particularly Jalen Hurts, if Nick Sirianni has lost Jalen Hurts, I'm not going to put the chances at zero that if this season ends in Tampa Bay in embarrassing fashion that he gets canned. Mike, really quick, what is yeah. the Philadelphia sports moment of 2023? Great call, by the way. Yeah, thanks. Um, well, I- I'm not going to make the whole thing negative, so I'll say the, uh, the Bryce Harper majestic homer in Game 3 to the Braves. I appreciate it, Mike. Mike, always a great caller uh, to the station. Great overnight caller as well as we make here uh, our debut on New Year's Eve. Going to run one more call and then hit a break. Ted in Medford. Uh, you're on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Oh man, hey guys! Uh, congrats on your first show. I could, I could, I'm very versatile right now. I wanted to call in angry about the coaching staff, but I, you said, what did you do for New Year's Eve? I could do my impression of Chuck and from Mount Airy about Jonathan Gannon losing a Super Bowl and then winning his Super Bowl this year. I could do a Wisconsin caller for Ben, like to make him feel at home. Like you guys pick which way I go right now. All right. So really quick, what did you do for New Year's Eve? Oh well, yeah, that's that's the boring one. Okay, yeah, I'm you know I'm I'm married. Uh, I got a three year old, so me and my wife we uh, you know uh, took care of our kid who's out of school till uh, six thirty p.m. A bunch of meltdowns, and then we we sat down, and we uh, drank some wine, ate some cheese, and I talked about our twenty twenty three year, twenty twenty three year, and talked about our goals for next year, like a uh, you know, like a good couple does. Are you a New Year's resolution guy? Do you make goals? Ben and I are going to get into this later. You know, I actually I quit smoking about ten years ago from you. that. Like, uh, but I'm not usually a believer in that. I, I don't have one this year, other than like, you know, just get a little bit better, right? Just like Nick Sirianni says, get a little bit better, one percent each day. You know. Yeah. So, has, has, do you think this Eagles team is getting one percent uh, better each day? Does it, does it feel like that well, right now? No, they're 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 certainly getting one percent worse each day, if not more. Um, yeah. I mean, you know. It, this starts with coaching. I mean, the offense is loaded, right? The, the offense is loaded, um, and, you know, it, it's total chaos. And it, the reason why I called was to say, like, nobody's really owning this. Like, I don't know if this is, like, w- w- earlier this week, Shaq Leonard got interviewed, and, and they asked him, what's the difference between Indianapolis and here? And he said, oh, you got to be careful about the media. And, <clears throat> you know, that's annoying to me because, like, are, are, are we just getting lip service every single every single post? Post conference, you know, every conference, oh, we got to get a little bit better. We got to, we got to look at the tape. Like, I'm so sick of this. Like, somebody own this. Someone say we suck. Like, someone be like a Dan Campbell up there. And I think that Philadelphia would appreciate that because I am just so tired of this. Oh yeah, well we didn't execute. Uh, we didn't do good enough. Uh, we we got to do better than that. We're better. Like, like get, get, somebody own this. Like, what, what, nobody's owning this. Like, that- I'm tired of this lip service. Ted, to your point, I, I agree. The head coach and, you know, maybe Shaq Leonard did not. I thought Devontae Smith owned it this week. I thought Jason Kelsey owned it this week. I thought Sidney Brown, not sure if you heard it uh, when we played it earlier, owned it today on the postgame show. I think some I think some of the players publicly own it and get it. And, yeah, it, you know, certain players have been in Philadelphia longer. Certainly Kelsey uh, is a veteran. 
But you're right. It, it, like I, the way I described it in the open is it feels like a bad marriage where not everyone's on the same page and you feel like there's arguments behind the scenes and there's not really like a unified front. Like you ever have like that bad marriage, that bad, you know, that couple who you can tell is in a bad marriage because they both say different things when you ask them how things are going. Yeah, or like you you work at a company where like the owner, you know, like says, oh, "We're doing a great job, everybody," but everybody below that is like, "No, yeah, everything right. everything sucks." Like, the people who make the money are doing fine, but no one below them. Yeah, like nobody, like yeah. There's, you know, it's like, oh, we're being accused of being typical Philadelphia fans. We're eleven and five, and we're 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 complaining about it. No, it's like you but haven't this, watched this, this last bad. one. Yes, yes, like, it is. Like, like imagine Doug. Like we need someone with a like. Nick is trying to act cool, but he is panicking. And, you know, if we had someone like Doug Peterson who could, like, somehow work his way through a backup quarterback and win a Super Bowl, you know, but we're, we're in big trouble here. I, I hear you, I, I hate to say – yeah, go ahead. I, well, I was going to say really quick because we're up against the break here. What, what's your Philadelphia yeah. sports moment of 2023? Uh, it's not a good one. Uh, I mean, I, I can't get over the, the, the loss to the Chiefs. I can't get over that. That's, that's the worst part. I mean, I can't stop thinking about that. So, yeah, that's it. We appreciate the call, Ted. It's cer- certainly hard to argue. The Eagles literally went to the Super Bowl and lost. Game came down to the final couple of minutes. It's probably what you'd lead with. It's probably the obvious answer. In the yeah, room. and, I mean, what's funny is, let's go back to that moment. Juju Smith-Schuster has done nothing this year. No, he's, yeah, he, he's he's gone quiet. He's cooked. Yeah. He's done. Yeah. Bradbury. I mean, we see the state of he's, he's of that. It's like the Chiefs have also dealt with their that's – what, that's what sucks about this. Is so you look that across, loss ages worse every single day. Well, you look across the rest of the NFL, and if you could make a tailor-made opportunity for a Super Bowl run, it's when Patrick Mahomes doesn't have receivers. It's when Burroughs hurt. All of these teams have lined up perfectly for the Eagles to take it, and here we are, they just lost to the Cardinals. 215-592-9494 is we're overdue for a break. Uh, what, you know, as we ride here through the one o'clock hour, see the calls on hold. We're going to get to you, uh, in the next segment, quick segment before 2 a.m. When Sixers Adam or our buddy Sixers Adam uh, is going to join us for a quick conversation about, uh, the state of the local basketball team. Certainly we're going to keep it mostly Eagles. Just have to get away from the It's new year's Eve, right? Like we got to keep it somewhat positive, at least just a little bit. Sixers have been playing well. They're coming off, uh, you know, a loss, but you know, a decent road trip without Joel Embiid. So we'll talk to Sixers Adam at two. We'll get to your calls. I'll write to your calls on the other side. Again, it's Dan Wilson. It's Ben Kenny. It's Terry Tillman producing. Uh, the sports w- WIP Sports Time is 149. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Dan Wilson, Ben Kenny making our hosting debuts here on this New Year's Eve. And certainly an interesting time to make our hosting debuts following a 35-31 to 31 loss to the hands of the Arizona Cardinals. I know a lot of people want to react. Uh, so we're going to go right back to the phones. Kevin in Willow Grove, you're on Sports Radio 94 WIP. What's up, Kevin? Kevin. Kevin, you there? Let's throw All Kevin right. on hold. Second one of the night. Yeah, see, yeah, so we had Kevin. Who was the first guy who uh, – I'm blanking on his name. I don't remember. I don't remember. But, the, yeah, well, we'll, you know, Terry's going to talk to Kevin, see if we can't get him back. Uh, but in the meantime, we're going to go Ryan in the Northeast. What's up, Ryan? Hey, how you doing? What's up? What's up, Ryan? I'm going to tell you something, and this is the honest because I've been following the Eagles for 47, 48 years, and I'm not exaggerating or being dramatic here. Any football team I've watched, this is by far the worst defense I've ever seen in my life. All the Eagles teams, even when they were bad, and any football team, I've never in my life seen it, and they're getting worse every week. 
29 points and they can't stop one drive from this team. It's ridiculous. I think people, I think people see it. They're not mentally. It's absolutely amazing. I swear, I've never seen anything like it in my life. I mean, 49 straight six straight points, and this is Arizona too. They, they, the second half, they were a second half team. They're no longer a second half team by far. I, I, the Seattle just—they had one more drive to stop, and I called this shot too. Not, not that it's a gift or anything like that, because I was hoping it was wrong. It's 28-28. They're driving, and they get the 30-20. They're going to get a field goal. Arizona's going to get a touchdown. And yep. Yeah, Ryan, having a little trouble hearing you. Hard but, to disagree. But but your point, you know, it stands. I mean, we're we're hearing people saying it's the worst defense they've ever seen. And again, this is I know they didn't play well in the Super Bowl, but the team led the league in sacks last year, at least during the regular season. And like, you know, until that Super Bowl against the Chiefs, which again, you're going up against Patrick Mahomes. As I mentioned, you basically spotted him 14 points. The Hurts fumble and you know, a punt return down to the five. It's really just gone in the complete one eighty direction. And this, as I said at the top of the show, this is the defense that Howie Roseman entered the season with. So and a lot has gone wrong. Players have gotten old. They've gotten over the hill. A lot a lot of stuff has happened. But this is the group he entered the year with, which is a failure. If you're just joining us, our overall question tonight, who have you lost most faith in uh, in this Philadelphia Eagles organization? I say it's Nick Sirianni. Ben says it's Howie Roseman. Do you agree with one of us? Do you have a third option? Let's go to Jay and Mayfair get his thoughts. What's up, Jay? Hello. Hey, Jay. How's it going? Chilling. Happy New Year, Joe. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, I just wanted to – I really wanted to just harp on this one – y'all know who Jalen Johnson is, right, from the Bears? Yes. I, I really like – I really think we should try to sign him because I – my biggest disappointment is the defense now because I thought bringing Avante Maddox back was really going to shake things up for us. Even though I know the middle, the middle of the field is really sweet for us, but, like, I thought bringing Avante was really going to do something, and he's really disappointed tonight. But is that well, the difference? Really. Is it? I, I mean, like Johnson can play, and they need uh, they need a better corner. Exactly. Like, I look really at the middle of the corners. field. Like how how are you expecting these linebackers to cover anybody? I that's that's another um, thing I wanted to bring up. I remember someone earlier said that Sirianni, or even y'all agree that Sirianni won't be fired after this year. And I genuinely think he will because, like, they got rid of Doug and them after, what, a year or two after he won us a chip? So, like, they're looking Four. at Sirianni like, three, what is but, Yeah. Well, it was two full still, seasons. But, like, like three, yeah, three full seasons later. Nick, Nick only got to the Super Bowl. He hasn't won us a ring. So, like, I feel like they're going to look at that and be like, well, not really doing enough because, like, I don't know. I, I, I hear you, why didn't we keep? Why didn't we keep T.J. Edwards either? That's That's the question. Really it's, it's, it's the million-dollar question that's uh, on everybody's mind these days. Really quick, Jay, because we're up against the break. Uh, what's your Philadelphia sports moment of 2023? I would say losing today because I really feel like that's going to make or break this team. Like I really feel like we're, it's either going to wake us up or we're going to like we're just going to. Yeah, that's a good answer. So Jay, just, yeah, that's that's how I look at it. Jay, we appreciate the call. It, it took until 1.58. I know. But we had someone say literally on the final day of the year, day 365, that was the moment of 2023. Perhaps a little recency bias, but it's not the it, like it's certainly a contender. Yeah, it feels like if things go wrong, that will define what happens with Hertz and Nick and this the was Nick this was era. the straw that broke the camel's back today. If if all goes wrong yesterday, technically. This would be the game. This is the game. We have those games with Chip. 
We have them with Andy Reid. This is the one we'll look back on. Everybody has that game. This is going to be the one if things go wrong. 215-592-9494. Chuck, Tom, Bam, Mike, Skip, John, Chuck, Ryan. Stay with us on hold. Be patient. Coming up next, going to actually talk a little basketball. Going to break it up a little bit just because we're on for four hours tonight and we can bash the Eagles again and again and again, and we're going to. But we need to break it up. A little bit of positivity here on this New Year's Eve. Talk about the basketball team. The Sixers who have been playing well. Uh, coming off a road trip, they will return home later this week. We were going to keep it tight, but coming up next, uh, Sixers Adam, my personal friend, Adam Aronson, a Sixers beat writer from the Philly Voice. Going to have a quick conversation with him and then right back to the phones. Again, this is Dan Wilson sitting alongside Ben Kenny. Our hosting debuts, Terry Tillman behind the glass. You're listening to Sports Radio 94 WIP. Welcome back, Sports Radio 94 WIP. 2 a.m. here on this New Year's Eve. Happy New Year uh, to Mountain Time. Out there, our friends in Colorado, our friends in Utah. And the people in Arizona, I think. I don't know what time zone no, they're No, no, no. They're, they're two hours behind. Okay. Well, thir- I was there in the summer. I was I visited the Grand Canyon first time. That's something fun I did in 2023. They're three hours back in the summer, two hours back in the winter. Um, not our friends, though, so I'm not wishing them a happy new year. You know who's a, an, an expert on Eastern Standard Time, or just on Standard Time and Daylight Time in general? It's our good pal, Adam Aarons and Sixers Adam. What's up, Adam? Hey, how you guys doing? How are we doing? Well, Adam, uh, can you clarify what's uh, going on in, with the time zones across the country right now and the difference between standard time and daylight time? You know what? Every time I try to do it, you end up correcting me, so I think I'll leave that to you. Ben, to fill you in, to fill our listeners in, he oftentimes tweets out that like Sixers games are going to tip at Eastern Standard Time, but it'll be like the spring or the fall before it's the, co- the clocks have flipped. And no one has you know, more of a passion for getting time accurate quite like I do. Uh-huh. And, and Adam just, you know, he, he does it to annoy me. At this yeah, point. I think it's ridiculous that you do that. Uh, just, don't go out of your way to say standard time. It's just ridiculous. I guess. Adam, thank you so much for joining us here at 2 a.m. on this New Year's Eve. What are you up to tonight, by the way? Like that you're just available for 2 a.m. on New Year's? Uh, I got a text from you asking if I was available, and I made myself available. Oh, look at you. Look at our good pal, yeah. Adam. You, you, I'm just a good friend. I, well, I appreciate that. You, you don't need anything fun before this? You've just been hanging at home. Uh, I was with some friends for the new year, and then and then dashed home to get ready for this. There you go. You have a, you have a nice New Year's kiss. I did not have a New Year's oh, kiss. Oh, that's know, a thank shame. Thank you. Thank, yeah, it's a shame. Maybe that, next year. That's really a shame. Well, we're going to get off Adam's personal life and go right into the <laughs> basketball team. Um, Adam, so the Sixers currently sit uh, twenty-two and ten. They're third in the Eastern Conference. I'll just start big picture. Uh, you know, the story. One of the stories of the season so far. Thirty-two games in uh, to the Nick Nurse tenure. Uh, it's just it's been the new head coach, and we're talking a lot about the Eagles coach here tonight. Uh, but give me your assessment. Give me your grade. How would you assess uh, how Nick Nurse has done with this team so far this season? I think he's been fantastic. Um, he's helped Joel Embiid make another leap, which I'm not sure any of us even thought was possible at this point, that he could get better, but it seems like he is. Um, obviously, the big one is how he's empowered Tyrese Maxey, who's become you know elite as, as a full-time point guard. Um, the locker room seems like it's in a great place. Uh, you know, the vibes around the team are probably the, the best in several years at this point. Um, I thought I thought when they hired Nurse, I thought it would be an upgrade from Doc Rivers, but not as significant as, as some people expected. Uh, but I was dead wrong on that because uh, he's clearly the best coach Embiid has had. And I'm not sure it's particularly close. And, and what he's done for Joel and – even more for Maxi has been really impressive. And, and I think he just deserves a lot of credit for, for that and for the, you know, sort of overwhelmingly positive vibes that seem to be coming out of the locker room. 
Yeah, it seems, I mean, immediately it's all worked. And to the naked eye, again, yes, what you just said, it seems like more of a team. Just the way they're out there playing, there's something you can't put your finger on. I mean, it's Harden, but they seem to be playing more of a team. Which of the additions, or maybe it's the Harden subtraction, do you think has made the biggest impact on that now? I mean, Maxi's flourishing, Embiid's playing great, but which of the new pieces that have been added have made the biggest impact? I would say so far it's been Nicholas Batum. He has missed time a few times now, though he just came back from, a ham- I believe, a hamstring injury. Um, but I was pretty certain when they made the trade, and I still believe that he is the best player that they got back in that deal. And I think it was uh, one of the more attractive parts of the Clippers package, if you were a fan of that, was to get someone like Batum, who almost instantly proved that he can be a starting caliber player for this team. Um Excellent defensive player, more than excellent, also versatile. Uh, you know, there are games where he opens guarding someone like Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and then the Lakers come to town and he's guarding Anthony Davis. He's really versatile. Nick Nurse has spoken at length about it several times, just how valuable it is for a coach to have a guy who you can move around. And offensively, he knows what he's doing. He's, a, he's an underrated passer, great shooter. He's not going to shoot 50% from three the whole season like he has since he got here. But he's a tremendous shooter. And more than that, he has one of the quickest releases that I've ever seen. It's pretty remarkable how quickly he can get the ball up. He can catch it, you know, shoulder high and launch without even dipping the ball first, which is not something you often see. Um, And and it's nothing against the other pieces because they've all had their moments uh, for the most part. But I think Batum, when they look back, is going to be the guy from this that helped them the most. Right. That's where I was going to go. And and I mean, like, yeah, Embiid and Maxi are the story. But there's something – I don't know why it's taken – them so long like they had Josh Richardson for years and you're trying to set up and bead with Josh Richardson it just never seemed like that worked and then finally like is that Maury doing this like what's changed that finally they've surrounded the stars with great uh, ancillary pieces I, I think it is a front office thing um, I, I think they're uh, the front office before Daryl Maury took over uh, did a you know, frankly, a very poor job of surrounding their best players with guys who sit alongside them. And I don't think it's something that even, you know, Maury and his front office have completely mastered. I think they, like, certainly they've made missteps along the way. And I think everybody has fair criticisms of Maury in the front office at this point. Um, But I do think, uh, you know, it's an interesting spot uh, to kind of analyze um, because it's so many new guys right now. but I think for the most part, it is a, just a front office thing of prioritizing shooting, prioritizing versatile defenders, because frankly, once you get superstars, that's the hard part. But once the hard part is over, you still have to get guys who fit around them, and they've done a wonderful job doing so. Well, speaking of superstars, not one that they technically acquired, but one that continues to blossom here uh, is Tyrese Maxey. And I kind of just want to get your thoughts on what he is right now, what he can be. Is he right now at all-star level? Can he be a superstar? And Again, for anyone who does not know, Ben, uh, Adam and I were the leaders of the Run Tyrese Maxey uh, to Brooklyn campaign. Uh, we, you know, we both wanted him dealt for Harden. Uh, How people, did that go? People forget that. Well, not well. You know, he continues to play well. Harden flamed out spectacularly, as he does just about everywhere. Uh, and Tyrese Maxey looks like he's going to be an all-star, potentially a rising superstar. Uh, so I, Adam and I joined forces on this. But in, in all seriousness, Adam, uh, you know, what is is the ceiling like? Are we anywhere close to the ceiling with Tyrese Maxey? Is this what he is? Is he going to continue to get better? Uh, and is he a legitimate number two player next to Joel Embiid on a championship caliber team? Yeah, it's a great question. Here's the thing. Like, anytime 
you decide to place some sort of feeling on what Maxi is going to become, I find that he just shatters it. Um, it's it's a, it's incredible. I mean, for a 23 year old fourth year guy, not a big guy at all, like six one six two, for him to be as effective as he is so quickly is obviously you know it's wonderful and and it's almost unprecedented. Um, one of the main reasons I felt like the Sixers weren't championship contenders without Harden was because they didn't have that number two type guy. I didn't think Maxi was quite there yet. Um, but now I, I think I was wrong about that because he, he just keeps on getting better. He's had an absolutely terrific season, obviously. Um, and it's not just the scoring. He's, he's gone from kind of suspect in terms of his point guard abilities to actually, you know, actively good at all those things. Um, and I think it's a really interesting exercise if you compare his numbers to those of some of the, you know, best guards in the NBA today. And he, he is right there with anybody in terms of production as a, as a 23-year-old or as a fourth-year player. Um, it's really remarkable. Uh, of course, that doesn't mean that he's the next Steph Curry or the next Damian Lillard. Uh, but, you know, the skill is there. The feel for the game is there. The work ethic is there. The attitude is there. Like, everything you could want, he has. Uh, and, and it just makes it hard to ever bet against him doing anything at this point. So, really quick follow-up to that. So, they're coming off a road trip where Maxi was the star, and B did not uh, go to Miami, Orlando, Houston, or Chicago. They go 2-2 two and two on the road trip, but it felt a lot different to me. I'm interested if you felt the same way in the sense that in the past, like it wasn't even last year, they had missed significant time with Embiid, with Harden, even with Maxi. Uh, and Doc Rivers, you know, when Doc Rivers was still coaching, still found ways to win a number of those games. But as now we transition to this year, like there used to be a time where the Sixers were virtually unwatchable. And I, I know you watched them, but like from a fan's perspective, like pretty much unwatchable when Embiid was not on the floor. And we just had four games. Yes, they went 500. That Maxi played, I mean, he didn't play well in Miami, but really kind of came into his own. And I'm wondering if you agree in the sense that Harden leaving obviously opened up the reins for Maxi to take over the offense, be the point card, and kind of flourish into his full potential. Am I wrong to say that something felt substantially different over the, these last four games without Embiid as opposed to what we've seen in previous seasons uh, when the big man is not on the floor? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, you said it. They were borderline unwatchable when Embiid was off the floor for several years. Uh, the, you know, the, one of the big parts of this is just that they happen to have an actual backup center now. Uh, Paul Reed is certainly not a perfect player, but he's a fine backup center and much better than the, you know, DeAndre Jordan, Montrezl Harrell, Amir Johnsons of the world. Uh, so I definitely think that's a big part of it. Um, Maxi is, is the biggest part of it to me because, you know, part of what I was always frustrated with with the lineups without Embiid that would suffer is that even when the Sixers had Ben Simmons at, his, at the peak of his powers, even Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, when he was supposedly this borderline all-star player, um, it still was not good enough when he was off the floor. Uh, and Massey, unlike those players, has actually been able to spearhead these lineups. Uh, according to Cleaning the Glass, they have a plus 7.5 net rating this year when Massey's on the court and Embiid is off. That's outstanding given the, given the context. Um, so I think Massey deserves a ton of credit. I also think Nick Nurse deserves a lot of credit. Uh, something I follow very closely is the substitution patterns that these coaches put together and how they utilize different players in certain lineups. And he's really done a nice job of making it so there's time where Embiid has the ball and he can shine. There's time where Maxi can run the offense and, 
Uh, you know, they can be more up-tempo and play at his pace, work Tobias Harris in there, get the right role players in the right spots. So I think there are a lot of factors, but I definitely agree that they're, they're world better now when Embiid is off the floor than they used to be. Um, in all seriousness, greatly, greatly appreciate uh, you hopping on with us tonight at this you know hour of 2 a.m. on a New Year's Eve, uh, staying up late with us, stay, you know, joining our hosting debuts. Uh, you know, we've been friends for a while. Uh, read Adam's stuff, a Sixers beat writer for the Philly Voice. Uh, definitely enhances my Sixers viewing experience. Not just saying that because he's my friend. Uh, one of the best in the business. And I don't know how many people realize this. Also a full-time college student. Like, he's literally graduating Temple in 2024. Don't think Adam sleeps. I think that's why he was able to join us here at 2 a.m. But uh, in all seriousness, thank you, Adam, so much for hopping on with us. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Thank Thanks, you, Adam. Adam. Appreciate it. See, six, right. So Adam Aronson uh, from the Philly Voice joining. A 2 a, I don't know the last time we had a 2 a.m. guest on the station, um, like a live one. Yeah, that's a good point. Probably Dave, been a while. Dave Uram. Dave, he's an in-studio guest. That doesn't count. That's another guy who doesn't sleep, Because by the way, he works here. Is Dave Uram. Yeah. Yeah, a guy who does not work here. Um, no, it's a, it's a phenomenal It's been question. a while. So, anyway, we're going to get it back to the Eagles. We're going to pass it over, pass the baton here to Ben, uh, as you're going to take over uh, in the driver's seat now on our hosting debut. Uh, so, yeah, Ben, take it away, and again, get, get, get it back to the birds here as we talk to uh, transition out of Sixers, Adam. That was clear. Yeah, I do want to reset. 215-592-9494. That's how you join the show. Everybody on hold, we see you. We will get to you. Eagles lose 35-31. It feels like the season is going down a wrong path. The, the question we're throwing around tonight, generally, who are you losing faith in more, Nick Sirianni or Howie Roseman? I think we're all losing faith in Sirianni, but I throw Howie Roseman into that ring. I don't think anybody's beyond reproach with what's going on. And I think, I, Dan, you say the callers have agreed generally, like, watching this defense is not fun. It has not been fun. And while we may think Sean Desai and Matt Patricia are not stellar at their jobs, there is something to be said about the players out there are different. The players are the ones playing the games. Yes, and and not delivering. Um, all right, 215-592-9494. We have that. The sports moment of 2023. When you think back on 2023, what moment defines the year? Um, I said Craig Kimbrell entering the NLCS. Dan went positive. I went positive. Bryce Harper staring down Orlando Arcia. Um, some have put out the Super Bowl. Some have put out yesterday. Terry tried to bring us back down, mentioned game six against the Celtics. The Sixers. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like the, 2023, Like as we turn the page – and yesterday is still fresh, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to continue to. 2023 was a brutal year for these. It, it was a year of promise and, and maybe over-promise and under-deliver. It was a year of the lack of coming through on expectations. Like, I can't think back to an ending of any of those teams with any fond memories. Yeah, the memory I picked for the Phillies was in the division series, which had a positive end to that round. The next round didn't go so well. But then you think about what happened, right? Then you think about what happened to Arizona. I I mentioned this to start the show. Like Arizona's canceled now, by the way. Like, uh, like the, the field, the Diamondbacks, the Cardinals—they're all done. Like we're we're done with Arizona sports. If Philadelphia does not play a single other game against Arizona or in Arizona for the rest of my life, I'll be cool with it. I'd be thrilled. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. We go back to the phones. Positive Mike is in Baltimore. Positive Mike, hey, what's fellas. up? What's going hey, on? Congratulations on your show. Thank You'll you. be hearing from me. I'm a guest. Right so, on. Well, you know, I think sometimes words are lost but, uh, with Philadelphia Eagle fans. When Jeffrey Lurie bought the team, he said something like the first year he it, that he had the team that caught me by surprise when he said, we want to win championships. That's not winning the Super Bowl. 
And I've always felt like this guy likes to bring this team to a point and then likes to turn the screws and send them off in a crazy direction. And I think, you know, this is a this this thing that's playing out now has been played out before several times. This is nothing new. I mean, we saw what happened with T.O. We already see the beginnings of A.J. Brown being a scapegoat. It's like we're playing. It's like we're playing this record and it's going round and round and round. He is not taking this team to the next level, and that's the problem. He doesn't want to. I don't even know that he wanted to win that Super Bowl. But now that the Eagle fans have gotten a taste of winning, I don't think they can accept what they used to accept, which was, you know, good but not great. And that's the problem. So I that's on Lurie? That You're saying that's on Jeffrey Lurie? Jeffrey Lurie likes that formula, and he always has. I mean, can you really believe Andy Reid couldn't win a Super Bowl? Was he was he a player away? I mean, why did um, they? Yeah, get I'd rid say of he him? was. I, I mean, he was. I mean, he was Terrell Owens away for much of his time here. He was Terrell Owens, but they didn't bring him back. They found a way to scapegoat him and get him out of town and reshuffle the deck because this guy knows that reshuffling the deck makes money, and that's what it is. I mean, this is not. Howie Roseman calling the shots on uh, Jeffrey Lurie is that every game. He's, he is no different than Jerry Jones. He knows exactly what he's doing. He has a lot of experience. He's been, he's been running this company for years. And to think that, you know, he's just pushing this down the, down the line for somebody to make these decisions on who to, who to fire and who to keep. The, the Howie Roseman is making, no, that's not how it works. Howie Roseman almost lost – well, he never even got close to losing his job. I shouldn't say he almost lost his job. That was all a flim-flam that they were going to get rid of Howie and Chip was going to take control and blah, 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 blah. It never happened. And that's why Howie's still there because he was never – there was no intention to ever let him go. Mike, okay? if, you were, if you were Jeff Lurie right now, what's the first move you'd make? If I was Jeff Lurie right now, first of all, I would have never hired a guy who had no experience. No, but what's, guy, what, what's next? Forget about the past. What would I do what now? What move would you make today? I would bring in Frank Reich immediately. Immediately. And I would bring up Rashad Penny and let him run the ball and pound the ball and try to control the clock. I mean, these are little things, and I don't think it's kind of late in the game to do anything. And I think this guy is just, you know, I feel sorry for Jalen Hurts. Here's a guy who has a chance to be like a Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. This guy's got talent, and he showed it in the Super Bowl. I mean, he was the Super Bowl MVP bar one play. Yep. No, and, I, and, I, I, I got you. Um, real quick, sports moment of 2023. Where do you go? Uh, I think it was when Doc Rivers blew the seventh game. I mean, the guy was a boob. He was funny. He didn't even have a, he had no answers either. There's a guy who had no answers. He his answer was stick together. Yeah. But he couldn't call a play. That's good. That's good. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I mean, with Nurse being here, it makes the Rivers thing look worse by the day. I think it's game six more so than game seven. Like yes, they didn't show up for game seven. Nobody did. Nobody did. I mean, I mean, literally nobody did. I, it was on Embiid, it was on Harden, it was on the coach. Harden and the coach are gone. Embiid's still here. It's it's hard to the Sixers was a bad one. Like it was it was an all time collapse. Yeah, but the but the addition by the natural subtraction of Harden and Doc. I mean, I I look ahead to twenty twenty four. I mean, I'm I'm excited and I'm optimistic about the Phillies. But someone said it. You might have said it earlier. Out of the teams that are playing right now, 
the Sixers and the Eagles and the Flyers, I guess. Hey, like, it's, it's a new era of orange, we're, Ben. We're more confident in the Sixers than we are the Eagles after today. Yeah, because one team is probably going to lose in the first round. At least the Sixers get to the second round, I guess. They're playing well. I mean, you know, talk to me in the spring after the Eagles have a draft that people get excited about and the Sixers lose. But, yeah, it's as of right now, people are higher on the Sixers because the Eagles have burned them more recently. Yeah. Um, real quick, on Lori, I don't, I don't go that far. I look across the NFL – and he's not he's not Jerry Jones. No. Oh, my gosh. No, he is Jerry Jones. Jer- Jerry Jones holds like two press conferences a week and does a, a 30 minute radio hit and like every 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 week. He's like the coach and he's bad at personnel and he's hired. I mean, he had Jason Garrett there for 10 years and he runs everything like he like Lori. Well, he has involvement hi, like hi, like Roseman runs the show. Mm-hmm. Roseman is the one making decisions. Yes. Who, who you're putting the blame on which I know. I, I just don't think how we should be beyond reproach. When we talk about where the Eagles are right now, it's beyond reproach. But I, I understand your, your, you know, your perspective on this. Of like, people definitely have Howie glasses and are resistant to criticize him. Yes, and even the moments where we praise him the most, getting Nolan Smith at thirty, right, signing Shaq Leonard, adding Kevin Byard at the deadline. None of those moves have worked, and we don't really look back with hindsight and say, oh yeah, none of those have worked, and it's part of the reason the team is struggling. It's more so like, what would you want them to do? Like, those were the names available. Or exactly, or we just look at the coaches. Or we just say, hey, you know, D.C. sucks. Let's fire him. Well, we fired the defensive they, they, coordinator. They did that. Exactly. They did that. Exactly. 215-592-9494. Who are you losing faith in? Howie Roseman, Nick Sirianni. Let's go to Skip in Malvern. Skip, you're on WIP. Hello, Skip. All right. Uh, there's that's, number three. That's third tonight. All right. Well, Keeping a tally here. So we're writing them three. down. We're up to three. I it's don't not, have their names. It's an overnight show. It's, yeah, no, Skip is the most recent one, so we're going to see if we can't get him back on hold. All right, let's try John in Newtown Square. John, you're on WIP. Hey, congratulations, guys, uh, on, on the job. It's great. Thank you. Appreciate you're it. Off, sound like you're off to a good start. Okay. The Eagles weren't. Who, who I would lay the blame on are the people in this city, and I grew up in the city, and I lived there and I'm a fan, and I've, I've moved out, that I stay connected. I, I lay the blame on the people in this city that think they're geniuses and general managers. And quite like honestly, it's a, all the callers who call in and drive good talent and people out of this city. And it's like they hyperventilate to get rid of somebody the second that, that things go sideways. I listened after the day after the Super Bowl to everybody wanting to run Jonathan Gannon out of town. Oh, it's Gannon. Yep. Total knee-jerk reaction. You know, great defense last year. He had a whatever, the second half. We have to run him out of town. A bunch of geniuses. People don't know what they're talking about. Turn the heat up on people. You ran out. We ran out Andy. Um, we destroyed Doug. We turned on wow. Howie and almost ran him out. We christened Sirianni a year ago, and now everybody wants to run him out of town. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. We had an unbelievable defense last year and ran this guy out of town. And look what happened today, and look what we've got. John, now. John, John, do you how much do you do you believe all of those decisions that the guys you mentioned there who are no longer here were all fan driven like the you know the brain trust of the eagles didn't have anything to do with that 
No, of, co- of course. But I mean, all of this plays into it because, hey, you, you got ownership that wants to deliver. Well, so so follow up. Do you believe fans are great? Brandon Graham, we don't have the audio of it, but it was reported to have told reporters after the decision, the uh, what was it? Patricia took over defensive play caller, took over for Desai, is reported to have told reporters that this was a media driven decision, a.k.a. like public outrage. Do you believe that had anything to do with why Sean Desai is not the defensive coordinator? Uh, I'll tell you what, it probably has a lot more to do with it in Philadelphia than it does so in other cities. Here's the question. For sure. Should Sean Desai still be the defensive coordinator? Uh, I'll tell you what, you know what, I'd much, I'd much rather have John Gamathan as a, a defensive well, sure. coordinator. Well, sure. He, he wasn't run out of town, though. Like, he took a head coaching job. Um, the, the point is, and, and thank you, John, I appreciate it. The point is, it is not fans all running these people out. When Andy Andy Reid went 4-12 and his final season. The, the fans did not run him out of town. He was here 14 seasons. Yes, and Doug Peterson. The guy's a Hall of Fame coach. Doug Peterson went what? The, the fans didn't run Doug Peterson out of town. People thought it was too early. Not he, had, he had a disagreement with owners, with like, you know, the brain trust. Exactly. And the opinions of a radio program do not reflect that of all of the fans. There are Gannon fans. Well, and Jonathan Gannon, you know, went and told the Arizona media that he believes that, that we all wanted the, him out. That the whole media wanted him out and like might have just described Angelo and incorrectly described that as like the people in the room as if like Zach Berman and Jeff McLean were like yelling at him like, oh, like you suck blitz more. Like they're they're not giving opinions. They're they're beat writers. Yeah. They're not, and, pe- and people on the radio are allowed to give opinions. And by the way, like if you're winning, no, like if the Eagles organization is winning, why should they care what any of us have to say? He was offered a job. He was offered a head coaching job. Like you, you lose good coordinators. And by the way, just, just sorry, finish your point. But I have one thing to go well, off. Well, you, you lose good coordinators when you win. The Eagles lost both, and which and, is rare. But yes, and the best coaches and the best organizations are the ones that when they lose those coordinators, they sign new ones and they do as good of a job. Correct. And that, Bill, and in the case of Bill Belichick, his coordinators go elsewhere and are never good and they always come crawling back. The head coach and the quarterback in that case, i.e. Matt Belichick, Patricia. might be kind of a fraud at this point. You take I, Brady just, away. I, just, I disagree with that, but we, we can discuss that at a later point. But you take the good coordinators away and they then suck, which says it's the head coach's system. Here, the, it's over, the, reverse. the overwhelming majority, the majority of the evidence is that the worst things to happen this offseason were the departure of the coordinators, the hiring of Brian Johnson and, Son- and Sean Desai, and now we are seeing that Sirianni might have been a product of two great coordinators last year. Which is really unfortunate. And to the, the Doug point, it's like we thought that was the case. I, I do not, I'm not on board with what two callers ago saying hire Frank Reich. I'm not on board with that. Yeah, Frank Reich who just got fired. Frank Reich who just got fired. No, I, I don't think that is the answer. But to the point of... Do I think like fans are running these guys out of town? It's like, no, he took a job. And I wanted to piggyback off the Gannon thing. I remember my point. Look, uh, people did not like how things ended here. And the narrative that kind of got spun, whether it's true or not, is that he was mentally checked out during the Super Bowl because he knew he was taking a head coaching job. Shane Steichen also took a head coaching job like within the next 48 hours. Like I think it was officially introduced either that following Monday or Tuesday. It is not uncommon. In the NFL, more so than any other sport, head coaches are named, like, immediately after it happened. D'Amico Ryans took the Texans' job, what, a day or two after the NFC Championship? Like, these guys obviously know it's coming. And the reporting is the Eagles did not know it was coming. They had to know that Gannon was in coaching searches, maybe didn't know he was literally going to 
get introduced the next day. I've always wondered, like, think about any job anywhere. If you knew you were about to get the biggest promotion of your entire life and you're about to leave a company, like if me, you, me, Terry, anyone on the phone was at their job, you, you knew you were about to get the promotion of your entire life, the biggest promotion of your life, biggest opportunity of your life, and you weren't allowed to like say anything publicly, but everyone kind of knew it was coming. Would you be laser focused on your final day? Like I've never understood how any coordinator no. could possibly be locked in. Not just Jonathan Gannon. Like it wasn't the you know we don't blame the offense, but do we believe that there wasn't an ounce of Shane Steichen's brain the week leading up to the Super Bowl that wasn't focused on being the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts? Is it possible? That's a good point. Like we we expect these guys and they're expected to compartmentalize everything, and I get it, but it's kind of like the industry standard, and it seems like. Some shady stuff happened with Gannon that is not the industry standard. But the overall point, like, Jonathan Gannon's not the first coordinator to go to the Super Bowl and be given a head coaching job the next day. No, it happens every year. It happens every year. And in the NFL, like, you know, bench coaches aren't given a managerial job the day the World Series ends. Like, assistant coaches on NBA benches who go to the finals aren't given the head coaching job the very next day. It happens in football faster than ever to the point where these teams literally have to hold out for the game to end just to sign them. And, like, that's how the NFL coaching ranks work, that the top coordinators get coaching jobs, and they're, you know, you're almost already behind. Like, you've gone to the Super Bowl, and you're already behind on, you know, your tape and personnel for next season, free agency, things like that. So you're going to get right to work right away. And if Gannon was distracted, I have a, I just have a hard time believing that every other coordinator couldn't also be somewhat distracted. Too. Yeah, and, I, I mean, when you are in that Super Bowl, you're two weeks late on hiring the next ones. Which, well, that's I mean, my point. Is like he's literally the Cardinals had to wait. The Cardinals and Colts had to were the last teams to name head coaches. No, the Eagles. The Eagles are late on hiring the replacement oh, coordinators. Yes, for their departed coordinators. Yes. It's almost like going to the Super Bowl in one year, screwy in the next, and it's a league set up for parity. And the Eagles were kind of overcoming the fact that they were over overcoming the trends. I'll say, like the trends when you go to the Super Bowl and especially when you lose are not good. To bounce back the following season, you usually get a worse draft pick. The Eagles didn't. You usually get a harder schedule. You usually lose coordinators. You usually you usually lose players who are going to get a pay raise. You usually lose everything. Like everything is stacked against you. Not not even to mention that no team is repeated as NFC East champions in 2004, and it looks like that streak is going to remain alive. Like no trend was in the Eagles' favor this season, and it caught up with them. Yep, hundred percent. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. I'm Ben Kenny. That's Dan Wilson. I want to set this up because when we come back, we have we've talked about the defense a lot. We've talked about Sirianni a lot. I want to touch on the offense because there was a series, the most infuriating, and and, and Mike in South Philly mentioned it earlier, the most infuriating play calling series of the year, and a perfect in capture of of what this team has been on offense at times. Entirely frustrating. We'll get to that when we come back. Again, that's Dan Wilson. I'm Ben Kenny on Sports Radio WIP. Hurts. Takes the snap. He's back. He screens it this time to Gainwell, and it only goes down to the 25-yard line. I don't understand it. That's right, Merrill. We are back. Ben Kenny, Dan Wilson, 94 WIP. I don't think anyone understood it. I No, we're picking up the pieces. Eagles lose to the Cardinals, 35-31. We got another great crowd shot of angry Eagles fans in the midst of Shout out to the Fox producers today. They got, like, four in a row, like, really good ones. It was one woman going, like, what the hell? And then the next, it was, like, a little. There was a kid. Not, like, not like, a little kid, but, like, maybe, like, 10 to 12 years old, I'll say, 
being like, run the ball, and then, you know, a- another fan, like, just in disgust. I mean, they really captured the emotion at the link today, maybe better than any TV crew all season. Yeah, but credit to them because it's not that hard. You could go anywhere across the crowd, and everybody had the same reaction to this. This was the sequence after the Jonathan Gannon onside kick, which the Eagles recovered, but as we heard from Gannon... He still thinks it's a win. It was his plan, and honestly, in hindsight, it worked because the Cardinals won the game. The Eagles have the ball down on the Arizona 20 after a Jalen Hurts pass to A.J. Brown. And, I mean, we can come out of this. There's one player that is beyond reproach at the moment. That's Jalen Hurts. He's the one guy I don't put this game on because... This game, no, but he certainly, like, this season as a whole, he certainly, I think, not been as good as he was a season ago. There have been moments. That, like, I'm talking that, about I, today. I, I, I think it's fair to be critical of Jalen Hurts. I think it was certainly fair to be critical of him after the Seattle game, let's say. Sure, sure, but not today. Not No, not today. Today, I thought he was great. The T- offense t- was Today, Hurts wasn't the story. But to get down to the 20, and then what has been the story of this team season... You have a hold on Jordan Mailata on a, on a gain of zero. It was an unnecessary hold, but that brings you back to first and 20. The following three play calls, again, encaptures Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni by association's offense. Jalen oh, Hurts, and, and Nick says it's his offense. Let's, let's make that clear. Yeah, and he wants to take the blame, so we'll put the blame on him. Jalen Hurts quarterback draw for four yards. Second and 16. Jalen Hurts quarterback draw for negative three yards. It's like... They get to first and 20, and they panic. They go back to, okay, let's go draw to the right. Then let's try draw to the left. Then let's call a timeout, which we definitely won't need down the stretch of the game when Arizona gets the ball. That was like Andy Reid type stuff. On third and 19, which you converted last week, Dan. How did they convert that third and 19? They went to A.J. Brown. By throwing it forward. Yes, passing the ball. Right? Okay. Well, this time, they called a screen. And I'm thankful it wasn't to Julio Jones. Apparently, we've evolved past that. We actually we've gotten to two almost 240 here. Julio Jones had like the day of his Eagles career. Uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> no one's gonna remember it or care. Hertz throws a screen to Gainwell for four yards. During the play, the lead blocker was Devonte Smith, 165 pound Devonte Smith. Gainwell rolls up on his ankle. Smith is now in a walking boot. Is probably gonna miss time. The Eagles kick the field goal. They don't really get the ball back. Goodbye season. It's like we could I'm, – I'm mad about the defense. We could bitch about the defense all we want. It's another big moment where Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni have no clue what they're doing on offense. It's so frustrating, and we've hit this point a number of times, but the most frustrating thing, and it was specifically Mike in South Philly who mentioned it, is there is not a single person in the stadium, in the studio today watching – watching at home. There's not a single Eagles fan anywhere who was even remotely surprised by that sequence. Like, not even remotely. It's what they, like, they don't have the offensive playbook diversity, I guess, at, like, the offensive depth. There's not enough, like, there's not enough depth to this offense. They don't try- have the feel. There's, there's Forget something. The feel. It's like, they have, it feels like they have 10 plays in the playbook. And yes, they got it last week, you're right, against the Giants, so I'm not, I'm not like, trying to throw a party for that. But yes, they threw the ball forward. A.J. Brown was able to get open. This time, they seemed perfectly content with the field goal. They seemed perfectly content with going up by three and trusting the defense, which I don't know why, because the defense has not done anything to remotely earn your trust. But I guess you figure, okay, this is the highest percentage play given the circumstances. My lot of three back 10 yards. Jake Elliott, as you mentioned, might be the identity of this team right now. We'll take the surefire three points. 
and you play right into Jonathan Gannon's, apparently his plan, which is give Kyler Murray the ball back, and he'll go win the game against the defense. It makes and you it know better. What? You gave Kyler, yeah, you gave Jonathan Gannon, who everybody hates, former defensive coordinator who quote unquote blew the Super Bowl, is now costing the Eagles a game because the Eagles got conservative, have no offensive, you know, playbook depth. And whether it's Brian Johnson, Nick Sirianni, whatever, they, they both suck right now. Like, literally settled for three points and let Kyler Murray go win the game. Can I? It, it makes it better. There, there's something poetic about this disaster on offense. Ending playing, with Gannon. Playing into the open arms of freaking Jonathan Gannon. That's where, that's, that is how far we have fallen. We, as, as the general public watching the Eagles, they're People losing at home yeah. to the Cardinals. And Jonathan Gannon is running circles around the Eagles head coach. 215-592-9494. We'll throw Brian Johnson and Sirianni. They're in the mix. Where does the blame lie? How do we unpack uh, the loss to the Cardinals today? Let's try Chuck in Norristown. Chuck, you're on WIP. Hey, guys. How you doing? Happy New Year. Likewise. Happy What's New Year. On? All right. Um, what a crap show today that was. I know you guys heard everything already. I've been listening for hours. Um what do you think we should do? Just scrape up the whole field, like sidelines, and the, and you know what I would do myself? I've been I'm 67. I just turned 67. I've been I remember going to um, my grandpa had um, season tickets at at uh, Franklin Field. I, wow, Pete Rett's left. You know I seen all the I've been you know as a little kid and all. What what, what should we do? Just scrape up the whole field, sidelines, and get rid of the whole damn and, and that guy from Baltimore too. Um, Mike or yeah, whatever. Yeah, positive, positive Mike. Not very positive. Yeah, whatever. Hard you know, what's up with that dude? You know, he, what's Jeffrey Lurie? He's, you know what? I had management jobs in my, in my lifetime and, and people fooled me. I thought these people would fill this, uh, position and it turned out they didn't. Uh, they hiring me. well is a skill. It's a skill. It's a real skill. It's how yeah, you succeed you know? in the NFL. Hiring well. Yeah. So what, what do we do, you know? I'm so disgusted with this team. That's the I question. I can't believe it. Um, Chuck, real quick, your sporting moment of 2023. Philadelphia. Oh, uh, sporting moment. Oh, God. Um, I think um, depressing-wise, I'm sorry to be a, a, a nasty bummer. Um, two years in a row, the Phillies, you know, just like quit on us. Mm. Last two games of the season. Yep. You know, no, I can't scary. argue with that. Thanks, Chuck. Appreciate it. Where do we go for? I mean, it's a valid question, masked in whatever. Where where do the Eagles go? I don't know. And that was another one of the main takeaways, Dan. I had from the game is yes, all of this has fallen so fast, and we don't know how we've gotten to this point. But it's a playoff. They're eleven and five. They're a playoff team. So while I don't think they're going to go far, they will be playing a playoff game. So they're going to play next week in New York. I, I, I don't believe they'll be playing multiple playoff games, but they will play one. At least one. Correct. They have next week in New York, and then they will be playing a playoff game. So if you're Sirianni or whoever, what the hell do you do? Like, like how do you reverse this? Well, they keep saying they need to fix it. And, again, this is on New Year's Eve. It's week 17. You're, set, you're like you're 16 games into your season, and you're still saying, we got to fix it. We haven't played our best football. All right, when's the best football coming? Are they allowed to say we got to fix it? We got We haven't played our best football after they lose in the wild card round. Like, when does this team hit its apex? When does this team? I don't know if there is anything. I like. 
there was another cut of Sidney Brown that, you know, we don't have to dig up and play, but there's another cut of Sidney Brown in that same interview today with Jack and Rob uh, on the postgame show, like talking about, you know, the preparation of the team and, you know, basically practice yields results. How you practice is how you play. Well, if he's saying that after this type of game, then what the hell are they doing in practice? Like, literally, what is this team doing all week that this is what's yielding the results? Because if he believes that, if a rookie believes that, and there is a culture down there that you're not really making any changes, they're practicing the exact same way, then aren't they just preaching the definition of insanity, which is that if you do the same thing over and over again, nothing ever changes? Like, what adjustments are they making on Tuesday, on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, so that the game looks different on Sunday? Mm-hmm. But I- but at what level are they professionals? Like, I, I buy into practice kind of matters. Practice matters in college. Like, like at what point are they professionals? I think, I think implementing there's... scheme and a game plan in well, practice sure. matters. Sure, but at what That's point— on the coaches. At what point is there any pride, a semblance of pride, on the defensive side of the ball before the Cardinals run for 220 on you? Like, like James Conner is suddenly Adrian Peterson? Like, so, yeah, you could practice that. You could practice tackling. But when does it set in of, like, okay, we, we are getting embarrassed. I'm talking more scheme. I'm talking more what kind of game plan is being implemented week to week that other teams look more prepared, are more prepared to make better adjustments in game. Other teams look like, even if they're far less talented, like how many teams did the Eagles play this season where you could say the other team is more talent than the Eagles? How, how many teams in the NFL even exist like that? One team. The Niners. The 49ers. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they got boat Maybe races. the Cowboys. All right. Well, they got killed in both of those games. Yep. Certainly not, I mean, not even close to today. The, the Giants don't even belong on the same field as them, and it happened last week. The Seahawks with Drew Locke as your quarterback, no way. Yep. And, and even with the 49ers, like, the Eagles have the clear advantage of quarterback. I, I think the Eagles, coming into the season, we would have said we had the advantage of quarterback uh, over Dak and the Cowboys, like it's not as if these teams, e- even the game, even the teams who have who you could argue a better talent than the Eagles, it's still close. They should still be in the same class, but because of the coaching staff, it doesn't look like they're in the same class when they play on Sunday. Yep, two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. We have a lot coming up. We'll get to AJ Brown in a bit, but we'll take your calls when we return. That's Dan Wilson. I'm Ben Kenny. The Eagles lost to the Cardinals, and everything's a disaster. We're on 94 WIP. Back after this. All right, we're back. Ben Kenny, Dan Wilson, WIP. It's 2024. Today's supposed to be festive. It doesn't feel like it. No. The tones have not been festive. Not really. I mean, it's it's hard to be festive at the moment. Certainly in Philadelphia. Coming up in 10 minutes, I want to talk about the new year. There, There are things that are... About New Year's? We can look forward to it. Some people like the holiday. I don't, believe it or not. But I'm looking forward to tomorrow. We'll touch on that in the next hour. There are some things to look forward to. Um, but before that, 215-592-9494. Your reaction. Eagles lose 35-31 to the Cardinals. Are you losing faith in Sirianni? Are you losing faith in Howie? Where does this all start and how does it get fixed? Let's go back to the phones. Let's go to Skip in Malvern. Let's try Skip. Skip, how are you? Uh, guys, I'm I'm doing good. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on tonight. Um Yes. Yeah, I mean, mainly on the field, and uh, I kind of agree with the last guy who was uh, his sentiment was, you know, kind of like, hey, what are we going to do? And 
I agree. You know, in times of crisis, that's kind of what you say, right? Um, that's the question. Yeah, but uh, but going back uh, all the way, uh, so I mean, my first Eagles game, my dad took me to Vet Stadium, and you know, Ron Jaworski and Harold Carmichael were on the field, and uh, those things, and then I, uh, uh, Buddy played, Ryan, y- yeah, and and I and I played football for uh, Coach Bill Berge, and I played linebacker. So I knew how to hit, and okay. I actually linebacker with his son Jason. Are you going to start and in New York I, next week? We could use you. Yeah, can you I, play? I, I the, what I'm saying is that I actually feel that if Jason and I went out on the field and trained for a, a week or two, we could hit better than the guys that are on the field. I don't see anyone you know what's hitting skip? anyone. You know what, Skip? I don't entirely disagree. I can hit someone and run right through them. And just pound them into the ground, which uh, it's needed. It's needed, and, and thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I mean, if if Howie has any trick up his sleeve, it's, it's, si- skip. it's signing Skip. I mean, somebody like they're they're going to go into next week with the same linebackers. Well, yeah. I mean, what what else? What other options do they? There's have? There's no change. But that I mean, it goes back to my general thought from the beginning, which your starting linebackers are Nick Morrow and Zach. Cunningham, who didn't play, but has been fine this season. But the like, when when can an organization finally move past never investing like in the their, position? Their current philosophy. Yes, and I know it's a broken record. They don't do it. They don't do the pick. But why? Why? Why can't they actually invest in the position? Because they don't believe it matters as much as the other positions on the defensive side of the ball, and they have a blueprint for that being effective and working when the other sides of the ball are good and well coached. But that's that's not why. Well, no, I know why, but that's not working this year. I, I think it's it is... not because the other sides, the other, the defensive line and the secondary are letting them down. So they're and and that, the players. This, are, this is how the Eagles view the it. players are that bad. Like, well, the Eagles view it as okay. A year ago, it didn't matter because the defense hadn't been exposed yet, and they could get a pass rush, and that they could disguise the mediocre back seven that you've been talking about. This year, you get no pass rush the defensive coordinator or the defensive play caller, whatever you want to call it, is significantly worse than it was a season ago. And now you're in this weird, pur- like, not even purgatory, just really bad spot where a team like the 49ers is expo- is able to expose over the middle because they have the time to do it, and all hell breaks loose. Yeah, I, I guess that's just where I differ. I am, I, I am looking around the NFL. I see Roquan Smith in Baltimore. He's amazing. He makes a difference. T.J. Edwards is the go-to I, example. I yet see T.J. Edwards leading the league in tackles. Big interception today. I see Fred Warner. I see guys that are that are stalwarts in middles of defenses, and it works, and it's productive. And then I watch Nick Morrow and Zach Cunningham try to play, and it's infuriating. It's infuriating. They can't cover. Like, of course they it don't, is. They don't do that much. So, I don't know. Um, Kevin in Willow Grove. I have two minutes. What do you think? Yo, what's going on, gentlemen? Thanks for having me. I Look, I I went to the bathroom at an inopportune time earlier, so I was one of the three strikeouts. You might need to adjust it to two and a half. That's okay. Okay, well, you're back. That's the important yeah, part. Yeah, yeah, thanks for – you know what? I think one of my biggest fears at this point is the perpetuation of this insanity. Like, because, you know, as you guys said earlier, that, that old adage, you know, you are your record, I, I don't believe that either, but – 
on paper, like say hypothetically, all right, we win our next game, so do the Niners. I can just see, I could see people saying, ah, well, you know, how are you going to fire some of the coaching staff after they've had, you know, after they've had a, a twelve and five season? Vegas only had us predicted at what was it? Was it eleven and a half? That was the, I, I think in. I think in so. It was near twelve. The over under is so, on the line next week in New York. Yeah, yeah, Gosh. no, so, yeah, yeah. Not that, not that I have any personal investments. You know what I'm saying? No, so I, I hear you. Like they're yeah, right but, where Vegas thought they'd be. But like, and and that's kind of that's kind of scary to me because there is that defense looks so listless, right? Like just the looks on players' faces on the sideline and defeated, know, totally I, defeated. I don't know if you guys listened to Sirianni after the loss, uh, you know, to to the Seahawks. He was a stuttering mess. And look, I've never been in that position before. I don't know what it's like, but I feel like, you know, somebody said earlier, I, I want to hear some Jim Mora type, like playoffs. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm just hoping we win a game. Like I, I want to hear somebody get honest about what's really going on. And I don't know if we're going to get it. Uh, and, Quite frankly, not not to be too negative, I don't see anything changing next week. I don't see any adjustments being made whatsoever because I have no reason to believe it, you know? So here's the thing. If, if, if this past performance today isn't the thing that brings them to the best version of the team, then nothing will. Like I said, going into today, I think we learn about Patricia's defense. All right, well, it sticks. Yeah. But then after today, getting embarrassed. If, if nothing has changed entering next week, I think that's when the real issues present themselves. Like, if, if anything is going to change what's going on, it's something like today. I, I hope so. You know what I mean? Like, uh, some sort of catastrophic uh, catalyst. But uh, they just they just worry me, man. I don't feel like there's a plan. And going back to who to blame, right? Like, just so many things have been indicated that there isn't a definite plan and we're just flying by the seam of our pants, right? Like, can you think of any win this season – that has resulted uh, uh, from a strategic implementation of a scheme or a play on behalf of our team. Yeah, no, it's a good question, and, and thank you, Kevin. We have to run. The Rams game comes to mind. The second half there worked. I was going to say, it's weird because, like, now the Eagles' MO and identity has become, all right, this team looks good in the first half, and then the other team schemes around them. It did used to be, like, they couldn't play in the first half, and it appeared like they were making adjustments. Maybe it was just the other team running out of gas, being exposed for having less talent. There was a time earlier in the season where it felt like this coaching staff was miles ahead of where they are now, that the league hadn't quite caught up to them the way they have now, which I guess is why I take such issue with the, the idea that people who believe this team was bad all along or that they, weren't, that they were out kicking their coverage, so to speak. Like, what we've seen in the last four weeks is far worse than that. We're seeing the league catch up with them. We're seeing play calling it even more stale than before. And we're seeing a team that, yes, they are currently sitting at 11-5, and five, but that feels like they deserve no part of that because what they've done in the last month is weighing more in all of our minds, not because it's just what's happened recently, but because it's actually outweighing what they did the first three months of the season. It's the wheels have completely come off this thing. They are definitively worse than they were before they played the 49ers. The 49ers exposed them. The Cowboys exposed them. They lost to Seattle and got outcoached there. They got outcoached today. And these are things that, frankly, even when things were shaky and they were just skating by, were not happening. Yep. No, it feels somewhat invalidated. It does.
215-592-9494. That's how you join the show. We'll get back to your calls on the other side. That's Dan Wilson. I am Ben Kenny. It is New Year's Day, I guess, on 94 WIP. All right, we're back. 94 WIP. Ben Kenny and Dan Wilson hanging out with you, ringing in the new year. It is not uh, as festive in Philadelphia as we would have liked. Eagles fall to the Cardinals. Uh, We'll get back to the game. We'll get back to your phones in a second. I have some A.J. Brown audio to play. He did not speak with the media again. Surprise, surprise. We'll get to that in about 20 minutes. It is New Year's, though, and I wanted to throw this around, Dan. I don't like New Year's as a holiday. I can tell. This is becoming a popular take, by the way. Like It's, not be- it's no longer cool to just be like, I hate New Year's. Well, I guess I, I've never liked it, so I, I, I don't know but whether a lot, but a lot, But a lot of people seem to not like it. Like No one comes out definitively is like, you know what? I love New Year's. Yeah. Like, like, it feels like everyone loves to boast, oh, New Year's Eve is overrated kind of thing. It, it's fine. It's not, it doesn't necessarily move the needle for me one way or another. We got into an interesting debate before the show. We're watching the events in Times Square tonight. By the oh. way. Uh, happy Happy New Year to our West Coast listeners. Yes. Um, importantly, all of our friends in California, Shohei Otani, notably. Notably. Uh, Mike Trout, who was at the Eagles game today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do, you think, do you think anything pops in his mind to where he's like, all right, I want to play for the Phillies, but, man, this defense sucks. <laughs> Is that what's keeping him away from CBPs because of the Eagles? No, he um, – yeah, the, the West Coast has now flipped to 3 a.m., and – so I, I asked you before the show, would you ever have – I'm not a big New Year's Eve person myself. I've done everything from stay in and eat Chinese food and just sit on the couch to I went snow tubing one year. Last year I did go to a party at the Wanamaker building. I've been to friends' houses. Like I, I've done everything from big to small and everything in between. Do you have any interest, Ben Kenny? I, I think I know the answer. Any interest? This is a bucket list item. Like I'm not saying you have to do it and make a tradition out of it. Just bucket list one time. You tell your grandkids you did it. Go spend the New Year's Eve in Times Square. Absolutely not. I, there are about a million things I would rather do. I, I'd rather I'd rather go swim in the Schuylkill than okay, go that, spend that's, my— That's a little extreme. I am, I am not kidding. You'd you rather are, swim in the Schuylkill than spend New Year's Eve in, time, in like the crossroads of the world in Times 100%. Square. 100%. Well, it depends how long of a swim it is, but I'd rather take a dip in the Schuylkill, preferably not after a large rainstorm, sure. than go do that. There is nothing— I would want to do less than standing like a little sardine in this big, you know, monstrosity of, of capitalism and have to wear a diaper because I can't move my, my place. And the, what's the best part of it? Maybe seeing Ryan Seacrest, who's a total knob? No, I'm good. <laughs> no, it's, Absolutely it's not to not. see Seacrest. It's just like, hey, you were there. Like, you saw the ball drop. You were the biggest countdown in the world. And then you're like, all right, I don't need to do that again. No. You know what, I I can tell my grandkids that I watched Ohio State lose a college football playoff game because their kicker missed a field goal the minute the ball dropped. Right at midnight. Which is a better experience, again, than having to watch Ryan Seacrest on television. See, I think I want to do it once. I think I want to do it with a large group of friends, whereas we, you know, maybe one or two people can separate from the group and go to the bathroom at a time. I understand it's not easy, but at least that way you don't completely lose your spot. I don't need to be front row. I don't need to be on TV with Ryan Seacrest. I just want to... See what the buzz is about. I'm not going to, you know, obviously we're working tonight. This is, this is the best New Year's Eve ever, by the way. I've never give this up. By but far. That's... The, the, this is awesome. But I'm saying, you know, one day down the road when maybe we've evolved in our radio careers and somewhat, you know, whoever the young guys are then are hosting that night. And, I'm, you know, we're on later in the week. 
And there's not an Eagles game on a Sunday like there was this year. Like New Year's Eve is on a Wednesday or, or something like that. Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever. Doesn't conflict with anything. Yeah, maybe I'll I'll take the trek up to New York and do it once. I disagree. 215-592-9494. Would you? Now, I will say this. This is the best New Year's Eve I've ever had because. You're work- spending it with me? Well, yeah. Um, working, <laughs> working in this capacity not only is amazing, but also it is the perfect excuse not to have to go out, not to have to adhere to were, whatever. Were, were, you gonna, were you getting roped into uh, parties tonight? or No, I would have easily said no, but it's an easy excuse to say no. To say no, okay. And also to be productive at the same time. Sure. Um, and uh, We're the official soundtrack of everyone's Ubers home tonight. I guess so. Which I, I've gotten a few videos in the group chat, like, hey, listening to you know Dan on the way home. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty cool. Good take, bad take. Good take, bad take. Like, hey, like, fired up, you know. We had Adam on about an hour ago. He was pretty excited to come on, or at least that's what I tell myself. Like, I don't, it, I think it's pretty cool being on New Year's Eve. It, there's something about coming on at midnight on New Year's Eve that is a little something extra than if we were coming on, you know, March 3rd. Yeah, which is better than if you're standing near Ryan Seacrest in Times Square. Frank is in the Northeast. Frank, what do you think? I, I got to preface my remarks by saying, first of all, you know, I don't, fancy myself to be uh, an X and O football guru. And, um, you know, I have to also say that I'm not sure, you know, whether other people have brought this up. Um, I haven't been listening to the radio, you know, like all week or anything. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, maybe other people have said this too, nor do I want to oversimplify the situation, but I got to tell you, man, I work on Sundays, but, Three of the last four Sundays, I took off and I watched the Eagles. And what jumped out at me, like jumped off the page at me, was the passivity of the way their defense is coached. Hmm. I mean, let me stop you there. The, when the front hold up, four, Frank, Frank, hold up. You want them to blitz more? They got to. When the front four aren't getting there, you've got to send more people. You have to pressure the quarterback to stop the passing game. Frank, you Frank, I have a question. It. Did you like Jonathan Gannon? I don't think he should have. I think he messed up in the Super Bowl. He should have blitzed more on Mahomes. Um, did you think he did a good job against Nick Sirianni today? Can a coach be a good coach without blitzing? That's the question I'm asking. No, it's really not the question. I think that the question is, do the Eagles agree with what I think almost anybody in the history of football would agree with, which is that the way to stop a passing attack is to pressure the quarterback. To, you don't have to sack him, but you do have to make him – got to speed him up. Get, you got to make him throw the ball before he wants to throw the ball. Gotcha. And they've not done that at all. And if the front four aren't getting there, you have to send more bleeper bleepers after the guy. You got to. <laughs> you got to. I you got have- you, Frank. Thank you for the call. Bleeper bleepers. Um, I will say we're at 3.08 a.m. Shout out to the callers tonight. It's New Year's Eve. No profanity. No. Well, you know, a lot of people having fun. Maybe – you know, having a drink or two. Now, this is a combination of Terry Tillman, our producer, you know, screening out maybe people who have had a few. But also, we haven't had profanity slip yet here tonight.
by callers, by the host. Like it's been a clean show. Someone, I, I, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm going to jinx it. Whoever the next caller is, is obviously going to curse now that I said this. And we have a dump button. You get cut off. So this is not encouragement for a caller to do this. But we even, ha- we have not needed to use it three hours and eight minutes into the show. Somebody did call Matt Patricia a boob. Yeah, but that's not the. I FC- thought that was a good touch. The FC. <laughs> <laughs> the FCC does not punish you for saying boob. He would have, you know, the FCC would punish you for if he said the real word for bleeper bleeper. Sure. Uh, Damien and Mount Airy, what do you weigh in on this? Hey, well, first of all, Happy New Year. Likewise. Happy New Year. Boom, 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 boom. Fireworks. Shots. Like the sound effect. They actually were. Yeah. Wait, actually. I mean, we, we ripped Gannon all week. I do. I think we owe him an apology. Like, like we ripped all of those sound bites endlessly. That'll be well. You did on the on your yeah, top five. I, I did. You I, know what? I did all week. We don't need. We don't need to apologize. We just need to realize. I, I, I think you know he knew a little bit about our defense. You know, so he could have exposed us there. But, but I have two moments. Yep. And one's one's positive. One's negative. I'm gonna start off negative so I can finish positive. It's kind of close to Ben's, which is not. It's not Craig Crimble. Hey, uh, there you go. Craig Kimbrell? Yeah, it's not Craig Crimble, Crimble, whatever, coming right. in. But uh, it's when that home run landed in the pool. Oh, That's the one. Alec Thomas. That, I mean, it's I just, still... I've seen it over and over again. When it, As soon as it happened, I'm like, if it didn't land in the pool, we might be okay. But it landed in the pool. Yep. It landed in the pool, Stubbs. and Garrett Stubbs wanted to make a beeline for that pool, and he never got to. Damien, I messed uh, up. I messed up last night, I think, two nights ago, whenever. I watched the video yearbook when it came out, and I totally <laughs> I totally regret it. I mean, my, my plan tonight was to listen to you guys all night. We appreciate I don't know what, that. Time, what time you started, but I was excited when I heard that the two of you were going to be hosting New Year's Eve. And, uh, and yet, you know, the Eagles game, brutal. You know, to quote Merrill from when it all started, what? A travesty. The 49ers game at halftime. I mean, it's been it's been a long month. <laughs> but yeah, I got um, you. Th- doesn't that Bills game feel like it was like ages ago? Like that feels like another lifetime ago. We were eleven and five, but like, <laughs> should we have won any of these games? Are, are you done? Are you like me, Damon? Are you done with the saying "You are what your record says you are"? I mean, we can we can finally get rid of that now, right? I mean, I don't I don't know about the saying. I just I don't know what they can do. You know, like can we? I I, I kind of think we should bring in Frank Wright because what else? What you know, it's not going to mess up anything at this point. Like watching that Giants game, I'm thinking there's no way they're going to win a playoff game, even if they win this game. You know, but I don't want to give up hope. So yep, that's what we have. Hey, give, give me your uh, give me your positive moment. The positive moment is the Trey Turner standing ovation, because from wherever it came from, whatever the original intention, sarcastic or supportive or whatever it was, it was. It, and I had my doubts, but like I, I like the idea. And when it happened, you know, it didn't happen right away. But throughout that game, we finally got the hit at the end, and like. I don't know. It just felt like we had a real connection going and with uh, with the teams. And, you know, uh, I, I appreciate you guys. And, and Happy New Year. Happy I know New I probably Year. don't have a lot of time. but I got you. Thank you, Damien. Thank you for the call, Damien. We appreciate the call. We made it to 312. No one had mentioned the Turner ovation. I mean, that, was, that, that incorporates WIP, too. 
very own Jack Fritz, yep. uh, among others, you know, leading the charge for a standing ovation for Trey Turner. Certainly, I think, put a a new kind of label on the modern-day Philadelphia sports fan. I mean, I think it's fair to say we would not have done that as a fan base even five years ago. No, but then the then who who did they play? They played the Giants on Christmas, and whoever's in the booth, hey, look, look who's in the stands. They're it's Santa, Santa while well, they played on Christmas. Be, I think the NFL— be careful because there's snowballs here. Yeah. I think the NFL put the Eagles at home at the link on Christmas, just so the broadcasters could make that joke, <sighs> and that joke will never go away. It, it will, it will live on forever. It will, it just will never, it will never die. Like forever, people will think of that. But maybe years from now, they'll tell the story of the Turner ovation and how the. I mean, he didn't ultimately come through in the NLCS, and the season has uh, an unfortunate ending to it. But from August through the division series, I mean, Jack and James got to go down in the clubhouse after that. It was a cool moment for the station. It was a cool moment for the Phillies. I'm sure I, I haven't watched the video yearbook yet, by the way. I, well, you know, we know how it ends, but did you at least like the parts that led up to it? No, I, I, I struggle, and part of it is because all of the teams did this to me this year. But so you can't relive it. I see all the. I did relive it, and every as I'm reliving it, all I could think about was Alec Thomas hitting the home run in the pool. You knew it was coming. All I could think about was Craig Kimbrell or Chris Sanchez for getting the outs, and all the great things happened in the regular season. There were all those games where Harper had these heroic home runs, and then they would blow and, the save. And Kimbrel would blow it. And I always, I, I, I can't detach myself from the blown saves. And it's a shame because it was an amazing season. But as yeah, as we look back upon the year, I can't look back on it with totally positive memories. I'm not asking you to look back at it totally positive. I'm just saying, like, I guess the answer is no. But can you watch a video like that, a video yearbook, yeah, no, an encapsulation of a season that has a bad ending, and still say? This was well put together. This was a good video. I could in 2022. You can't now. Correct. 2023 broke you, and Arizona broke us, which is why Arizona's game. They lost to a bad team. And I'm sorry, like, everybody crowns the, the Diamondbacks made the World Series. I understand. I've gotten into this, uh, about this with people. They are not that good of a team. And that's what still hurts about it. Like, top to bottom, they're they're fine. They're fine. They didn't lose to the Braves. They're not a World Series team. They're not even close. They didn't lose to the Astros. They didn't lose to the Dodgers. They lost to the freaking Diamondbacks. They lost to Alec. Alec Thomas was going to bunt. I know. Well, that was the most infuriating thing when he said it. What was it? The winter meeting? Not the yeah. winter meetings. At the uh, some meeting. Uh, it, it, he was on some podcast or went on MLB Network or something. Or whatever. The, the World Series. Maybe it was during the World Series that he said that he was supposed he was going to bunt and then. He ended up swinging away and hits a home run into the pool, the very pool that Garrett Stubbs wanted to make a beeline for. It, it stung. I mean, there, there were a lot of really bad losses in the year 2023, and that Super Bowl loss is going to age continually worse. The Even the internal optimists, like the only reason why they didn't freak out over that Super Bowl loss is because they thought the Eagles would be back this year. How do we feel about the Super Bowl now? Like, how do we feel about the Super Bowl? It's all worse. Ten and a half months later? Especially after it's all today. It's all worse. It's all worse. It's all worse. Let's go to Valentine in Charleston. What do you think, Valentine? Happy New Year's, fellas. Likewise. What's going on? Hey, question. Are you the new overnight guy? Um, Not to my knowledge. No, I don't believe well, so. Well, welcome to Philadelphia. Well, we do work here. We, we, we're both producers here. I, I did grow up. Oh, well, I've, I've never heard you guys before. So. Well, we appreciate it. First time for everything. I've been listening since 89, and I never heard. Well, I'm just saying welcome. Well, thank so you, I, I've been a, I was a big friend of Big Daddy forever. So. 
Well, Big Daddy was great for a lo- really a long time here. Hey, here's a, here's my question. I want to apologize to Jonathan Gannon and Jim Swartz because Seth Joyner has been beating my, beating our brains out all year that maybe those guys with those soft philosophies, we have this soft philosophy. Now, this isn't Philadelphia defense. Philadelphia defense is hurting people. We play 10 yards. It's third and two, and we're playing 10 yards off the receivers. Why? Why? What, what is with this philosophy? So you, you want to see more you want to see more blitzing like our last caller? Uh, no, I know it's not about the blitzing. It's playing up on the receivers. You want to play further up, up on the receivers. Play press. If you're press closer coverage. to the receivers the they're, they're, and, you, and you're you're trying after the quarterback, he has nowhere to throw. You'll get letting guys just roam right, and then this this philosophy about uh, sending five guys and having two uh, I don't know what them things are called linebackers. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was around when Dick Vermeil drafted Jerry Robinson in 1979 with the first pick in the, one of the first picks in the draft. Okay, that was the last time we picked a linebacker in the first round, 1979. It's been a, it's been a minute, for sure. It, 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 no, no, that was a millennial ago. They, they have to change the philosophy. They gotta respect the game. They don't respect the game. If, if you if you telling me that you you don't need linebackers. It, 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 we had the same problem when when Donovan was here. You, he, they they threw uh, James Thrash and uh, Todd Pinkson out there, and they said, well, "Well, you don't need no linebackers." Same problem. It's been going on in Philadelphia for a long time with the linebackers. They're like you know Loch Ness monster. We can't find them. Yeah. So let me tell you this: How does this name sound? Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Uh, the son sure. of Jeremiah Trotter, obviously. Is, is he in college right now? He's coming out of Clemson. First round, second round pick. And you think the Eagles will pick him? No, I don't think they will, but I will be campaigning for them to pick him from now until draft season. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> if they find out he's a linebacker, they're going to run from him like he has COVID. <laughs> good. Um, do you have a, a sports moment of the year? A sports moment that defines yeah. the year for you? Not, not game six, but game seven of the 76ers. There's a play when they, when Boston went on that big run and Joel Embiid brought the ball up and he passes it to Harden, but Harden hadn't even got over the timeline. He was just walking up and they were they were trailing. It's just like he had quit already. That might right there was the, the epitome of what went on last night. It was time for Harden to go. Yep. All right. We appreciate the phone call. Um, and he did go and things are better. You know what one of the most wild Philadelphia sports moments or just sports moments in general? of this year was, and it came out of that Sixer-Celtics Game 7 that is not talked about enough, is George Niang grabbing the leg of Jalen Brown. <laughs> like, do we forget that happened? One of the most absurd things I've ever seen. 100%. And unlike Big Dom getting ejected and suspended or whatever, which has done it's, nothing for this football team. It's Well, it's, it's hurt him, if anything. That was they, the they, turning, they, haven't, they haven't won since. That was the turning point in the game. That big Dom thing? No, no. The Niang grabbing Jalen. Oh, I I was going to say, they're already losing for big Dom. No, the Sixers got blown out from that moment. It is just absurd that, like, what a weird thing to do in a game seven. Like, what what a weird lack of feel, like, undisciplined moment for George Niang. What was he he trying to do? I guess he thought he wouldn't get caught on by one of the 20,000 cameras there in in TV Garden for a game seven. Like, I, I really don't know. Did we ever hear, like, a good explanation for it either? Like, I'm sure there was, but, like, I missed it. Yeah, no, he's on the Cavs. 
I know that, but I mean, like, after game seven, like, did anyone go up to him and be like, yeah, why'd you do it? Like, what, what was in your head? Maybe. I think we were focused on Embiid throwing his teammates under the bus. And losing the game by and 50 points. Doc and Harden, things of that It nature. kind of flew under, it probably flew under the radar. We should have asked Sixers Adam. Yeah, 215-592-9494. We continue on. Let's go to Drew in Levittown. Once again, in on the Eagles. Drew, what's up? Drew. All right, that might be number four, Dan. And um, Strike four? No, it sounded like he was driving. There have been no sleepers. We haven't had a snorer. No snores. I, I've always wanted to get a snorer. We can hold out hope here. I guess. Could happen before the end of the night. I guess. 215-592-9494. That's Dan Wilson. I'm Ben Kenny. When we come back, I wanted to get to the A.J. Brown piece of all of this. We'll get back to your phone calls. As well as, A.J. Brown didn't speak again. We have audio of him interacting with the media. We'll play it. We'll react. Does it have to do with the head coach? Where where does this lie and all the blame and, and all the all the struggles the team's going through at the moment? We touch on that when we return. That's Dan Wilson. I'm Ben Kenny. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Talk today. Can you talk today? Can you talk today? That would be talk. There's nothing to say. I think you'll talk this week. You don't know. It ain't directly George Yard. So, I just want to clear it. All right. That's AJ Brown. That's Dan Wilson. I'm Ben Kenny, 94 WIP. We're ringing in the new year, 215-592-9494. That's how you join the show. That was A.J. Brown after the game. The audio isn't great. He didn't speak with the media. That's the gist. That was his interaction with the media. Exactly. It was, I'm not talking. Good work by the assembled media to try and get something out of him. Okay, why? He's like, there's nothing to say. It's nothing against y'all, is I believe what he said. And then he's like, will you talk this week? No, it's not against you guys. I have nothing to say. Which, first and foremost, feels like a total cop-out. Because if you had looked at A.J. Brown's Twitter page last week, he was tweeting a video of Kevin Durant years ago when he was on the Warriors, literally telling, saying to the media's faces, I don't know why I talk to all of you. You guys take my words and, and twist them and up. twist them. And, and put them out there to harm me. And that was A.J. Brown's message by posting that video. And now just days later, he's supposed to be like, ah, it's not about you guys. It has nothing to do with you guys. I just, I don't feel like talking. Mm -hmm. I never feel like talking. He hasn't felt like talking since the conclusion of the Giants game. He hasn't felt like talking all week at practice. He certainly didn't feel like talking today. Doesn't seem like anytime soon he will feel like talking. I am, like, I'm trying to find positive. I'm trying to be a positive person. Sure. It's it's New Year's Eve. It's hard to after the game. I don't want to come on and rip everybody. But this, I, how, how in the, in the current setting that the Eagles are living in, having lost to the Cardinals, do we still have the star wide receiver that refuses to speak with the media? That, to me, it feels like, just doesn't want to face the heat. Doesn't want to face the heat at all. And, and guess who answers for things because he doesn't speak with the media? Devontae Smith. Other wide receivers. Why is A.J. Brown not talking? I don't know. We're adding layers of distraction onto the team that doesn't need it. Devontae Smith just got hurt, right? Blocking on a Kenny Gainwell screen, which was a terrible play call. It's just, 
A.J. Brown's a captain. He's one of the highest paid players. He's a leader. That, so that's the issue, right, is he has the C on his chest. He's a captain. So is Darius Slay. He's been known to – I mean, he literally went on his own podcast and basically threw Bradbury under the bus was like, I played – this is a couple weeks ago. I played fine. Like, it was Bradbury's fault. He, he tried to do it in a way that seemed like he was defending Bradbury. He really wasn't. Darius Slay, very quick to be a me, not we guy. Uh, mm-hmm. A.J. Brown, again, like – I'm not even saying this because we're not the media, like in radio. Like we we use clips from the media, but we're not down there at Novacare Complex. Like there is a difference there. But I'm not just saying this because we work in a form of sports media, sports entertainment. Like if a player doesn't talk, sure, that's within his right to say, "All right, I have nothing to say." But it really calls into question whether a you deserve the C on your chest, and b like where was this? I know they won last week, but where was this when things were going well? Like, is this just you don't know how to handle adversity? Does this speak to a larger issue of you can't be held accountable? What do other guys in the locker room think that you're unwilling to speak and they all do it, that they're willing to be honest? What does Devontae Smith think? What does Jason Kelsey think? Obviously, he's a veteran leader on this team who's willing to talk openly. Like, what what do the other members of that locker room think of the fact that A.J. Brown is like, you know, things have gotten bad and also won't clarify it? Like, he says it has nothing to do with the media. He also tweeted that Kevin Durant clip you just mentioned. Yep. Is it someone specific within the media that annoyed him? Does he just, does he feel like in general what he says gets taken out of context? He has his own Twitter account. He's free to tweet out whatever he wants unfiltered his way. So, like, I kind of don't buy athletes today who say, like, oh, what I say gets twisted in the media. Like, dude, there are videos and press conferences and things that you can post on Twitter or post wherever, and people will read it at exact face value as you want it to be read. So if you have a specific reason for why you're not doing this, like he could clarify it. He's choosing not to. And so again, it's, it's not the not talking with the media that I have an issue with, but is this guy accountable? What do his teammates think of him? And it kind of goes back to my point earlier about this Eagles locker room feels like a bad marriage where certain people don't want to talk about it. Certain people are open to talking about it. Certain people in the locker room are saying, no, everything's fine. Getting passive aggressive. It feels like a, the Eagles locker room, feels like a couple who argues in public and therefore you know it's a lot worse in private yes and there's a perfect example at how it should have been handled because I bet you what AJ Brown wants to say he's un- probably unhappy with the offense as it seems as we heard from Derek Gunn weeks ago it's likely that players are because night and day last year to this year it's different Jalen Hurts spoke with the media after that debacle of two draw plays and a screen that ended up losing them the game And he was asked multiple times. He was given many opportunities to throw Brian Johnson under the bus. They said, hey, would you want to be more aggressive there? Last week, you were able to convert that by throwing. Each time, he did not take the bait and gave some bland nothing answer, which... That's the other thing. is Players say nothing while speaking to the media all the time. It's not hard. There are plenty of players who are able to speak to the media but also say nothing or like you find a professional way to get out of it. Like, A.J. Brown, I guess, is just sick of even doing that. Like, just has no time for these guys. But, again, it only started within the last week. So, you know, make that what you will. We played the interaction. We're not – it's like people can draw their own conclusions. Like, you weren't doing doing this earlier in the season. If you you didn't feel comfortable – like, Marshawn Lynch, this is almost worse than what Marshawn Lynch did because Marshawn Lynch did it the week his team was in the Super Bowl. He just hated talking to the media, period. It didn't – he was – consistent in a sense, his team was playing well. A.J. Brown ran away from the limelight the second things got bad. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's different and speaks more to a character and a team flaw than, say, you know, a guy just not talking. Exactly. And mentally, it kind of points me to where I think this is going, or it could go if a loss happens next week, God forbid, and especially if it happens in the first round of the playoffs. Finger pointings, like, it feels like it's being tied, it's being held together by a rubber band. And, and a very one little flimsy pop. rubber band. Exactly. One little pop, there's the finger pointing. There are going to be scapegoats. And yeah, we'll, okay, coordinators might get fired or whatever. A.J. Brown is on a big contract. He'll be here. There's still an aspect of leadership I would like to see more from him. So I, I was not happy he didn't speak with the media. I was not. 215-592-9494. Dave is in Cherry Hill. What do you think, Dave? Hey, good morning. Well, I'll tell you, I've been listening to your show for a little while here, and I think it's not the defense, it's not the offense, it's not the coaches, it's not the fans, it's not the owners. They're all, there's no blame for this. Who is it? It is the whole team. It is suffering from the ebb and flow. They came close last year. Look at Kansas City. Look at at the um, Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, Buffalo had their thing, and uh, I'm thinking of Cincinnati. They they all they have their big moment, and then they fall back. Even Kansas City's losing a lot of game this year. So what the what is it, and when's it going to happen? Uh, it's uh, they need a couple years to recover from last year's defeat. And uh, on the other side, a couple of years, Dave. Yes. So, 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 when can we expect them to contend at, again? Look at Baltimore. They went came so close about three years ago, and they and they got beat by Kansas City, and then they're nothing. And it took them a few years to recover, and now it's going to be uh, Baltimore versus San Francisco. San Francisco, on the other hand, came lost their quarterback and got real angry, and they played their best game this year. It's the ebb and flow. It's it's going to happen. Nothing can be done about it. So nope. losing. So, so no, lo- when can we expect them to contend again? What year? Not next year. I think the year after. All right. I'll write it down. So so losing to Gannon yesterday, totally fine. Just a natural. That's how the NFL goes. Yes. You lose okay. to your former coordinator and that you shouldn't have let next go. Next year, I'll bet. Uh, by the same uh, theory. Will Sirianni be here in two years? I think he'll be here next year, and then uh, we'll see. All right. Well, uh, thanks for the call. That's not very optimistic. And well, I, I just don't agree with it. Like, I, I agree no, that it's it, it's obviously not. hard to bounce back, but they're just given a pass. Like, they're given a pass for collapsing in December in this spectacular fashion. They're given a pass for one of the worst regular season losses of our entire life. They're given a pass for losing to their former defensive coordinator turned head coach in Arizona with three wins coming in today. That's because they lost in the Super Bowl in February? Like, No. Yeah, if that's how we should follow, if that's the standard we'd hold teams to, then no team would ever win anything. Well, but, well, Ben, if we learned anything in 2023, is that the standard is the standard. <laughs> Which, listen, I, I cut Jalen Hurts's press conferences after every game. Every week, yes. And while I a don't, job I have previously done, so I I can relate. While I don't necessarily enjoy listening to his answers because of how bland they are, it is comical. It's comical. But he's good at it, and it works. And if there's any leadership, aside from your Jason Kelsey, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, vets that have been here forever, if there's any leader on the team I trust, it's the quarterback. And that's, and, and that's it? Like that, it goes back to the A.J. Brown thing. How many, how many other guys, aside from the, the super veterans that have been here forever and are going to retire soon, and Jalen Hurts, what other leaders do we trust? 
well, the super veterans being Kelsey, Lane, Brandon Graham, guys like that. And Fletcher Cox. And Fletcher Cox. And then Jalen Hurts. Yep. I, it does, Jake Elliott, I don't know, but like a special teams kicker. But, like, is he, but normally, he does get the special teams captain. Right, but normally there's a safety. I go back to, I mean, Malcolm Jenkins is easy, but like the impact Malcolm Jenkins had on the team. Normally there, th- yeah, there's not a clear cut guy to your point, and I I think it's negatively affecting them. I do two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Where do you place the blame? We go back to the phones. Cole is in Mullica Township. Hello, Cole. Hello. What's going on? What do you think? I think this team has been struggling all year. I'm tired of hearing that uh, they're not playing like they did in the beginning of the year. They didn't look great all year. Everybody knew coming into the season that the defense was not going to be that good. It's the offensive problem now. The offense has not showed up to its standards. I don't know what the guy was talking about. We're going to contend in the next two years. It's okay. It's not okay. They just supposed to contend this year. They're supposed to contend next year. They're supposed to contend every year. So what's the fix? So where do they go? I don't, I don't know. Look, my most frustrating play that I've seen today was the two quarterback runs back-to-back on, what, third and 20 or second and 20 maybe it was? First and 20, second and 16. I mean, two back-to-back quarterback runs. That's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, Jalen Hurts has to play well, but the play calling is dang near just as bad. I, I don't really know what the fix is. Nick Sirianni, I mean – Everybody hit behind the shadows. Everybody thought he was great because the guy was winning games. I haven't liked the antics since he came here. Nobody liked his first press conference. Maybe it was a sign. Brian Johnson, it was a personal relationship since the beginning. I don't think you can have personal relationships. I mean, look what happened with Ben Simmons and whatever his name was, Brett Brown. The guys were like best friends, and look where it got Ben Simmons. Now you put another best friend next to Jalen Hurts. You have no nobody giving him the tough love that he needs. Um, that's not a comparison I thought I would hear tonight, Dan. The, uh, the, the Sirianni-Brian Johnson relationship is that to Ben Simmons and Brett Brown. Not exact, but you, no, there's, you know what I mean. there's the comp there. I get it. Uh, Cole, give me your uh, your Philadelphia sports moment of 23. Of 2023? Yes. The, the moment that defined the year for you in sports. The Phillies losing in Game 7 to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yep. All right. Hard to argue. Appreciate the phone call. First, first Game 7 in Phillies history. Not one to remember. That's astounding. That's Team, astounding. Team's been around since 1883. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Like, they, you know, for a while there, there was only the World Series and then the Championship Series and the World Series, which was five games for a little mm-hmm. bit, and then the Division Series, which was five games. And the team hasn't had that many runs in the playoffs in the, you know, it, in relative to how long they've been around. First game seven they ever play was in 2023 in the NLCS against the Arizona Diamondbacks, and they blew it. They flat out blew it. It's astounding. And, again, I don't like being negative, but it ended. It ended with Jake Cave popping up to right field. Out of, out of all of the ways for that to end, it's freaking Jake Cave. It's ridiculous. Yeah, well, it, it, it was really, really frustrating. And it... I'm starting to see things the way you see them. It's going to be tough for me. I'm going to watch the video yearbook because oh. I because I die hard and I. That's just who I am. I'm a masochist sometimes. Like Ben, you didn't know me when the Phillies were like the. I mean, we didn't meet until this year actually. But 
I used to sit there and watch the late night Phillies games in like 2015 when they were awful, like last place, just because I hated myself and wanted to say like I'm a diehard and I die with this team no matter how bad they are. They're losing 100 games. I don't care. They're playing in you know Dodger Stadium. They're losing eight to one and they're in the seventh inning and the team's 30 games out of first place. Whatever, I'll watch. I'm a fan of the broadcast. I'm a fan of the sport. I'm a fan of the game. Getting through this video yearbook that had so much hope and so much promise and it felt like we were in for another great red October run for it to fall short of the World Series to the stinking Diamondbacks. It's awful. It will it will literally be awful and all the emotions will come back. Yeah, it's my defining moment of the year. And I don't know. I it, we have a segment left. Um we might continue for now. But for now. But there is a I, I we're going to switch to the positive. We're we're going to switch to looking forward eventually. But 2155929494. Ben Kenny Dan Wilson hanging out with you. Your reaction to the Eagles loss yesterday. I guess now it's yesterday. 3531 to the Cardinals. The big Daddy rules we flip at 4 a.m. Okay, almost yesterday. Earlier well, although on New Year's, like, we did flip at midnight. I think this was the one exception a year. Okay. When I learned this rule from John Johnson, I said, 4 a.m., it flips. What about New Year's Eve? He goes, that was the exception. So we're flipped. It's yesterday. We're going to flush this loss. We're going to move on. Have a feeling most of the city has not moved on. No. We haven't actually moved on. We're going to tell ourselves we've moved on. But we're, we're, there's a lot to dissect from this game. A lot to dissect about this entire season. Yeah, I've not moved on. 215-592-9494. Open phone lines. Get in on the game. We will return to the phones. When we come back, that's Dan Wilson. I'm Ben Kenny. 94 WIP. Hey, Dan Wilson, Ben Kenny, here with you. 94 WIP. It is the new year. Um, the Eagles are 11-5, and five, and the sky seems to be falling in the city. It actually is falling this time. Like we, we joked about it for the last couple of weeks. Like it actually is. It's falling. Like it it is fallen completely. It's fallen in. As we look out here from our view at twenty four hundred Market Street, it is completely fallen. I don't know if you can tell. Yeah, I don't know the levels of DEFCON, but we're at the highest one. At least close to it. What we saw at the link now yesterday. Is one of the most unbelievable. To lose to the stinking Cardinals, as Sidney Brown described them, the worst team in the NFL. Bottom three for certain. Three and 12. Three and 12. To Jonathan Gannon's Cardinals is completely unacceptable. There is not a, if you can lose to the Cardinals at home, there's not a single team in the NFL. By the way, West Coast team traveling east, one o'clock. Like, there should not have been a more slanted game in the NFL this week. If the Eagles can't win that game, then what team in the NFL can they beat right now? In what scenario? The biggest thing, you didn't lose to them because your offense was somehow inept against a Gannon defense, which is his specialty. No, you lost to them because the defensive coordinator or coordinators, whoever the hell's been running the defense, and the personnel out there did not have an answer for Jonathan Gannon's offense. And you got killed, Chip Kelly style, mm. In time of possession. They possessed the ball. If it felt like they possessed the ball twice as much as the Eagles today, it's because they lit- or yesterday, it's because they literally did. It was almost a full 40 minutes to 20 minutes. They had won the time of possession game with five minutes to go in the third quarter. I don't know if I've ever seen that. I have seen that. Where I'm from, that's how you win football games. Games are In decided. the NFL or in college? No, uh, Big Ten West. Okay, I'm talking the NFL. Ben, <laughs> does that happen in the NFL? No. Okay. It, no. Happened, to- it happened yesterday. It did. 215-592-9494. Your reaction 
Are you losing faith in Sirianni? Are you losing faith in Howie Roseman? Who takes the blame for the loss? We're talking about your defining sports moment of 2023 and much more. Marple Mac, Dan, has a solution for the Eagles. I can't wait to hear this. What's up, Mac? Mac, you're on WIP. Yeah, this isn't something new. I've I've been corresponding to the – I've been sending them correspondence and everything. To the, the Eagles? Solution, yeah, for this problem, yeah. What, are, are they writing no, back? Like, have you have you reached out to them? Oh, yeah, I've reached out to them. They haven't, they haven't called me back. Oh, but that's – they should start. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, or they, or they haven't. They haven't taken action on it. Uh, what it is that, and it's along the lines of the the team that actually got it done, the the 2017 Eagles. They were they were a team of faith, and there's a book written out on it called Birds of Prey. And a lot of people that I call in and speak to don't, you know, want to deny that. I mean, the, 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 have you read the book? First of all, have you read it? No, I, I haven't. It, well, it was in for a while when, the, you know, the, in the euphoria of after winning the Super Bowl, it was in supermarkets all over the place. And uh, I read it cover to cover, and it was they, – they were a team of faith. And I've been writing to them, and, and the solution is this, okay? The, it, 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 there's a quarterback that was – that seceded Roger Stallback at Annapolis. His name is John Cartwright. Roger Stallback, when he played at Annapolis, did his commission in the Navy and then entered the draft. John Cartwright succeeded Roger Stallback, broke all his records, and instead of entering the NFL draft because the San Diego Chargers were interested in him, that's why they had Dan Fouts instead of John Cartwright. Yeah, okay, went, well, what does this have to do with the Eagles? It has every – they, they if they would just reach out to him, get back to what did it work for 2017, so, I believe it would transform because that's the right. only team that won, and you can't rule that out. All right, I got you. Uh, what's your defining sports moment of, of 2023? When the Eagles lost lost the Super Bowl. All right, that's a, that's a popular one. Uh, Dan, I I don't know. I, I don't think that's the fix. Calling John Cartwright, who hasn't coached – Who's never coached in the NFL? Does but, he coach or does he play? No, I believe he coached in Division One like forty years ago. Ah, I, I actually, as you went to Mac, I realized that he had the exact same call on the post game show. <laughs> he has really been pushing for this John Cartwright, and it's also a shame. I you're heard, not, I heard the same call yesterday. It's a shame you're not a Seinfeld fan, Ben, because there's an amazing episode, The Chinese Restaurant, for any Seinfeld fans out there, in which the entire episode is just uh, George, uh, George, Jerry, and Elaine waiting for a table. And the whole joke of it is, like, they say, oh, it'll be about 5, 10 minutes, and 5, 10 minutes turns into 15, in the 20, and the 25. And every Always time you done. ask, every time you ask, and they're like, oh, yeah, it'll just be 5, 10. And they keep, you know, waiting it out, thinking that this time will be different. And then it eventually ends with the ta- <laughs> George Costanza is waiting for a call, and the Chinese host at the, at the desk is yelling out Cartwright instead of Costanza. So he misses the call from his girlfriend, who he's already in rocky water with. So... Long story short. I'm totally lost. There's, there's a famous the Cartwright Seinfeld reference that anyone who's seen the show understands what I'm saying right now. Okay, so he's not a coach. He's a Seinfeld character. Correct. Bam and Upper Darby. Bam, hello. Yo, what's going on, guys? How y'all doing? What up? How you feeling? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I'm, I, was, I'm all, I, was, I was listening to y'all. I was getting a ride back from uh, Times Square to, to the Borgata. I just got here about an hour ago. You were, at, you were at Times Square tonight? Yeah. In wait, New wait, York? Wait, so you were in Times Square tonight as the ball dropped. And now yes. you're back at the Borgata? Yes. I, bam, how much is that Uber on New Year's Eve? Uh, 350 Oh, man. 
Bam, it, look it, at you. You're a high roller. I wasn't paying for it because the person I was with. Well, you're, the person you were with was a high roller. How, wait, how what? Had you ever been to Times Square before? So May? Yeah, like on, on New Year's Eve. I've been to Times Square, um, but like on New Year's Eve. Not on New Year's Eve. Uh, well, is it a bucket list experience? Should other people try this? Uh, yeah, if you want to wait in the line, and like I was only with it was me and the other person, but if you want to wait in line, you got to carry. You might as well carry like a canteen with you. If you could go back in time, would you do it again? Me, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Question. That's, all, that's all I'm looking for. Question. Don't take this the wrong way. Were you wearing a diaper? No, I wasn't. Don't that's take this I, the I wrong was carrying way. a canteen. I got you. All right. Well, um, what do you think about the game? Uh, it was pretty tough, man. It was tough. It was tough. I mean, they could have pulled it out. But, you know, like I said, you guys were talking about linebackers. Our linebackers didn't show up today at all. No. Our linebackers didn't show up at all. And we went out and got Shaq Leonard. Like, he was supposed to be Mr. Save the day, kept the save a hoe. I mean, but you know, yeah, that's. I mean, that's what I've been trying. That that's my takeaway when I'm watching the game. Is that yeah. I know this is how they've been handling the position, and I know this is their philosophy, but that philosophy is just not working. Like Nick Morrow, yeah. Shaq Leonard, Cunningham, and entering a season needing Nicobe Dean to be a hit, I think was a drastic mistake by Howie Roseman. Whether right. whether Dean got hurt, whatever, he's unproven. And then you watch what San Francisco can do to you in the middle of the field. And it's like, why why do why do they sign Marcus Mariota for five million dollars, who stinks, and TJ Edwards walks to Chicago and he leads the NFL in tackles? Absolutely. Hey, I was sitting here while I was laying on wait for you guys. I was coming up with a theme song. You know how uh um, yeah, Rob Cherry has a theme song? I was like, yeah. Yeah, the Angry Bob better. song. Yeah, but there's I got a I got a Ben and Dan and Ben. A, a Dan song. and Ben song? What is it? Yeah. Hit it. Well a slogan is like there's no better place to be than here with Ben and Kenny over Ben and uh, – Dan and Ben Kenny. I, I I get where you're going, over, Ben. Ben over and Kenny, Busters. same guy. Over, over, over Dave and Busters. Dave and Busters. Yeah, D&B. Oh, Dan I see what he's doing. Dan. Like like Dan and Ben, Dave and Busters. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Uh, Bam and, and thank you. He had me in the first half. <laughs> Lost me in the second. <laughs> Lost me in the second. Two one five five. How about him? Three hundred fifty dollars. I know it's. He says it's not him spending it. Three hundred fifty bucks for the Uber from Times Square to Borgata. That's quite the Uber. That is. I mean, that's a hefty payday for whoever's driving that Uber. How do you make your way back to New York after that? How do you bring a canteen to Times Square and not wear a diaper? Like they're like, you you don't move. You can't move. I, I'm I'm aware. I've seen it on TV. Yeah, it it looks like a nightmare. I don't know why you want to do it. 215-592-9494. So here's the deal. This is what we're doing. Coming up at 6 o'clock on the morning show, Rob Ellis and Jack Fritz are Re- in for the morning team. Replay the post-game show. They're back. Pretty much. We're venting today now that it is January 1st. Dan and I Dan and I are going to hang out with you until then. We have the bonus hours. Two of them, Ben. Bonus hours. <laughs> bonus hours, plural. Yeah, we got you for another two hours. So we're reacting to the game. We'll come back. We have some thoughts on the NFL as a whole, but Andrew Warren, I see you on hold. I promise we get to you when we come back. We have a lot more to touch on from the game. We are continuing to react again to a a soul-crushing loss, a loss that should not have happened, a loss that is changing our outlook on the team and maybe even the future under its head coach. So we continue the conversation. We get to your phones when we come back. Dan Wilson, Ben Kenny, 94 WIP. All right, we're back. Four o'clock hour. Oh, it's three fifty-nine forty-two. It's January first. It's twenty twenty-four. That's Dan Wilson. I'm Ben Kenny. 
We're definitively into New Year's Day now. No I, longer New Year's I Day. I think so. We are we are hours removed from Ryan Seacrest being on television, which, I mean, now I feel is a blessing. You know we're in the overnight hour. Were you an American Idol guy growing up? Growing up? I was for a couple years. But I feel I, like everyone was. I couldn't stand the guy. I, I could not. You, I've never been able to. You liked the show in spite of Ryan Seacrest. 100%. I loved Simon. I, I, I thought Simon who, was great. Well, who didn't? Simon was one of the all-time great like reality TV or it's not really a game show. Yeah, reality TV, I guess. He was, he was a total grump, and it played perfectly. It was perfect for like one of those contest shows, like singing America's Got Talent, whatever. And he was on all. He was on America's Got Talent. He was on Britain's Got Talent. He was on American Idol. He was a grump in all of them. It was perfect. Yeah. Seacrest, though, I'm good. You know it is uh, the overnight hour during a non-traditional day. This is a national holiday. Normally, Correct. there's some overnight programming on ESPN. Sports Center, they re-air the Sports Center at night. Yeah. We're watching we- the, uh, the Peach Bowl here. Yeah, it's a replay of the Peach Bowl in which uh, Penn State got throttled. It's a close game now. We'll see how it finishes. But maybe we'll touch on the playoff <laughs> I, coming I, up. I have a feeling James Franklin is not going to win. No, and then I think people are going to call for his job. It's another day. That's yeah, how it goes it's, for him. It's just it's the day that ends in Y. 215-592-9494. Taking your reaction, the Eagles lost to the Cardinals. Where does the blame go for you? Who are you losing faith in? Dan is losing faith in Sirianni. I agree. I'm losing faith in Howie Roseman. I look back at last offseason, and I'm thoroughly disappointed in the moves he made to bolster this team. I think it's really getting exposed down the stretch of the year. Where do you stand on the loss? Also, your your defining sports moment of 2023. I said Kimbrell entering the game because, unfortunately, I look back upon it negatively. Dan went positive. It was Harper staring down Arcia. The bottom line is hopefully 2024 brings better memories, but we're with you ushering in the new year. Reacting to the Eagles' loss to the Cardinals, back to the phones we go. Warren is in Philadelphia. Warren, what's up? Hey, good morning, guys, and happy new year. Congratulations on the show. Thank you. Hey, listen, I just got a couple points, and I don't I don't understand why nobody's looking at this. First of all, I blame Seriani from the beginning. Um, you're not preparing your team. Um, each week you're going in. I mean, and this has been going on. Since the beginning of the season, this guy's been winning by the skin of his teeth and everything. That was a celebration. But if you look at it, it was, it's was it been sloppy ball all season long, and you finally got exposed for it and you don't have an answer for it. And I'm going to say something that's really not, not going to be too popular because I don't believe it's Brian Johnson. I'm, I'm, you, you call the plays that are given to you. And I get it. I, I look at it like this. If you had an opportunity to look over Brian Johnson's shoulder and look at their play call and see it's probably hangman or, or, or tic-tac-toe because why do you keep going back to those same plays, plays that are they just don't work? I think they just got caught up in this last season thing where Jalen was able to convert these, 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 these uh, 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 quarterback run plays and get these, these first downs. And I, I think Sirianni's just caught up in that. He's mesmerized by it, and he keeps going back to it. But it's not working. So if it's not working, this is what my thing. Sirianni should go to Brian Johnson and say, turn the page on that. It's not working. Let's go on, go to something else. War- my belief is he doesn't have anything to go to. Well, Warren, it feels like to me, and tell me if you agree with this, it feels like the league has caught up to this offense. Yes, I know it's a new coordinator this year than it was a season ago, but Sirianni is still – 
you know, the head of the team. He's supposed to be the CEO coach. He said outwardly, it's my offense. He's an offensive-minded head coach. Exactly. It feels like it's gotten incredibly stagnant. And, again, if we know at home what the offense is going to do, we replay that that first and 20 sequence that ended up in third and 20, and it was, what, draw, draw, screen pass that ended up getting Devontae Smith hurt, yep. settling for a field goal. If we all knew at home that was coming, don't you think the Arizona Cardinals and the other 31 teams in the league know exactly what's coming? Absolutely. And, and the problem is they've been exploiting it for weeks. So it's like, does Brian Johnson have something else to go to? The only thing I saw new this game, he did that little flea flicker play, and 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 uh, uh, oh, the Kenny uh, Gainwell I, pass yeah, on the, the Kenny, push that was, to, that's the newest thing I've seen. To Devontae, yeah, right. that almost got blown up if it was a second later. So it's 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 to me that's that's just my 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 pick on it. I think Brian Johnson only has what it's been given to him, and it's 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 just it's not it 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 looks bad. You see the frustration on the team's face because. It's almost like, oh, here we go with that again. And that's what you're seeing. But what, and it's, it's, what's given to him is they're not like an ex, not an excess, but like isn't there tons of talent on this offense? Isn't there enough offensive talent that the ingredients are there? It's just up to the coach to put some competent play calling together and they'll be fine? Well, let me say this to you. I believe Sirianni has been basically benefiting off of the talent and it hasn't been coached well. But take this, take this into 2024 with you. Hustle beats talent when talent don't hustle. And if you're not giving your team you, the, 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 everything that they need to, be, to pretty much execute properly, and it's something in there missing, they use these things. You've heard Jalen say, we've got to execute, we've got to execute. But who's responsible for preparing a team like that? And you go back, yes, there's plenty of talent on the field, but they still have to be coached. They have to be coached. Yeah. And if you're not giving them good plays to basically execute on, if it's the same thing and the defense is waiting for it, then what, what do you expect them to do? So, yeah. I mean, Warren, I, I, to, I, me, to me, that goes more to the defensive side of the ball because while that end of whatever play-calling sequence was terrible, the offense still scored on almost every possession and put up 31 points. It was the defense sure. that looked totally inept and allowed well, the opposing well, head coach to onside kick in order to gain an advantage. That's well, insane. I mean, listen, listen, he's been playing checkers with this team all season, defensive, on the defensive side and offense. They should have put up a lot more points against teams that were basically sub, like subpar to them, and they just could not sustain leads. That's on the offense. You can't sustain these leads. Even though your defense isn't putting out, you're a high-powered offense. You should be putting 30, 35 on the board against teams like the Giants, the Cardinals. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. You're right there making these teams look great, and they're not great. So it's like either, either you're not that good or something's missing in the translation. Yep. But All right, give me a um, – hey, Warren, we got to run here. Give me your defining sports moment of 2023. In yeah, when the, whole, when the whole defense chased uh, a Kansas City quarterback down the field when he was supposed to have a broken, I guess, he was some type of injury. He was yeah, his ankle, when Mahomes scrambled and torched yeah, him. Yeah, Mahomes scrambles all the way down the field, and the whole defense is chasing him, and they can't catch him. That's so a good one. Super Bowl. Warren, great call. Appreciate it. Um, have a great day. Happy New Year. That's, that's a great one. I, I want to go back to what he is saying. Not holding on to leads. 
Today was another example. We saw it, obviously, against the Giants. They tried to blow it against the Giants. They tried as they hard tried as their they hardest, could. yeah. This is from Ruben Frank. Uh, he tweeted this out after the game. Ruben said, this is the first time in franchise history the Eagles have blown three double-digit leads in the same season. They lost to the Jets 20-14. to They had led 14-3. to They lost to the Seahawks, obviously, 20-17. to They had led 10 to nothing. And then today, they led 21-6 to at halftime and lost 35-31. That's, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, other teams, other teams' coaches with far less talent, and the most recent example being Jonathan Gannon, is making coaching adjustments and coaching circles around Nick Sirianni with, like, a far worse deck. They're consistently making adjustments right in front of Nick Sirianni's face, and every week they're baffled by it, and we hear, this isn't their best football. We hear, we need to fix it. Like, you would have fixed it by now. If you were capable of fixing it, it would have been fixed by now. You're playing teams who you're supposed to be much, much better than. You're playing teams who do not belong on the same field as you. The Arizona Cardinals are a JV team. You are the defending NFC champs, and you lost to them on your home field when they were making tea times because Jonathan Gannon circled, a, you know, coached a circle right around you, and you didn't even notice. It's ridiculous. Yep, Andrew in Delaware has something to say about Nick Sirianni. Andrew, go ahead. Oh, man, I, I, I just think I'm, I'm with Warren um, for this. It's Seriani's fault. Uh, like, you know, he his hypeness and everything like that is, you know, part of who we are, how we like to be, you know, the rah-rah type guy and all that type stuff. We like that, to see that, you know. But it comes to a point where you have to be able to, like, show everything, like, you know, as far as, Everything needs to be communicated, and it needs to be, you know, shown on the field. And it's not. The players are not doing whatever they're telling them to do. I mean, it's, it's, just, not, it's just not a good product. So, like, I'm over him now. I'm over him. I mean, all of the childish antics and getting hype and, you know, screaming at other fans from other teams, like, they're looking at you now, and they're literally laughing at you. You know, and he's making us look crazy. And I feel so bad because I'm like, the last two years, we're in this window, and we're about to lose some key pieces, you know. Yeah, it feels like um, it's being wasted. It, it feels yeah, like it's being I, wasted. And, and, oh, and I said this I said this when we did the topic after the Chiefs game, the big win on the road. He's yelling in the tunnel. Yeah. All of that yeah. works when you're winning. But as soon yeah. as you are losing – Everybody's going to hold it against them. Whether it's right or yes. wrong, that's exactly what people are going to do. Yes, and, and, and you see, like, anybody that's seen, you know, the Amazon, uh, you know, bio on Kelsey, I mean, I think this is his last year. I think this is his last year. I mean, selfishly. Well, it feels like we say that every year, and then he somehow but, pull, I mean, you know, but, digs deep and, and plays like, one wow. more. You see that, you're like, wow. So you like, you're about to lose somebody like him. How many more years? You don't, we don't know how many years we'll have, like, Lane Johnson. So, I mean, the offensive line is supposed to be the best in the league. But yet, you wouldn't be able to tell because we don't run the ball. I just don't get it. We have capable running backs. And you're going against a team in the Cardinals who has, like, the worst running defense. Chicago ran the dog on them last week. And I'm just saying to myself, like, yo, what are we doing? What are we doing? And I just feel like everything is just slipping away. And then we do the same plays over and over again, and we got Devontae Smith hurt. 
Yep. And, uh, and you see A.J. Brown, you know, at the end of the game, and you see him, him frustrated, and I get it. I get it because you're doing the same calls over and over again. Like, there's no counterpunch. Sirianni, there's no counterpunch. I believe that he did the same thing as far as in every game that we see this year when a, a team, like you said, they, they came back, you know, three times this year um, when we had double-digit leads. Like, there's never a counterpunch. The same thing that happened in the Super Bowl. I almost feel like if Doug Peterson had this team, I hate to say it, we would have won last year. There would have been a counterpunch. Well, I yes, don't think Sirianni yes. would have punted on fourth and three from his own 33, which turned no, into the Tony and return. And even this year, I would love to see what Doug Peterson could do with Jalen Hurts. I, I really do. But, like, we don't have anything. And then I think I, Seth Joyner, he said something in the post-game show a couple weeks ago. It's hard to redo things once you've been doing it um, the whole season because, like, most of the things that you do – techniques and what you were learning as far as your offense and your defense, everything is in your tendencies. It's done in the preseason. It's done in training camp. So when you're in the season and you're trying to change all of that, it's too late because your tendencies, your second nature to do certain things is already built into your fabric of who you are as a player and what to do. And so it's kind of hard to change it now versus doing the correct things back then. I believe that we – we let key players go. Like you said, as far as the linebackers, that was dumb. Homegrown T.J. Edwards, like, you couldn't give him $5 million? I, I think that was stupid. Um, and I just, don't, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Like, I feel like we are wasting a golden opportunity. And I, don't, I have no faith. I argue to, about the Eagles all the time. I can't argue to anybody, you know, at the water cooler. I can't. I can't. I can't. <laughs> yeah, yesterday didn't didn't help at all. Um, what's your defining sports moment of 23? Uh, my defining sports moment would be in the Super Bowl, just the field itself. Sodfather. The field itself, yes, yes. That messes up um, because all things equal, the pass rush was one of our best things last year, and I think that if we was able to have that, we would have won a Super Bowl. It got neutralized. Thank you, Andrew. Great call. Um, I mean, the sod father, I said it. I'm glad we got someone else to say it. Chiefs fan, the sod father. Yes. The fix is in. Um, Although both teams did play on the same field. Yes. You know what's funny is, uh, you know I, I'm a golf nut. Oh, yeah. The sod father topic even reached into that realm because the the strain of, they used, they, they consulted with some golf firm to create the perfect grass for, for the Super Bowl for football, yes, and they mixed some Bermuda or whatever, and then they did all that, and then whoever just painted and and watered it way too much, and it was wet, and they messed it up. So that was the issue with the field. Well, this golf consulting firm was angry because their perfect strain of grass got ruined. They got a bad rap by maybe the sod father allegedly. So are they out of the business now? This this Bermuda golf whatever. No, no, they, they, I think, consult with golf courses. That's the angle. I gotcha. Is they, because there's a big industry. So is it like they were playing the game like a putting green or a fairway? Like, what's the comp? Um, Something in the middle. But something. it's a, but it's a hybrid of different grasses that can, like, grow in a certain climate and uh, keep a certain density. Is, I don't Is there an official word for that little, like, lip of the green, like the rough? 
Yeah, the fringe. The fringe. Okay. Is it like the fringe? It's pretty fringy. All right, so the, the, the Eagles play the Super Bowl on the fringe. Somewhat. I got it. I would say. 215-592-9494. Linda, Mike, we see you. We get back to the phones in a second. He did bring up something. I mean, all of the focus there, right, was on the offense and Hurts and Sirianni and Brian Johnson. I get it. It's been a disappointment. It was a disappointment in Seattle. But I don't know how you come away from yesterday's game in which the team scored 31 points and scored on minus the end of the game drive when Hurts threw it up. The Eagles went three and out to start the game. They're following drives. Touchdown. Touchdown. Punt to start the second half. Touchdown field goal. Like, the offense was really good. And you throw in the pick six. They would have gotten another chance there. They couldn't get a rhythm against a bad Cardinals defense because of their defense being out on the field. I just, I, I understand the frustration. For 40 minutes. Exactly. For 40 minutes. I understand the frustration. But it's, okay, can we look at the actual culprit as to why they lost? It's the defense. You couldn't get a stop. It's the, it's the defense. It's, you're saying it's talent. I'm putting it more on coaching in this particular case. I think the It's def- all of it. It's all of it. I mean, it's all of the above. But I think. The coaching for this team has been the culprit all year. I think Sirianni, whether it's you know one week not having the team prepare, the next week the failure to make adjustments, whatever. I don't. It doesn't feel like he's coached a clean game all season. Certainly not this month. Like it feels like the league has really caught and caught up to this Eagles team. And the frustrating part, as I mentioned to you, yes, it is like certain guys like Brandon Graham are a year older, and I think he played above his pay grade, so to speak, or above what you would have expected a year ago. But this team, I mean, we put the Daryl Johnston cut earlier of, like, this was the most comfortable Kyler Murray looked all season. Last week, Tommy DeVito, then Tyrod Taylor, the most comfortable they've looked all season. The Giants give up five sacks a game. And the only one who got a sack was Shaq Leonard. Like, this pass rush is not the same thing from what it is a season ago. We produ- we both produce Glenn and Mike, and we're both going to be the beneficiary of a stupid football bet dinner at the end of the season. They both lost. Well, it's, it's like they both lost, but it's like, it's Hassan Reddick sacks going up against uh, Georgia player sacks. And it's like, well, someone actually has to get a sack for the bet to move. The past couple of weeks, it's like, all right, here's our stupid football bet update. Eh, no one won anything because no one got a sack. Like, it's not a good bet if no one gets a sack. And that's not Glenn and Mike's fault. It's the team's fault. And you know what? It, it, if you have seven of the same 11 personnel, seven of the eight top guys paid in terms of, like, their salary on this defense returning, you have to look at the change in coach. You have to look at... The coach was on the on the other sideline for the Cardinals today. Jonathan Gannon. Again, say what you will about the Super Bowl. The Eagles spotted them 14 points in that game. It was Sirianni's decision, not Jonathan Gannon's decision, to punt on fourth and three, as you just mentioned. And Jonathan Gannon, again, they couldn't get a stop in the second half, but had a much, much more ta- like appear- apparently not just talented defense, but a defense that showed up every week, a defense that kept you in games, a defense that got off the field, a defense that was remotely competitive, which you cannot say about this defense right now. And he did it against teams. The knock on him was he did it against mediocre quarterbacks. The defense today for the Eagles didn't show up against a three-win team. Jonathan Gannon would have feasted in a game like this last year. Yeah, of my of my thoughts from the game, that's a big one. One of the big ones I wrote down, the best defensive... It's poetic co- that it was against him. The best defensive coordinator... In, in yesterday's game, was on the Cardinals sideline. And it That's wasn't, a problem. It wasn't their D.C., it was yeah. their head coach. It is a problem. There's that. Yesterday was a performance that would get a defensive coordinator fired. Except they already did. On the Eagles' side. But the problem is, yes, 
They already have fired them. So I don't know where you go from here. And to me, there's, there's something about the looks on the sideline of the defense that had no answers. I don't want to say anybody quit because I think that's unfair. But that is a performance of a team and a defense that either is just terrible or they quit. And the Cardinals, who have absolutely nothing to play for and should be the team who quit, didn't, I, would, I won't even say they came to play. They, they looked like you would have thought they were mailing in the first half. They let, they let them linger. They let the offense march down the field. The, the defense gave them nothing that they – Kyler Murray was comfortable. He wasn't under pressure. He was allowed to roam freely. He was able to move the offense. They got torched by Greg Dortch, who doesn't even sound like a real guy. Greg Dortch. Everything went wrong. They got torched by Greg. They, they got they got torched by a Dortch. Who who is Greg Dortch? He made a name for himself now yesterday. You're letting that guy kill you. That's not it's not DK Metcalf. That's not C D Lamb. Not CD Lamb. Seriously. It's not, it's not Debo Samuel. It's not Brandon Ayuk. It, it's it's Greg Dortch. It's not Jerry Rice that is beating you. Although you would have thought he was today. It's Greg freaking Dortch. Correct. Let's go to Mike in Delaware. Mike, hello. Hey, good morning, fellas. Happy New Year to you. Good morning. You. Likewise. So, um, yeah, I mean, you you look at I, I look at last year, right? Remember last year against Chicago, how we said, "Hey, why did Jalen Hurts in that situation they they run a design quarterback draw for him? That play really never worked. He ends up getting hurt, and to me, like that, this is the whole philosophy where they just continue. They they don't get it. It's like Jalen Hurts is at his best when he has options, okay? Like in that the Bills game, like they were in the pass situation, he calls into that quarterback draw and ends up getting a touchdown. So, my, I mean, that, that's just, you know, one thing there. It's just like I just don't think that they have a feel for uh, Siriani because the same thing, we, can bl- we keep on saying Brian Johnson, but they did the same thing last year, right, and towards the end of the year and got Jalen Hurts uh, hurt. Okay, so but the whole thing is, is that in basketball, we talk about your best offense can be is your defense or your best defense is your offense. It just goes back to where we are just not establishing the run. And basically what ends up happening, that defense gets out there way too long. And we just can't we just don't have the energy to to make plays anymore. We're done. It's not it's not complimentary football. No, not at all. And and we are, and and Sirianni and and I go back to you know Jeffrey. And if I can talk about the defense too, but off, it's just the philosophy of where I just think from the top. You know, Jeffrey Lloyd is, is a Hollywood guy. You know, they they want to do the pizzazz. They rather they want to you know win pretty. They 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 don't want to win ugly. It's just that kind of thing. And that in 2017 we we won ugly. We two thousand last year we won ugly. You know, we. We got in the trenches. We, we we ran the ball. Where is Boston Scott? Okay, why did he not play yesterday? Did I not remember seeing him on the on the field? Like the guy averages five yards a carry, and we're running a quarterback draw on that last present two times we ran it, and it's just not there. And then we run that bubble screen. That, that those plays have not worked all year, and we still. Why do we still continue to go back to, to those plays? The best offense is when Jalen is able, he has options, and, you know, he, he and put the ball in his hands, let him, you know, they just, if, it, if it's not there, you just take off and go. And, and defensively, I mean, it, it goes back in philosophy. You know, we talk about these, these linebackers. What, I mean, and, and Howie, uh, um, uh, Howie uh, Roseman is like, what, what are we doing? Like, 
what like and when he was eight and one, we thought like at the beginning, oh, he's a genius, and he just thinks he's smarter than everybody else. And this this Georgia, oh, we're just going to do Georgia and um, Alabama players. That Nolan Smith, oh, my goodness, that 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 was a waste of pick, first round pick. Mike, what they have him. Mike, year? they're trying him at inside linebacker, and I'm going to yes. give the kid a break because he's new to it. I'm not going right. to say that he's right. bad, but. That is how desperate they are to get him on the field and how little impact he's had at the pass rush, whether it's because yeah. there are people ahead of him or just because he's not ready. He's an inside linebacker. He looks lost. Like, yeah. which of which of the Georgia players? I know early they were all playing great. Jordan Davis hasn't really flashed recently. Jalen Carter, yeah. it's like they have all hit the same wall, the exact same wall, all at the same time. Yes, yes. Yeah, and, and, and again, and, then, and go back to the, and talking about the defense. What is Patricia doing differently than Desai? Like, it, it seems like, and I, I don't understand. Like, it's the same thing happening, you know, the, 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 the uh, cornerbacks. Or, we can't stop anybody on third and six. Can, can we, like, just mix it up a little bit? Can we blitz somebody? Can we do something? I mean, the cornerbacks are 10 yards uh, away, and, and it was the same thing last year. It's the same thing last Gannon did the same thing last year. They, it's just that umbrella philosophy you know, just let him run that. You know, come on. Can we stop somebody on 36 or 37? That doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. Can we just do something different? You know, and it, it just seems that that philosophy, and like you said, that the league has caught up, and we're not changing our philosophy. All right, what's your, uh, what's your defining sports moment of the year? Well, I think you, you guys touched on it like you were talking about it. It's, it's the third, I mean, I'm sorry, the fourth and six punt. On the uh, in the Super Bowl, where it was just a situation where you knew, like you had to go for that. You, yeah, I, fourth I, and three. Yeah, you, you had. Yeah, you know, fourth and th- was it fourth and three? Yeah, it was fourth and three. And and appreciate the phone call, Mike. We got to run, but yeah, fourth and three. I mean, it's the one thing I look. Well, back it's frustrating because it felt like Sirianni went away from his aggressive play calling earlier in the season. I mean, there's aggressive and there's being dumb. I think we saw dumb from Dan Campbell on you know two night now two nights ago. Reckless, reckless against the Dallas Cowboys prepared to go for two from the seven that is reckless going not going for it on fourth and three like that's a play that Nick Sirianni would have gone for earlier in the season and it felt like against the Chiefs he coached a little timid he got a little afraid of the moment and that's not how Doug Peterson won Super Bowl 52 like you use what got you there you utilize that aggressiveness that got you there it felt like he went away from it that's the frustrating part definitely uh real quick Lyndon Bella I have a minute and a half Linda how are you Hey, how are you, fellas? Thanks for being the, the psychiatrist on board Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Thanks for calling in. We how feel very doing? qualified. <laughs> um, first of all, my positive moment was Mike Lorenzen's no-hitter. That's a good one. We haven't gotten that yet. We haven't gotten that one yet. And we, and we don't have to pay any attention to what he did immediately after that. I'm not going to uh, focus on his arm completely falling apart. Yeah, but. no, that, that's a good no. one. <laughs> Number two, Times Square. Fellas, let me tell you, I'm 75. You ever been to Times Square, Linda? Uh, I went down there for 10 years straight, and afterwards I put myself in Studio 54. <laughs> and we had a blast. Um, very famous place. Um, I tend to be positive, fellas. I can't get all upset over the Eagles because at my age I've seen a whole lot of losing. Where does this rank, Linda, this loss, regular season? Well, I'm looking forward to the Phillies already. Oh, you're already off the Eagles? You're already looking at the You know what? Pitchers and catchers, you counting down? Give me two weeks. 
That's my favorite sport. I know. I know it is. I know. Anyway, Um, thanks, guys. Take care. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Linda, for calling in. Great to hear from you. Thanks for calling in. 215-592-9494. All right. We'll step away. That's Dan Wilson. I'm Ben Kenny. WIP. When we come back, there is some general NFL stuff we want to get to um, from yesterday. Looking back on it, it makes it feel worse that the Eagles lost. But we'll continue to break down the loss. Your reaction to it. Who are you losing faith in? Nick Sirianni, Howie Roseman, who takes the blame? Also, your best sports moment of 2023 as we move into the next calendar year. Again, Dan Wilson, Ben Kenny, 94 WIP. All right, welcome back, everybody. Ben Kenny, Dan Wilson, with you, 94 WIP. It is the new year. The Eagles are 11-5. and five. Uh, We don't feel necessarily good about them. And, I mean... I, Dan, the thing I, I enter yesterday, and we'll get back to the phones. Michael, we see you. Your thoughts on the game generally? Are you losing faith in Sirianni? Are you losing faith in Howie? The answer is yes for me for both. Dan's losing faith in Sirianni. But, Dan, another reason why yesterday sucked, and I wanted to hit on this, not only do you get the gift in Dallas, Dan Campbell just totally butchering the end of the game. Everything lined up perfectly. We all rooted for Dallas. We had the stomach that, and we were not even rewarded because the Eagles – couldn't take care of business against the three-win Arizona Cardinals. Careful of the word root. But you put root with Dallas that some people can't stomach that. I prefer them to win. Um, I was rooting for them, 100%. Oh, well, there you just did. And, yeah. and they won. And uh, Dan Campbell was reckless at the end of the game. But, but, but that happened, right? So you have the auto, like you're getting the two seed if you can beat two bad teams. That exists. And had they won, even if they hadn't played well, we would have looked in the future and say, how many other teams, like you had said, how many other teams would you trade the Eagles position with? Aside from the Niners, who are the NFC's one seed, the Ravens, who are the AFC's one seed, and who else? Maybe the Bills? Well, what's wild is, so, like, teams who definitively have, there's only, the 49ers and the Ravens are the only two teams in the NFL who still have more wins than the Eagles so far this season, like uh, through 16 weeks, the Cowboys are currently the, the Cowboys are currently in the driver's seat in the NFC East because they have the tiebreaker over the Eagles. They're tied at 11 and five. You go over to the AFC, the Dolphins, the two seed, are 11 and five. That's a team the Eagles beat, and every other. And then the Browns are also 11 and five. Eagles obviously didn't play them. Tiebreakers with the AFC doesn't matter. But if you literally ranked NFL teams one through 32 by record, the Eagles would be tied for third. I mean, it just goes to show you, like, two things. It shows you a few things. Number one, how good, like, I understand there were flaws, but how good they were at just finding ways to win games the first three months of the season, and how, despite how bad this month of December has been, what a great position they put themselves in that they basically didn't even need December at all to, quote-unquote, make the playoffs. That wasn't anyone's goal, but they were able to make the playoffs based on a body of work three months alone. Now, this is why I've kind of been ranting all morning that I'm so done with the saying, you are what your record says you are, because they're 11-5, and five, the Cowboys are 11-5, and five, the Dolphins are 11-5. and five. Am I supposed to believe that everyone feels equally about those teams right now? Like, the Eagles are going to be the five seed for a reason. They're going to be traveling right now to Tampa Bay, possibly to any of, any of three NFC South opponents, for a reason. It doesn't feel like they deserve to host a home, to have a home game in the playoffs. It doesn't even deserve, feel like they deserve 
to get out of the first round. They've quickly gone from a team in contention for the number one seed in the NFC, for maybe the best record in all of football, best team in all of football, to just another team in the pack who will get lost in the shuffle of the first two rounds. They are they're in the process of totally throwing up on each other, on on themselves, excuse me, and relinquishing a prime chance to get to a Super Bowl. Because not only are were they well positioned entering the month, here's what's going on around the NFL. The Kansas City Chiefs don't have wide receivers and can't score. Travis Kelsey's old and he's still out there, but the time's ticking on that. Well, the Taylor Swift effect. Well, yeah. But Mahomes is Mahomes and they have a great defense, but we've seen their wide receivers. Like they, they have nobody. They're out not there. the team they were a season ago. Kansas City's vulnerable. Joe Burrow is hurt. The Bengals aren't even going to make the playoffs. Buffalo is not perfect. They're playing much better as they've gotten into the ground game, but still, this is not an elite, elite Bills team. Nobody else in the NFC except for the Niners you have trusted. Because I'm watching Dallas and, and Detroit, and yeah, Dak and CD Lamb are going crazy, but you are foolish to watch Dallas and Detroit play and say these are flawless teams. No, I don't think there's a flawless team in the NFL, and certainly not outside the 49ers or the Ravens. Like, there's not a team not getting a bye who you could say, well, that team doesn't have gaping holes there. Yeah, so the the general point here is uh, this is entering yesterday, and now it makes it feel worse that they lost. The opportunity— It, feel, it feels like the opportunity league-wide was there. This, this, was, flushing, this was a good year to be good. Flushing into the toilet. Absolutely. This is the perfect year. If last year's team was playing this year, they would win the Super Bowl. I, I totally believe that. It's frustrating as hell. Yep. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. So we could take your general reactions to the week in the NFL as well. I thought Dan Campbell's management at the end of the Cowboys game right, was. Do was, you have a take how the refs handled this? Yes. Uh, totally reckless. Um, not the refs. Dan Campbell. So the end of the Dallas game, if you watched, pretty much the Lions had a two point conversion to win. They could have kicked it to force overtime, and they line up on the two-point conversion. One of the linemen uh, reports is eligible. The other doesn't. That aside, Dan Campbell called a make-or-break, season-defining two-point conversion play, a swing pass to his left tackle. Correct. That is that is Which reckless. in real time appeared to work. It did work, except it didn't because you created enough confusion that you confused the refs. So that happens. Then they go back to the seven. They try it again inexplicably. Somebody's offsides. They get it again from the three. They try it again, and they and, and they miss. They deserve to lose that game. It felt. I think it was Jack on the post game show. I forget who it was saying like that was the universe trying to tell you, just take the extra point just and go to overtime. It. Just kick it. Going for two from the seven is one of the most insane, reckless things. Like this isn't the Arizona Cardinals doing this. Like if you have three wins and your players are making tea times, that's one thing. You're the Lions and you're in contention for a playoff spot. Like, you're now the three seed in the NFC instead of the two seed because you did that, potentially. I mean, we don't know what would have happened if they had gone to overtime, but that was in the balance last night or Saturday night. It is insane. Like, it, again, there's aggressiveness and there's recklessness. Dan Campbell officially crossed over to recklessness. Yeah, and it was a perfect opportunity. Had the Eagles beaten the Cardinals for the two seed, a, a fine, a fine standing entering the playoffs. Now things look totally different. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Michael is in Delaware to react to it. Michael, what's up? Hello, thank you for having me on the show. Um, I just wanted to talk about there's a difference between the spirit that Super Bowl fifty two Eagles had and this spirit on the team. I don't think that there's any spirit, any 
um, underdog spirit, whatever you want to call it, at all. You had Carson Wentz and Nick Foles and all the players that were hurt with the team praying together and, like, talking about – like, I don't really know much about religion, but I do know that they had some spirit, and they were destined to win that Super Bowl. Right now, I just see a bunch of people that are about to retire – really about they could have done it but they're not going to do it anymore because everybody's just mad at the coaches and there's that kind of nonverbal spirit that is not there right now like they just don't seem like they want it plus the coaches are bad i don't i don't really know how to say it so what do you think it is you think it's coaching you're looking at coaching look i i think it's coaching and the players but mainly I don't think the coaches – I think the coaches won the first, you know, Super Bowl 52, but I think that the players had this kind of spirit, this underdog spirit. They were buying the masks off of Amazon. The players right now don't. And you, you see A.J. Brown, he's not like a crybaby. He's like right. He speaks for all the Eagles fans not wanting to speak about it because he's angry. And if, he, if we keep treating him like this and giving him horrible plays, then he's going to go to another team. But, Michael, you are willing to speak about it. We are willing to speak about it. Everybody else is willing to speak about it. A.J. Brown is unwilling to speak about it when times get tough. It, like, does that make Like, that's the that's a difference. Well, I think it fits into why they don't have the 2017 feel right now. It's why they don't have the culture. Everything feels off. Like, I know Everything Alshon, feels really, really wrong. Alshon was Alshon, but still, you, you, you didn't get that from that team. Not Everybody was winning, hurt, yeah. too. Like, like, ha- like, a lot of key players were hurt. While they were on their way to the Super Bowl, you have I think Brent Selleck was hurt, Darren Sproles was hurt, I think even Jason Peters was hurt. Jason Peters, Carson Jordan Hicks, yep. All of them were hurt, and we still won the Super Bowl because we had heart. This team like has a couple players that are key that are hurt, but and we're still like we're so bad right now. Yep, it's, it's, that's what it different. that's what it feels like. Um, what do you think? What's your uh, what's your defining sports moment of twenty three? Um. I don't really know. I, I'm I'm only been watching the Eagles. I'm I'm a little loser, bit of a loser. I'm sorry. All right. Well, we'll go with yesterday. Thank you for the phone call, Michael. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's a, it's hard to question Hart, but as I said, looking at the performance just on defense, take away the offense on defense, it is hard to look at that performance and not think one of two things. One, the team is really, really that bad. Or two, there was something to be said about a lack of heart. It has to be one of those two things. I think they just, well, again, I my angle here this morning is that I'm kind of taking out the coach. I think it's on the head coach. I think it's on the coordinators. I think the head coach has proven his value or lack thereof here this season. As I feel, yes, there were some moving parts. By the way, it's expected when you go to the Super Bowl that there's going to be moving parts. You're not going to be able to re-sign everyone. Like, that's not how it works. Super Bowl teams don't just go to the Super Bowl, whether you win or lose, and bring back everyone. That applies to coaches. That applies to players. They retained the majority of the defense and the majority of their high highest-paying players on that defense. Hargrave is, like, the notable exception, and obviously T.J. Edwards is the other one. It's not as if, like, that is the difference between what we saw a year ago, the NFL leader in sacks, a defense who consistently gets off the field, a defense that was very much good enough to make the Super Bowl compared to what we're seeing now, which is allowing the Arizona Cardinals to possess the ball for 40 minutes. I mean, it's like polar opposite ends of the spectrum. I, What else has changed? Like, the bigger variable is the coach changing, not the personnel. 
That's why. That's how. Like, how can you arrive at any other takeaway? So I I look at the personnel also changing, and maybe not just by name, but I would say an overestimation. CJGJ, you mentioned him too. Well, him, yes. I I would also say an overestimation as to what the older guys could replicate from last season. I think Brandon Graham was not going to give you the same year. I mean, here's here's the problem. If you're Howie Roseman and I gave you a way to go back in time, would you undo the re-signing of Bradbury with the benefit of hindsight? And so, well, you should lead a corner and, and sign who? Well, no, spend that money on CJ GJ and and find draft a corner at thirty. It's easy to say now that you would, but 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 that's the point. So that's your, that, your point about Roseman, yeah. But we do have the benefit of hindsight because we're watching a defense get shredded and have no answer, and we look up and down, and some of the older guys are getting old. So we have the benefit of hindsight to say, yes, okay, maybe at the moment we agreed with the moves Howie was making and we saw the plan, but guess what? Not one of his moves in the offseason proved out to we, be beneficial except for Braden Mann and we, punter. We, well, and that, remember there's a huge punter battle uh, in training camp. You can't underrate that. We also have the benefit of hindsight when it comes to Jonathan, Jonathan Gannon. We have the benefit to say, all right, everyone, or one caller said that everyone ran him out of town. I don't believe that's actually true. We, Took a head coaching job. He got so, a promotion. He got a promotion, right? And everyone was like, "Good, uh, we, we don't want him back. Like, we we'll, we want someone different. It'll be, get better." It's gotten worse. The defensive coaching, the defensive schemes, has gotten worse. On offense, it's also gotten worse. But as far as if we're going to rip into the defense right now, if we're going to rip into the overall coaching of the team, yes, it starts with Sirianni. But let's go down to the defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon. Didn't get fired after week thirteen or fourteen or whatever it was. Like, he made it through the end of the season. They made the Super Bowl. And people can say he was distracted with a future job. What like, I'm sure anyone would have been. I'm sure Steichen was too. Maybe he hit it better, and his unit showed up better than the defense in Super Bowl Fifty Seven. The but we we said it. The better coach, the be, the best defensive coordinator in the game on Sunday was on the other sideline, and that's really the part that irks me. Is it feels like if I asked you to rank, and I know we're gonna you know we're gonna get to a question segment here on just a little bit, but if I asked you to rank. These three coaches, with the benefit of hindsight right now, in order of how much you would pay them, order you'd want to keep them in the Eagles organization, whatever. However, whatever your criteria you're using here. Shane Steichen, Jonathan Gannon, Nick Sirianni. One through three. Who's best or worst? I actually think that's tough. I I agree it's tough. Because the sky's falling right now. Um, Let's let's get to that when we come back. I like that. I like that. I, I want to think about it. Let's get to that when we come back. That's Dan Wilson. I'm Ben Kenny. We're with you until 6. Rob Ellis, Jack Fritz, take over. Uh, then they're in for the morning show. Big big 5 o'clock hour, 5 a.m. hour coming up. But we'll get to that, um, these coach thing, when we come back. 215-592-9494. That is how you join the show. Who are you losing faith in? Nick Sirianni, Howie Roseman. Who takes the blame from the loss? We are reacting to every part of the Eagles' really um, soul-crushing loss to the Arizona Cardinals. Again, Dan Wilson, Ben Kenny on 94 WIP. All right, welcome back in. Ben Kenny, Dan Wilson hanging out with you. We got you till 6. Rob Ellis, Jack Fritz take over then for the morning show. Again, reacting to the Eagles' loss to the Cardinals. Big 5 a.m. hour coming up. Usually they say that in the afternoon. Big 5 o'clock hour. You know, drive this time. Five, this is a five o'clock hour. We got a five o'clock hour coming up. Yeah, drive time. Drive time. People getting up early. It's New Year's Day. New Year's Day is it's a government holiday. Yes. Like we don't have our, our A team or 
regular, not our A-team, Jack and <laughs> Jack and Rob are going to do a great job. That's not what I meant to say. We don't have our regulars in, is what I meant by Correct. that. Correct. Right. By we definition. Have, we have, by definition, we have fill-in hosts today, because it is a government holiday, day after a game. It's a little bit of a weird circumstance. But it's not a holiday that, like, you get together with family for. It's New Year's Day. It's not like Christmas, right? No, it is a contrived BS capitalistic holiday. That allows people to go out the night before. Exactly, and people to throw big parties and Ryan Seacrest to be on television. I will say. You really have a beef with Ryan Seacrest. I'm just, learning that tonight. He's, he is just shoved in everybody's face. Everywhere. Ryan Seacrest. Where else, Ryan. Where else is he shoved? I, he is everywhere. Where, where else is he? Well, America, like all, all the top 40 music. Top not 40, the top 40 music, but is he not on the radio? So you're I'm, telling me he's shoved. I don't know where he's shoved. You tell me where he is. Well, I'm not into pop culture. I just I, okay, well, I see his face, and I feel like I see it too much. I think he's famous for being famous. I don't know what his talent is. That's a good point. Um, he's a good he's a television guy. He's a good TV guy. He's good at hosting the ball drop and just, like, you know, getting to the next thing. I will say, um, what is New Year's Day? What should it be known for? The College Rose football. Bowl. The, the well, Rose Bowl. Like, like the, the traditional New Year's Bowl games that if people want to complain about them, they can. I find them enjoyable. I think it's a great way to usher in the new year, not NFL playoffs. Even though you will be boycotting the playoff games tonight. Yeah, I'm not not going to be watching. Um, Which is big for a college football enthusiast such as yourself, or former enthusiast anyway. Yeah, with the fright of losing our listenership, I'm not going to divulge um, my, my current thoughts on the state of the sport. 30 seconds. I I am probably not going to watch the playoff because of the travesty of Florida State being left out and me trying to stick to some moral high ground of I don't like what large network television has done to the sport. There you go. There you um, go. All right, we, we tease us going into break. And, Drew, see you on hold. We'll get to you. 215-592-9494. That's how you join the show. Out of the three coaches the Eagles had last year, Sirianni, Gannon, and Shane Steichen, Rank the three that you would want to lead as a head coach, as they're all now head coaches. Well, no, I, I didn't say head coach. I'm now, saying they, head coach. They're all head coaches now. I'll say more. What if I phrased it like this before we get to it? We'll, we'll debate how to phrase it. Importance to their success last season, which then, again, evaluates Steichen and Gannon as coordinators. Hmm. More important to their success last who, season. Who was most important to the Eagles' success last season? Shane Steichen. Steichen won. I think. Who's two? Sirianni. Then Gannon three still? Agreed. Yes. Well, I, I, saying, I wasn't saying – I'm asking you. That's that, not saying he did a bad job. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that he's a he's a really good defensive coordinator. But there also is something to be said about the prior year without said See, I would, fl- I would personally flip. If we have the benefit of hindsight, right now, wouldn't it seem like Gannon is two and Sirianni is three? Right now it does seem that like, way. Like, does this season not make you appreciate what Jonathan Gannon did last season more? It makes me wonder, well, there's the whole adjusting to what Sirianni does. It makes me wonder how much of last year was him. And that's not to say none of it was. As opposed to thinking entering this year that it was all Sirianni and the coordinators are interchangeable, now we sit here and we could say how much of it actually was him. So I, I, I have a hard time assessing the value to each of them. But I think I'd put Steich in one. The offense just feels different. I'm with, well, I'm with you on Steichen. But it, also, it absolutely feels different. It's gotten stale and predictable. We didn't feel like that that last year. We saw a guy who was top two in MVP voting, and people were mad that he got snubbed. And Jalen Hurts was like the reason they were winning games. The play calling was electric, and no, like teams didn't know how to respond to it. It was easy. Now, now, now the defining play they have is the tush push. Yep, and field goals. That's 
What's this team's identity? We, we said it earlier. It's a, it's a play that might not even exist next year. It's the tush push. And even in some situations, they don't use it when they should. It's just, that's the identity. Awesome. I can point to all the other good teams in the NFL. They have a real identity. This team doesn't. And that's troubling. 215-592-9494. We will we'll send it to the 5 o'clock hour in a second. I want to get Drew and Levitan up here. Drew, what's going on? Hey, what's going on, guys? What's up? What are you thinking? So, two two things I want to touch on. First thing, like, I'll just stand. Like, it, it's not that it's not fair. It's just, like, you know, I, I went out and I bought all this memorabilia for Eagles stuff here. I got my kids are decked out in Eagles stuff every weekend and stuff like that. All the money we dump into these tickets and and this is the product they put out there for us. It's just like, it, and I know they, Listen, I'm not saying they should care about us, you know, they should care about the fan base and this and that, but, I mean, we put so much into that team, and then that's the product they give us, you know. It just, it, it almost, it kind of just makes me, like, not want to watch next weekend or not care that, we're gonna, that we made the playoffs. Who cares? I mean, I, I said it earlier, and I keep coming back to the fact that whether we, whether we like it or not and whether we're confident in anything happening, this team is a playoff team. Like, they will play a playoff game. Got a got got a lot going on with the phone. Um, I did. I, I I wanted him to continue because I liked the direction that was going. Where there is something to be said about, like, we heard real boos on the third and twenty with the screen to Gainwell and Smith gets hurt. We did, and luckily I guess there's no home game next week because so they might not have any home games the rest of the season. They have to win a playoff game to even have the chance at one. I mean, they're gonna be the five seed, probably not. Like this probably was in all likelihood, the last home game of the season. It would take unforeseen circumstances where they would match up against the 6 or the 7 seed in the NFC Championship game. Virtually impossible for that to happen or for the Cowboys to lose next week in Washington and the Eagles beat the Giants for them to host another game. We Eagles fans walked out of the link for the final time this season tonight. Like, almost definitely. And I wonder... That's a sad state of affairs. It is, and I wonder what the breaking point is. Like, there were many people hanging on to their best footballs ahead of them. They just need to it's win. It's today. I mean, it, it's got to be t- or yesterday now. It's got to be yesterday. I, I think that game's the point. All right, 215-592-9494. Let's do this. That's Dan Wilson. I'm Ben Kenny. We send you to the 5 o'clock hour. We'll reset what we have going on. We'll talk about the game. We'll get back to the phones. Dan Drew, I see you. Hang on there. Big hour coming up. Ben Kenny, Dan Wilson, 94 WIP. Welcome back, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Dan Wilson alongside Ben Kenny. What, Ben? That's a Dan Wilson open. Lupe Fiasco. The show goes on. The show goes on. We've been going at it for five hours. That's how much reaction there's been to this game. The show is going on. The show is literally going on. Uh It's awesome. That's all I got. It's It's awesome. Lupe Fiasco. Dan Wilson, Ben Kenny, Terry Tillman producing as we take you up to the morning show uh, with Rob Ellis and Jack Fritz. They'll have plenty of uh, reaction for you here this morning as well, but wanted to open this 5 a.m. hour the same way we opened the show. Uh, again, thank you so much to everyone who's been listening, uh, has been reacting uh, both on the phones, on Twitter, you know, hitting us up 
over text. Uh, it's been a fun night, been a long night. Again, the hosting debut for both of us, if you are just joining us. But I want to begin this 5 a.m. hour. Ben, my takeaway from this game, takeaway from e- the Eagles losing to the Arizona Cardinals by a score of 35-31, to 31, a three-win Arizona Cardinals team, a team that had no business marching into Lincoln Financial Field and winning, is that this feels like the worst Eagles loss since the Chip Kelly era, at least, like at least since the Chip Kelly era, and that there are lots of parallels to the Chip Kelly era in this loss. Number one is it, or to, I'll say the 2014 Chip Kelly season. Number one is it kind of mirrors that Washington game in that 2014 season where it felt like the beginning of the end for Chip Kelly. I know a lot of people like to say that we it already feels like we've been feeling the beginning of the end up to this point, but that this really feels like the mark that when we look back a season from now, if Sirianni does get fired, that this will be the loss that says this is what broke the camel's back. It this was- is this is what set it over the edge, and I'll take it a step further. The way in which they lost this game made it feel like a Chip Kelly game. 39-39. 39 minutes, 39 seconds is how long the Cardinals possessed the ball. The Eagles possessed the ball for 20 minutes and 21 seconds. They had the ball for twice as long, nearly 40 full minutes as the Eagles did. Chip Kelly made this entire city believe that time of possession does not matter. I think we learned in that era, and we learned again today, that it does. And it speaks to the overall you know, lack of defensive, defensive struggles they've been having, the lack of defensive talent, as you put it, that they've been having. I'm pinning it more on the coaching, not just the head coach, but the coordinators. But if we're going to blame one person, and our main question here today at 215-592-9494, is who in the Eagles organization have you lost the most faith in? For me, it's a clear-cut answer. It's the head coach. I have lost faith in Nick Sirianni. I, I, that's my takeaway from today's game. Yeah, from yesterday's game now. From, from the game, and I would love to hear from people that were there, I think it's the first time you could have left Lincoln Financial Field with genuine questions about Nick Sirianni as the head coach. The first time since the beginning of last year. I know the start in 21 wasn't rosy. But the roster wasn't there, right? Hurts is young. This is the first time, I think, this year, like even after the Giants game, they won, they held on, fluky, whatever. This is the first time you could walk out of that stadium with real questions about whether he's going to be the coach in two years or next year. Or like literally next year. I think he survives this offseason, but would anyone miss him if they got rid of him? Like if, if they, regardless of what he does next week against the Giants, if, if the Cowboys win, take care of business in Washington next week, then it doesn't really matter. They're going to be the five seed. And if they lose in the first round of the wild card weekend and Nick Sirianni gets fired, is anyone going to come to his defense? I Well, if they hire Harbaugh, no. There, there are options where immediately you feel better about the I direction. Mean the, I mean the day Sirianni's fired. For, forget who they hire. You don't know who they've hired at this point. The day Sirianni's fired, is there anyone like, man, I can't believe they did this? Um, No. No. Well, there will be, but I don't think they'll be right. Okay. So neither of us will be. I'd say the vast majority will not be coming to his defense. I think today was the day I completely lost my last ounce of faith in Nick Sirianni. Who have you lost the most faith in? 215-592-9494. And Ben, the first reason I really lost my last ounce of faith, the last bit of faith I had in Nick Sirianni, I was I really wanted to defend him. I really wanted to like him, you know, motivator, rah-rah guy. I get it. But he did take the team to the Super Bowl a season ago. And how quickly things have changed here just in the year 2023 as we transition to the first morning of 2024. But, Ben, he's proven the value he adds to be minimal. He's proven the the value he adds to be without his coordinators, he has no success. Good coaches, and we discussed this earlier in the show, good coaches in this league are able to sustain 
deep Super Bowl or deep runs into the playoffs, potentially Super Bowl appearances, lose their coordinators, in this case both, lose their coordinators and still be the common denominator that of the reason why your team still succeeds. Be the reason that your team is still good. Belichick, obviously one of the greatest coaches of all time, he's done it for years. But teams who continue to be good in the NFL, and it's difficult, typically have a head coach who can kind of cut through that. The coordinators leave, maybe they have success, maybe they don't, but the head coach is still the common denominator. What we've seen, and it's poetic that they lost to the Cardinals here yesterday, is an offensive play caller in Shane Steichen go out to Indianapolis, a defensive play caller in Jonathan Gannon go out to Arizona, not have a ton of success as a head coach so far this season, but out-coach Nick Sirianni yesterday. And overall, we're left with a situation where, okay, Sirianni's left with two new coordinators, and it's easy for us to say Brian Johnson stinks. Sean Desai literally got fired before the season ended. We went to Matt Patricia. Maybe the head coach stinks. Maybe the head coach doesn't have what it takes to be a head coach in this league, and if his best skill set is a motivator, not as an offensive play caller, not as implementing an offense, not as implementing a game plan, then what value is he adding, Ben Kennedy? Like, what value is he adding if the coordinators change? And why am I supposed to believe in this guy going forward if the second he loses his assistance, he can't get the job done? Yeah, if he's if he's supposed to be the offensive guy, then why is there still this weird draw, draw, screen, wide receiver hurt, end of game, just weird offensive ineptitude with a unit that should be great, even though they scored 31, and if he's a CEO... Why does it feel like there's this just chaos under the service of the team and chaos that even existed before this loss? It existed after the Giants win. It's just, it, feel, it, it has felt like there's something bubbling under the surface for a little while that with these losses, it's starting to come out and it's starting to feel more and more chaotic in there, which if you're the CEO, that's, that's your job. That is what you're supposed to bring. You can't be the CEO head coach and just, and to his credit, he's taking responsibility for the offense, but you can't be the CEO head coach and add nothing. You can't just be a babysitter. You can't just be the guy who tries to, you know, engage with the fans, get your your guys motivated, and when you're punched in the mouth, you're faced with adversity, other teams are catching up to what you do, you've got nothing, which is where I feel like I'm at with Nick Sirianni. So that's point one. Number two, Ben, this team is always one of two things. They're either unprepared or zero ability to make adjustments, and sometimes both. On Sunday against the Cardinals, sure, they looked prepared, I suppose, to play the first half. They looked unprepared to play a second half. Zero adjustments. Jonathan Gannon, excuse me, was the guy who went into halftime and rallied his troops of guys who, as you mentioned earlier, have tea times. Like, these guys are going to be golfing in a week. They have no reason to play out this season hard. And Jonathan Gannon, I'm sure the game did mean something to him, but were able to rally his troops, go into the second half, and make something of it. And the Eagles, who had everything to play for, and this is why I think it's one of the worst losses, regular season losses, if not the worst Eagles regular season loss, at least of our lifetime. Because if you combine the fact that they were favored by 13 points and how much they should have won by, and how they should have won this game comfortably, if they were a mere sh- like, if they played a shell of themselves, if they were 20% of their potential, they would have won this game. The and highlights are on television again. If you, wanna, I don't need to rewatch. If you want to relive I've, it, I've seen it enough. I don't need to rewatch. Gannon and Sirianni. I watched hugging. it live. I, I know. I, it doesn't change the second time. Oh, look! It's Lou Dortch. Oh my God! Well, Lou, Greg Dortch. Lou, Lou Dortch is the basketball player. This tells player. you enough. Greg Dortch, Dan, Ben, Greg Dortch. I know. Ben, 
do you feel like this team is prepared each week? Do you feel like this team, Sirianni, makes any in-game adjustments to help this team win? Do you? Does it ever feel like they can play a complete game where Sirianni is consistently one step ahead of the other coach? Like, when was the last time you were confident that through, through an entire game, Sirianni was the better coach than the other sideline? Wow. When's the last time the Eagles? Well, I mean, I, I kind of think Dayball is, uh, I think Dayball's losing it. But it wasn't a great coaching job. The Eagles had plenty of mistakes against uh, New York. That's a great question. Um, I would go back. I mean, the Washington losses. Ron Rivera just totally choked by the end at the end of the game with his management of the well, game. Rivera, Riverboat Ron stinks too. Yes. By the way, and like his time is going to be up in the NFL. But that was that was October 29th. Um, I it's been think, a while since then. There's not the same football team as they I, were in October. I think Mike McCarthy got the best of him twice. I think uh, Andy Reid like. That was a weird game, and Mahomes' receivers totally let him down. And Hurts just went super MVP mode against Buffalo. I just and, and then the disasters happened against San Francisco. There hasn't been a game really since Los Angeles on October 8th where I've come away thinking, what an amazing coaching job. Correct. Like it, It's frustrating. And then the third point, and then we'll get back to the phones here. The third point, Ben, is that this locker room feels like a bad marriage. We we played the audio earlier of AJ Brown not respond, you know, not having anything to say to the media again for a week straight. It feels like certain players like Jason Kelsey and Devontae Smith have a lot to say about the state of the team and are brutally honest. If you ask the head coach, everything's fine. We haven't played our best football yet. We'll get there. We just got to fix it. We're sitting here on New Year's Day. If it hasn't been fixed by now, when when is it going to fix? And the reason why I call it a bad marriage is when you know a couple who fights, when you know a couple who is fighting in public and disagrees in public and they're it's bitter and they argue and you're not getting the same message. You ask one person, how's it going? They say, everything's fine. And you ask the next person and you can tell on their face that everything's not fine. If there's an inconsistent message, this locker room feels like a bad marriage right now. That's where I'm at with this football team. I think that directly is on the head coach. And I lost my last ounce of faith in Nick Sirianni today. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm in the process of losing faith. I am not all the way out because, I mean, object like he will be here obviously for the end of the season, and I think minds can be changed. I'm not confident they're going to turn it around in the playoffs, but they are going to play a playoff game, and I just cannot believe that we as followers of the team are in this position where it feels like the season just ended, and it feels like almost the writing off or the beginning of it of a of a big figure and a big head coach. And the team's 11-5 and five and is in the playoffs. And the stakes of the game, obviously, were that they fell to the five seed. But still, it's like the talk today and the feeling today is the feeling you have watching a 4-12 and 12 team drop their 12th game. Like, this is what Patriot fans might feel watching Belichick try to coach with Bailey Zappi. But this is Sirianni and Hurts, and they're freaking 11-5. And, and, and somehow five. they got 11 wins this year. I, it's, it's, it's on I, – I just – I can't believe – I cannot believe it has fallen to this depth. I can't believe we are where we are. 215-592-9494. Who have you lost the most faith in in this Eagles organization? Is it the head coach, Nick Sirianni? Is it, it's been laid out earlier, is it Howie Roseman, the general manager? Had a few callers give a vote for Jeff Lurie. Haven't had a vote for any of the players, I don't believe yet. Uh, We'll go back to the phones here. Uh, Aaron in Terminal C, you're on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Hey, how are you guys doing? Aaron, how's it going? Um, pretty good, pretty good. Just uh, waiting for my flight uh, to Hawaii. Um, nice my, trip. Uh, yeah, you guys yeah. are leaving Dan behind. Yeah, it's too bad you couldn't make it. 
I'm too busy doing the show. But um, my first point, um, I was just wondering, you had a tweet that – I'm going to guess I this actually, has nothing to do with the Eagles, as you no, popped that. Go it ahead. Has, it has 100% to do with the Eagles. Oh, yeah. You tweeted out that oh. you have complete faith in the roster yes. and the team, yes. and they always find a way to win. Please read the date on this tweet. That, it was, it was, was the day the Bills where game. that went wrong. I remember. It's all gone wrong. It, it's gone wrong. Yeah. I mean, literally every ounce has gone wrong since that tweet. It is the head coach as the, the league's caught up to them. The talent on the field looks worse. The coaching looks a lot worse. I mean, we've laid it out for five hours, Ben, of how everything has literally gone wrong and how I'm so sick of the saying you are what your record says you are because the last month has looked like a 5-11 and team more than a 11-5 and team. Yeah, and then I was just um, wondering um, also that you had – seemed to have no faith in them when they were winning and then converted to having faith in them and they just and and kept losing after that so it seems like wherever i am is dan the mush it it seems it feels like wherever i am on the eagles the team isn't so now that i've completely lost all faith stay there in the head coach no i'm going to stay here because maybe this will spawn a super bowl run yeah although although aaron did want to start uh nate sudfeld in the playoff game in 2017 (laughs) i don't remember that (laughs) It's it's not on record for everyone. It's not to on be record. Online. No, it's true. I, if it's I make not my, on Twitter. You're it, it didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. But um, I'll, I'll give you a vote. I personally would vote uh, Sirianni uh, as who have I've lost the most faith in because um, I just don't think I think he's like more to do with it than any of the coordinators because just because he's actually hired them. Um, well, he's the common but, denominator from last year, and now they stink. Yeah, I just think that he's failed to make any adjustments to what's happened and just last year if you look at it like the road to the Super Bowl is a lot easier than it was going to be this year and I just don't think he's adjusted to what the league is doing and that's why I'd go I'd vote for him I I would 100% agree the entire league uh, has definitely caught up to him Aaron do you have the what was the Philadelphia sports moment of 2023 the Philadelphia sports moment of 2023. Yeah, they could be uh, good or bad, but like if you were telling someone who just woke up in a coma from a year, what's the first thing you would say? Tyrese Maxey emerging as a star? Um, yeah, that's definitely the what tw- I the would say. The tweet was in 2022, Ben. Whatever. Yeah, not not everyone had complete faith in him <laughs> like I did. And well, Sixers Adam, who we had on at 2 a.m., uh, tried to run him out of town, too. People forget. Well, I, I remember someone who was also trying to run him out of town. I had no recollection, and- no. Well, it's it's a good thing that he is not playing for the Brooklyn Nets right now. Um, imagine the team right now without Tyrese Maxey, how big of a mess it would be with, like, I don't know who would be handling the ball. Maybe they'd try to sign you away Quite from your nice. current job to be a point guard. It, it's a scary thought for sure. In, in all seriousness, do you, yeah. have, do you have a Philadelphia sports moment, like the first thing you'll tell your kids, your grandkids about that happened in 2023? Um, it's pretty depressing, but probably the Phillies game seven think it's a good encapsulation of what of everything that happened either that or the super bowl i'll go with game seven i assume you've gotten the super bowl already well we have and we've gotten game seven as well but aaron and i were at game seven together it was pretty depressing aaron and yeah. safe travels out to hawaii uh you know and appreciate the call here yeah no thanks problem. aaron have, Thank a good you. One. have a great yeah. trip without dan yeah uh my friends uh shout out to them uh aaron addison katie and Cantor, all headed to hawaii leaving me behind but there's no place I'd rather be than this studio. None. None. Absolutely not. Why would you want to go to Hawaii as the Eagles start melting down? No, yeah, Hawaii is, like, too positive right now, frankly, for where I am mentally with the Eagles. Like, I can't go enjoy the beach when the Eagles is, like, 
It's like everything's, you know, the meme. It's like everything's fine. There's fire all around. That would be me in Hawaii right now. It's just Hawaii is too many time zones away. I like it is. You go to the they west. They literally just celebrated New Year's 17 minutes ago. You go to the west coast, and it's already three hours, and that's a lot. But you could do it. And then you go another two. You, you, you are five hours. You're pretty much going to Europe. Yeah, so for, for anyone who hasn't caught on yet, Aaron, uh, you know, going to Hawaii, my best friend and also uh, my roommate, uh, him and a few of my friends are headed out on this trip. And I'm curious to see how the jet lag affects them when they get back. I mean, I've, I've never known anyone like this close who has gone to Hawaii. I've never been myself. Five hours is a lot. It's it's a lot, and it's it's kind of unnecessary. I there there have to be beaches. Well, I know we have some great beaches near us. Sure, but yeah. there have to be yeah. other. The, the Jersey Shore really compares to Maui, but non-Jersey Shore beaches that don't require a five-hour time change. Like Florida. Like Florida. Like Florida. We or don't need South Carolina. Is the takeaway that Hawaii is overrated? Hawaii is just not. Do we need Hawaii? It's just not necessary. (laughs) Trips there. I I don't think so. Drew and King of Prussia, you're on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Hey, good morning, guys. Congrats on the show. Appreciate it, Drew. Thank you. Yeah, Happy New Year. I just wanted to do a couple quick points from some of the callers that you had earlier. I was listening to the show about four hours ago, and the gentleman made the comment, this is a Ferrari, and Suriani doesn't know how to drive it. And I totally agree with that. Um, I agree with you both in terms of Sirianni being the uh, point of blame on this team. Um, they lost to the Jets earlier in a bad loss. Everyone thought, oh, well, it's just an aberration. Then they lost three out of four um, to Seattle. They lost to um, San Francisco. And it, and everyone was like, oh, my goodness, how does this happen? Um, well, they were good teams. They almost lost to New York last week. And then they lose to uh, Arizona Cardinals team in Philly. And if you don't think John, if Gannon wasn't gunning for this game, if there's one game that Gannon wanted to win, this was it. This was it. Yeah, it's his Super Bowl, definitely. Well, I'm, I'm glad he won his oh, Super Bowl and not the real one. Well, we well, the Eagles haven't won theirs. Correct. Well, fans were trashing him last year when they lost the Super Bowl, and they said, oh, it's Gannon's fault, it's Gannon's fault. And Gannon actually, I think, came out and apologized. I forget the statement that he put out, but he knew it was his fault. They lost the Super Bowl. And so what do you think he's going to do? He's going to prepare his team to beat Philly and send 60,000 fans home yesterday being like, holy moly. You know, I, you could have put a different word in there. but Holy moly. No, I like holy moly. Oh, yes. I, I won't make you bleed me out. I don't want to put the producer on too much of it. No, we haven't. I, I shouldn't say that. No, don't jinx it. Don't jinx it. Please continue. So, yeah, everybody, now they know that, no, the loss to the Jets was not an aberration. And I think the comment that you made about 10 minutes ago about Bill Belichick and um, and Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi, I think this Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia worked together for years in New England. I think Matt Patricia is your next head coach. And he's oh, just, no. Here? You don't no, think so? No, he's not a head no. coach. No. No, 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 no. Did you uh, – have we watched them play? Also, he was horrible with the Lions. He's a bad head coach. We don't know if he's a good defensive coordinator. We know he's a terrible offensive coordinator. I, I don't know what Matt Patricia does well. And I cannot believe that when they fired, quote-unquote, Desai, the backup plan happened to be freaking Matt Patricia out of everybody else it could have been. 
Well, who else was it going to be? I, I don't know. But like, no one else in house. No one else in house. But why was he even brought in house? Is there no better option in the world than Matt Patricia? By the way, he still hasn't coached Slay in a game. Uh, right. <laughs> Drew, what's the uh, Philadelphia sports moment, good or bad, of 2023? I think, in my opinion, it was Bryson Stott hitting the grand slam against the Marlins. We haven't gotten that one That's yet, and we, one. we appreciate the call, Drew. That's a good one. That good was call. an iconic, iconic moment. I don't know if I've ever seen Citizens Bank Park I was erupt, there for that one. erupt like that. That was great. That was awesome. Um, it was great, but it somehow felt wild card round. Like every Harper homer against the Braves to follow was was bigger. You know, it was the next round. It was the Braves. You like were supposed you were supposed to beat the Marlins. It built, but that the- grand slam was awesome. Yeah, the first grand slam. Only two Phillies grand slams in the playoffs uh, in their history. Obviously, the other one being Shane Victorino off of CC Sabathia, and then again this year, uh, Bryson Stott um, against the Marlins. Uh, coming up next. Uh, as we ride here at the 5 o'clock hour, we are the bridge to the WIP morning show. Filling in for Joe DeCamera, John Ritchie, Rhea Hughes, and James Seltzer, it will be Rob Ellis and Jack Fritz. Want to get to in the next segment, I laid out my case for why I've lost my most faith in Sirianni. Ben Kenny, he's going to make his case for someone else in the organization who he's lost even more faith in. We'll get to that. We're going to get to the audio from Sidney Brown on the postgame show uh, that – Again, Rob Ellis and Jack Fritz were hosting the post-game show yesterday. Sidney Brown, some interesting comments. We'll get to that on the other side, as well as rock your calls. Aaron in West Philadelphia, and then you, 215-592-9494. This is Dan Wilson alongside Ben Kenny, Sports Radio 94, WIP. Welcome back, Sports Radio 94, WIP. 5.25 a.m., a couple segments left here on maybe the longest WIP overnight show since I've worked here. We're about to complete six hours. Yeah, our, I don't know. WIP hosting. Debut. I don't know what the comparison is. That's for sure. It's like going extra innings overtime. Mm-hmm. We're gamers. Yeah. And we saw an opportunity. It's a big game. I, this was a, it's a big game show. Oh, it's, a, it's a huge game show. I mean, what, what a better day to debut. New Year's Eve, riding the New Year's Day, riding into a couple of pros. And Rob Ellis and Jack Fritz. Can't think of anything better. But, Ben, I teased it before the break, and I want to get to it here. So I laid out my case for why the person I've lost the most faith in in the organization, Nick Sirianni, you had a different answer. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm losing faith in Sirianni. I agree. I'm not all the way out because of the opportunity that remains. A turnaround in these next couple games, and I think we can, we can see this as a blip in the road, hopefully. I'm not confident that's going to happen. But I couldn't help myself while watching the game yesterday as the Cardinals just ran up and down on the Eagles and up and down 450 yards, um, 32 first downs, 220 rushing yards, like a domination of an Eagles defense that we have not seen in a long, it was a historically bad defensive day. The Eagles lost because of their defense yesterday. And the defense sucks. Like, I think that's where we all stand right now. But they changed coordinators, so it wasn't. It's not Desai being bad. It might be Patricia still being bad, but it's the same result. And I kept coming back to the fact that starting at defensive line, Hassan Reddick, Fletcher Cox, Davis, and Carter and Sweat. That's who they entered the season with. Starting at linebacker, Nick Amoro, Shaq Leonard, no Cunningham or Dean, but those guys aren't real difference makers as as we've seen. That's who how he entered the season with. At corner, no Slay. But Slay's not fixing your run game. You had Maddox, Bradbury, Ringo, Ricks. 
like still kind of the secondary you entered the season with, with Blankenship and Brown and Bayard, in addition to the veterans he's added. It's just this is the defense that Howie Roseman built to enter the season. And with the benefit of hindsight, I can look back at pretty much every offseason move and say, minus drafting Jalen Carter, I disagree with that decision. I disagree in hindsight with re-signing Bradbury. I disagree with letting Chauncey Garner-Johnson go. I really disagree with letting TJ Edwards walk. I just, like, Howie Roseman, yes, he is not blame number one because it goes on the head coach and whoever else, but he cannot be beyond reproach. His additions of Shaq Leonard and Bayard and and um, Roby, the corner, really haven't done anything. Like, they have not made big impacts on the team. So I come away from yesterday's game, obviously I feel bad about their standing going into the playoffs, but also... Like, Howie Roseman messed up last offseason. I think he totally butchered it, and I think he is a big reason why it seems like this team is butchering a chance to win a Super Bowl. Okay, so I I agree with a lot of what you just said, but here's my counterpoint, right? For why I agree he's not beyond reproach. I agree that Howie Roseman deserves to be analyzed, just like everyone in the organization. They did, and I said this earlier, return seven, I believe, starters from last season on the defense seven of the eight highest-paid players. And clearly, clearly, you're going to lose players whenever you go to the Super Bowl. And the team went from leading the NFL in sacks to basically going to a point where they don't get any pressure. And actually, I want to play this cut uh, from Daryl Johnston uh, in this game. We played it earlier, but I I want to play it again. Kyler Murray looked like he was, like, the past two weeks. The Eagles played against the Giants, who allowed more who allow more sacks in the league than anyone. And they played against Kyler Murray, who usually runs for his life. Listen to this. This was in the third quarter when our good pal Greg Bro <laughs> Greg Broach. Uh did Dorch. I get sorry, Dorch. We Greg, just, you said Broach. You said Broach. Greg Dorch. Greg said, Dorch. Greg Dorch. I call them Broach because Broach was on the mind. I'm gonna broach the subject. See that transition there. Of how the Eagles how the Eagles were unable to get to Kyler Murray all day. And this is from a national analyst on TV analyzing the Eagles' ability to get to Kyler Murray. Take a listen. Out of the timeout, Murray's well protected, and Dorch is wide open. Greg Dorch with a dozen, and another first down for Arizona. This is as comfortable as I've seen Kyler Murray in the pocket in this offense. There's things coming out on time, in rhythm, and at times on film, you can tell that he's he's still kind of getting comfortable and understanding what this offense is all about as he works through it with Drew Petzing. So this is this is a big step for Kyler this afternoon. It's not a big step for Kyler Murray. The Eagles' defense and the Eagles' defensive scheme has taken a step back. They're not running the same stunts or the same pass rush, and the reason why everyone wants them to blitz all of a sudden is because they can't get to the quarterback. The Glenn and Mike football bet, or the Mike and Glenn football bet of who's going to have more sacks, Hassan Reddick versus the Georgia players, is at a standstill because no one actually gets to the quarterback. And the secondary is looking a whole lot worse, and the 49ers were correct because Bradbury is looking like trash, and the secondary is looking like trash, and you can attack the linebackers, and the middle looks like trash because this team doesn't get to the quarterback. Opposing quarterbacks have all day, and regardless of where you rank in the span of 1 to 32 or even in the year of the backup quarterback, 1 to like 50, in quarterbacks, if you are in the NFL and you have all day, you will pick apart this Eagles defense. And 
That goes to scheme for me. That goes to defensive play calling. That goes to coaching for me. The talent is still the same. Like, but they a changed lot, the coach. It's a lot of the same. Per- but it's a lot of the same person. But they're from not a year as good. Ago. But the, but the difference is from year to year. Brad Barry, night and day different. Brandon Graham and love the guy, but he's not done nearly as much. No, he's as not. He did last year, correct. Like like they are getting older. But they're better than what they've played. Like, they're better than this. I do believe that. Or they've just played teams that finally are able to expose them. I just I go back. I cannot find one move how he made this offseason, aside from drafting Jalen Carter and signing freaking Braden Mann, the punter, that I agree with in hindsight. Marcus Mariota stinks, and I think you, you paid him too much to be a backup. The scrap heap linebackers of Cunningham, Morrow, they, they had Miles Jack, like he was part of their plans. How are you going to succeed in the NFL in 2023 if that's your plan? And you're signing guys who are let go from other teams for a reason. There's a reason Shaq Leonard was on the open market. 215-592-9494. Are you like me? Have you lost the most faith in Nick Sirianni? Are you like Ben? Have you lost the most faith in Howie Roseman? Do you have a third culprit? Who in the Eagles organization have you lost the most faith in? We're going to go to Jack in Havertown. You're in Sports Radio 94 WIP. What's up, Jack? Uh, Not much. I'm actually in Florida. I kept my phone number when I moved down here. So uh, I listened to you guys on... uh, Odyssey. Uh, we appreciate I, it. I, I want to disagree to a uh, uh, to a degree about you claiming uh, it's the defense's fault. As bad as they were yesterday, and they were bad, it's not just the defense. It's our whole idea of what a good football team is, and it dates back to when. Honestly, I don't get too deep here. How when Jeff Lurie took over the team, and he's a good man. He's always provided for this team and Jack 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 they've been one of the best organizations since he has taken exactly. over Exactly. It's been okay. one of the best but, things to happen but, to the franchise. But Jeff Lurie uh, when he first took over his whole he was infatuated with that uh what I call run and shoot the west coast offense and chunk plays. That that word chunk I'm so sick of hearing it. They're always talking about they're greedy in their offensive scheme. They refuse, and they have refused, even with Andy Reid, to run the ball. That comes from the owner on down. So that's and I'm the not difference. saying he's calling plays or any of that stuff, but it's a philosophy that this team sticks with no matter who the coach is. And you look at that guy yesterday, that James Conner. Jesus, he was so great. He was so big. They overpowered Jack, do you know, us. Jack, do you want to know why he was great? Because the defense stinks. No, they made it. They made Michael totally Carter disagree. look like a good we running have, back. We have good to great players on defense. Oh, give me a break! Who is? Give me one difference-making player aside from Hassan Reddick. The whole defensive line, I think, is. Where really have they good. been all season? Where have it, they been for two months? Well, if you want to just count uh, sacks, look how they're using uh, Hassan Reddick. He's out for seven or eight pass plays. Rather than doing what he's good at, they do not put their players in the best position to win, to use their players as that player is built for a particular type of play. So putting Hassan Reddick out to cover somebody is ridiculous. The fact that all these years they've ignored linebackers, which would have been great to kind of stop that runner yesterday, Connor, and and that other guy, Carter, to back up that defensive line, you're telling me that these defensive linemen, uh, how do I want to put this? They get worn down mentally and physically. 
They're human beings. That's what it is. So if we had some great linebackers backing them up, stopping that run, those teams would stop trying to run the ball. Then you can try to start sacking. Jack, the run is yes. Jack, Jack, really quick because we got to hit a, a break here and get to some more calls. Uh, what was the Philadelphia sports moment of 2023? Uh, was there one? Well, it can be good I, or bad. What's the, what's the defining moment? It's that one Eagles game where they ran the ball. Uh, <laughs> I think <laughs> that's funny. When uh, <laughs> when they got to the Super Bowl last year, that was unbelievable. When they won the I mean, NFC I, Championship? Yeah, I never expected them to go that far last right, year. Nice. It, it was really nice. It was. We got a nice positive one. And, Jack, we appreciate the call. We, ha- we hadn't got the NFC Championship no, one yet. No. And I, I agree about the linebackers. I do. But the, the root of this team's issues is not because Jeff Lurie likes – the West Coast offense. It's not. No, I, I would I would agree with that. And I also agree with your point that they've been overwhelmingly competitive and he's been the best owner probably in city history, oh, not just franchise history. Seriously. Uh, really quick, want to play this audio and then we're going to go back to the phones. Um, Sydney Brown. Sydney Brown joined uh, the postgame show with Jack and Rob uh, here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. And Ben, I want to get your quick take on this before we hit the break. Sydney Brown was asked you know, just in general. And it should be a day where he's celebrating his pick six. It should be a day where he's reacting positively. The Eagles blow the game in the second half. Listen to his reaction. This is a rookie. You usually don't get this much out of rookies. Listen to his reaction when asked what he he made of this loss and what he made of blowing this game to specifically the Arizona Cardinals. No, no worries. Uh, so we're just waiting on that cut for a second. Um, Anyway, he said that they lost to the worst team in the NFL. He said that they literally lost lost to the worst team in the NFL, which, again, isn't technically true. But the fact that Sidney Brown it, like, is coming out and saying that, again, it speaks to my point about like this being a bad marriage. I think that speaks more to the locker room culture and the coaching than does the general manager. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, like they're, they're overly frank. I mean, I'm glad that he's blunt and he's being honest. It was a great interview. Yeah, I just, I I take away from that looking forward. Like, how do they respond, right? Yes. What does next week look like? Is it any different? Because it's really a crossroads for the team. Do they have an, like, Sidney Brown's a rookie. He's not a leader. But do they have an attitude? Do they come out and beat the crap out of Terod Taylor and the Giants? And, yes, they're going to be the five seed and probably go to Tampa, but actually enter the playoffs with momentum. Or... Do we see the same crap we've been seeing for the last two months and they just look like an uncompetitive team? Aaron, you've been waiting patiently on hold. You're on Sports Radio 94 WIP. What's up, Aaron? How you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year it's to the, you. It's the offensive coordinator, man. So you he put got it, Brian Johnson. Huh? Brian Johnson. He got to go. He has to go. Why is it on Why him more than Sirianni? Why more than the head coach? Because... Sirianni have nothing to do with him being offensive coordinator. That comes from the top. You know that. So what you is Sir, what is Sirianni's job? What can we hold him accountable for? Sirianni, Sirianni is clueless. He always been clueless. Always been jailing her, carrying him his whole his whole coaching career. Okay, the the defense is trash. The 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 front line can't get a sack. And they can't tackle on a run, and the secondary is worse than the Phillies batting average. Come on, man! Really Stop quick, it. Aaron, we're up against the break. But what was the Philadelphia sports moment of 2023? 
Philadelphia Sports won in 2003. The Phillies choking. <laughs> the Phillies choking. To Arizona? Okay. It's a good answer, Aaron, and we Thank appreciate you, the call. Um, yeah, we've got his batting average that bad. We've got, well, we've gotten a lot of that tonight. Uh-huh. Uh, he had to get in one final Phillies point here, now technically in 2024, uh, but of the new year. 215-592-9494. I'm Dan. He's been one segment to go in the six-hour marathon of a shift. Could not be happier to do it. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, there's still time to get in. Christopher Tatum, we see you. We're going to get to your calls on the other side. Uh, sports radio time is 540. Ninety-four WIP Dan Wilson, Ben Kenny, bringing you into a New Year's Day as we've hosted here for the first five hours, forty-three minutes, and twenty-six seconds here of twenty twenty-four. Happy where, New Year to everyone! Where is it turning New Year's next? I think Hawaii is the last one. Did we, I, but, but did we just hit Hawaii? Hawaii, we hit at five a.m. Is everywhere else in the world already Hawaii? It? Hawaii, I believe, is the last is the like the last time zone to celebrate New Year's Eve every year. So why is... So I think the whole world is now in 2024. This is a really stupid question. Yes. Why is Hawaii behind us, but then once you get past Hawaii, suddenly they're in front of us? Have you heard of the international dateline? Like, yeah, but I'm not familiar with where it is. Okay, so the line has to be somewhere, right? In theory, yeah. Not in theory. If you're going to have time zones, (laughs) the line has to be somewhere. Like, they're only... Like, the next time zone over, I think it's New Zealand. Time zones are made for what? For, For the markets or for farmers? Well, for, for it's for you know social construct and farmers. Okay. Otherwise, it would be three o'clock in the morning and be broad daylight. Mm-hmm. So, New Zealand, which is only an hour, like if you were looking at a clock in Hawaii and a clock in New Zealand, it would be an hour off. But really, they're twenty three hours ahead. Yeah. Like, like in New Zealand, I get it. They're on they're they're four a.m. on January second right now. I, I get it. Yeah. Okay. I get so it. it's it's quite quite wild to think that they've already had New Year's Day and they did New Year's Eve like a night before us. Mm-hmm. That's just how it works. 215-592-9494. Going to run to our final two calls of the night in just a second here, but wanted to play this audio because I'm not sure how many people have heard it, and I know there's a lot of people waking up as we lead into the morning show here uh, with Jack and Rob, and they got a great show planned. Uh, be sure to stay tuned for them. Jonathan Gannon, of course, the return, the anticipated return of the Eagles' former defensive coordinator, who many blame for the Super Bowl, had an interesting coaching move, one that was – criticized on both broadcasts at the time, but Jonathan Gannon ended up having the last laugh, despite the fact that it would appear he did not, he was not successful. Now, here's what I mean by this. With five minutes to go in the game, tied 28-28. The Cardinals just tied the game with a touchdown. Eagles set to receive the kickoff. The Arizona Cardinals tried an onside kick. They were not successful in the onside kick. The Eagles recovered it, ultimately led to them scoring a field goal, Right? So anyone might think, okay, the Cardinals tried an onside kick. They tried to get cute. They tried to catch the Eagles off guard, and it didn't work. And this is what three-win teams do. Except that's not what Jonathan Gannon's logic was here. Apparently his logic was something even deeper than that and speaks to the fact that he (laughs) seemed to be the better and more thoughtful coach and coached circles around Nick Sirianni. He actually wanted to get the ball back. He knew that he thought he was going to win this exchange despite the fact that the Eagles would likely recover the ball, as this pretty much always happens in onside kicks in the year 2023. Take a listen. Again, Jonathan Gannon asked postgame about trying the onside kick. Take a listen to his response. No, that worked, Darren. That worked. That's what we talked about. That's what I'm talking about. 
Yeah, that the reason for that is is you don't want to get bled out. That team's too you know too good. It's not. I trust the defense. I trust the defense to get a stop right there, and make them kick a field goal, which is what they did. But with five minutes left, what they've shown is they're not going to give you the ball back. And I wanted to make sure at all costs, Kyler had the ball in his hand um, at the end of the game. Whatever you're down, and uh, that's what we did. So um, it, it's just funny it came up how it came up. But uh, no, I thought the defense did excellent. You know, held no field goal there. Kyler went down. Dorch had the big play, had a couple of runs in there. Um, you know, and then we pounded it in. James, you know, will not be denied. So it's a good job. I mean, that is audio. You made me aware of this before the show. I mean, that's unbelievable that he actually thought that far ahead. was like, I want to make sure my guy gets the ball. I don't even care if we're losing. And I'm willing to take this risk. Again, it's easy when you you have three wins. But it ended up working out. The Eagles got a field goal, gave the ball quickly back to the Arizona Cardinals. They drove down, burned out the clock, scored a game-winning touchdown. And, Ben, I don't believe that's a move you would see any coach try against the Eagles a season ago because of both their offense and their defense. The Cardinals dominated the Eagles in time of possession in this game because the defense couldn't get off the field. And also, he had the faith that the Eagles' offense was only going to come away with a field goal. Yeah, that's a, to me, it's a move. It's a move you do if you know when your quarterback gets the ball back, he'll score no matter what. Like, that's a move in theory you do if you have Patrick he, Mahomes. He, he believed in Kyler Murray, based upon what he saw in this game, was going to go drive down and score. Because of, it's because a glaring, of, because of the Eagles. It's, it's, an, a, it's an indictment on the Eagles. It's a glaring indictment on the Eagles' defense. Keep this in mind. The Cardinals' possessions, every single one of them, except for the one at the end of the half, which wasn't a real possession, entered the Eagles' red zone. Yeah, the punts are at a day off. The Yeah, and they didn't punt. Kyler Murray threw a pick six, and they had a field goal in their first drive. Every other drive was a touchdown. They entered the Eagles' red zone on every drive. Like, this was a historically bad day for the Eagles. This is one of the worst Eagles defensive days we have ever seen. And it's not hyperbole. Christopher in California, you're on Sports Radio 94 WIP. What's up, Christopher? Hey, what's going on? Hey. What's up, Chris? Hey, uh, so I've called in before, and I I put a lot of blame on the quarterback. Um, at this point, I thought, at this point now I know for sure it's beyond the quarterback and it's beyond the head coach as well. Uh, who to blame? What's going on here? It 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 is Howie Roseman's responsibility for what's going on here. Um, he's the one that developed this this team. He's the one that you know has this coaching staff together. He's the one that um, basically I feel like Nick Sirianni is a scapegoat. He got his hands tied behind his back. If you're a head coach of another team, you know, you could take the – wasn't it um, the guy in Carolina, uh, he had his play-calling duties taken away and then he took him back? Yeah. Um, Wait, under Sirianni or under Doug? No, 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 no. Um, the the head coach, he got he got fired. He was our offensive coordinator, Frank Wright. Uh-huh. He, had, he had his offensive coordinator, uh, our play-calling duties taken away, and then he took him back himself. Like, why can't Nick Sirianni do that himself? Like, if you're in this type of oh here, you yeah, want Sirianni turmoil. to take take back over play calling? Do we right. want like, like? Do you want him taking over play calling? Do you have faith that it would go well? No, I mean, it could hurt. You know, you keep losing, and we kind of have to know. Brian Johnson, it couldn't hurt. You know, to see what the difference is. I got you, Chris. I, I, really, really quick, we're kind of up against it here. What was the Philadelphia sports moment of 2023? Uh, to me personally, I like uh, Nick Castellanos when he hit the two home uh, two 
home run apiece in game three and four against uh, Atlanta the, Braves. The division series is a good one. We appreciate it, Christopher. Thank you, Chris. Yep, then another one against the Cardinal, uh, the, the, the Diamondbacks, and then he went 0 for 30. Tatum in Blackwood, you're going to be our final caller of the morning. What's up, Tatum? Good morning. Happy New Year's to you guys. Man. Happy New Year to you. What's up? I mean, the freaking Eagles, man. I mean, the Cardinals. How do you lose a game against the Cardinals? I mean, no defense. They can't tackle. You know, I mean, this, this, you got to go from the top and just sweep the, everything down. You want everyone I mean, fired? I'm tired of this. Do you want yeah, everyone fired? I'm, yeah, I'm tired of this. I mean, the, I mean, we don't get good players. We don't get no linebackers. We don't put no money on linebackers. We don't put no money on, on uh, cornerbacks and everything. You know, people have stopped the ball. The defense is lying. When the last time we got to go and uh, tackle tackle the quarterback? That's Tatum. a that's a great question, Tatum. Who yeah, have you I, lost? Who have you lost the most faith in in this organization? Um, uh, uh Howard Roseman. Uh, two late votes for Roseman. I'm telling you, man. Ben, ben is taking over the 5 a.m. hour. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. He don't he don't get nobody. He don't get nobody for linebackers. I mean, look at the linebackers we got. Look at the corners we have. We have nobodies. Tatum, uh, really quick, who, what was the Philadelphia sports moment of 2023? Oh, boy, Philadelphia sports moment t- 2003. Oh, man, you got me. Uh, 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 oh, boy. Uh, losing, losing the door. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have a moment from this past year? Uh, yeah, losing the door Super Bowl. Losing to the darn right. Super Bowl. That's a good way to end it. And it that is. is a Super Bowl loss. I've said it once. I've said it a thousand times. It is at, what, what is the opposite of fine wine? Like People say it ages like a fine wine. It ages like a... Sour milk. Like sour milk. I think. That, it is, that Super Bowl loss is aging like sour milk with manure poured into it. It's awful. Like It literally is it going... Feels it, it feels worse. It feels worse. It's aging as one of... It's going to age as one of the worst losses in Philadelphia sports history. Awesome. And, and, that, and that's where we are. Welcome to 2024. Welcome to 2024, everybody. I am Dan Wilson. That is Ben Kenny. Terry Tillman doing an amazing job uh, producing this fine program. It's been fun. I mean, how about a hosting debut, New Year's Eve, reacting to Eagles Cardinals? We will always remember where we were uh, when this game was played. We'll always remember our first hosting shift, the occasion, what happened that day. Uh, I don't think it's a show that any of us uh, will soon forget. Ben, very happy. happy a lot of fun. Sp- happy to spend... Your most memorable New Year's Eve with you. I can confidently say the same as well. Uh, and we get to lead into two pros and Rob Ellis and Jack Fritz. Absolutely. We're usually on the other side for the post game show. I feel like the post game show is just about to begin again. Yeah, and I, I mean it's it, it's a game that needs to be continued to uh, dissect it, if that makes proper English sense. Rob Ellis, Jack Fritz, they're going to go into all things Eagles Cardinals. They will take your calls next at two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. I've been Dan Wilson. Ben Kenny, Terry Tillman producing right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you.